weirdos. Nude science is the revolution. Nude science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science DC Comics podcast, episode 505, legacy numbering 505. And I'll be talking about a bunch of books with a bunch of co-hosts once again in a week that I was a little worried about. Some of the books that were coming out, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not really down with those or whatnot. Ended up at the end kind of being like Cindy Lauper and the girls. And even more so, it wasn't just that I wanted to have fun. I actually had some fun. And it was partly in a due to the co-host. I had a lot of fun talking to everybody this week. So a big shout out to everybody that you'll hear from this point out. But before we do get to those books, let me remind you where you can find us. Go over to Twitter at Weird Science DC. Follow us, we'll follow you back. Go to our website, WeirdScienceDCComics.com. Read written reviews from Sus, Gabe, and even me this week. I showed up and did one review on the site for the Joker, the Man Who Stopped Laughing, number 11, because, you know, me and Matthew Rosenberg are tight. We are tight. It's funny I'm saying that, and I'm, like, putting my fingers so separate there, thinking that people are going to get that, but they, you really can't see me doing it. Or maybe you can, maybe you're looking in the window, which would be odd because I'm on the third floor attic. So take that. Also go over to go over to YouTube at Weird Science Comics, and you can see a bunch of videos for some DC stuff, some Marvel stuff, even some manga indie, all of that all rolled up into one. And then last but not least, go over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash weird science, where you can get a ton of exclusive shows as well as help us out. For everything that we do But yeah, we have a ton of shows And I don't say that lightly I am not joking, we have a ton It was actually measured last week But we also, one of the things that we do each and every week That we talk about here Is our weekly DC Comics Badass Patreon Spotlight Very weekly And this past week, the two books picked by the badasses Of the Get Fresh crew Was Shazam number 4 And The Joker, The Man Who Stopped Laughing Number 11 and you can kind of go with the idea, okay, they picked Shazam because that's fun. And they picked Joker the Man of Stop Laughing just to torture me. But that works every sort of way. The badasses get to do what the badasses get to do because that's why they're badasses. And with that, here's their roll call. Ah, uh, see, this is going smooth. I'm having problems with the idea of doing these intros without Eric. I'm not used to doing the intro by myself. It always feels weird. But we'll start this off with Steven Bat Dad Mitchell. Trevor, Dad Nation, yeah, yeah, Eric K, Jeffrey Greek, Zach Walker, The Annihilator, Ted Probst, I Love Punchline, Stork, Michael S, Cam, Matt Razor, Niels Tewart, David Fink, Stephen Baum, Jason Kobe, Sue 42, to you and me, Michael G, Ken Hell, Comic Boom Rocker, Tommy Dreamer, that guy keeps that same name, what's up with him, Mark Jager, Bill Beer, Ruben, Carlos, Noah Marv, Matthew Rapier sent me some, you know, words of encouragement this this week. Luke Hollywood, Simon, Luis, Manship, Andrew and Belfast, Swanee, Anthony G, Josh Vermillion, Batman Beyond, Mark, B. Muir, Brandy Murray. He's going to be joining me on the Marvel podcast this next week, talking Superior Spider-Man and Double A-Ron, doxing his ass up in Minnesota. He's going to be joining me as a permanent co-host on our Dragon Ball manga podcast. So just a shout out to that. And with that, as the music fades and I give you the all-time shout outs to Reginald, Reginald Drinkwater and Rob Lewis. Mm -mm. 
I do want to mention, I don't mention it all the time, but I do want to mention that if you're enjoying our DC Comics podcast and you're kind of in the comics, you might want to check out our Marvel Comics podcast, not just one, not just one, but two. We have our regular Marvel's comic podcast now that me and Matt Razor do, but we're also joined by a bunch of co-hosts, but there's also our X-Men show that I got the hell out of, and it's just Ruben and Jason, and it's all the better for that, that I got the hell out. But with that, if you are somebody who likes comics and you're like, oh my God, I wonder what these guys think of that God's number one this week from Jonathan Hickman. We're going to have a special uh, edition with Ruben and Jason. They're going to talk about this week as well. But check out our Marvel Comics deal there. And also just a shout out that we have a bunch of manga shows as well, including, as I said, Double Aaron's going to join me on our weekly, very, very weekly uh, Dragon Ball manga reading club that goes with all of our other manga reading clubs and manga podcasts. We actually have, I believe, seven manga podcast each and every week check out the show notes everything will be there in the link tree hit that then you get links all over the place you'll be here there and everywhere as paul mccartney and the rest of the beatles actually sang as well so with all that though we're going to go off and we're going to start with the old batman obviously gotham war is what everybody's talking about down at the rec center now me and gabe were supposed to end up recording and we had a snafu. My, actually, my computer at that point seemed to have taken a dump, and it looked like there was going to be problems, like I was going to be joining Eric on a hiatus myself. I actually ended up being able to fix that. But in the meantime, Gabe is actually in Vegas doing God knows what. I mean, who could even begin to know what sus things Gabe's doing? But now I'm probably going to have to do that all by my lonesome, which is weird to do such a big book by yourself. But as I said, as always, the show has to go on. So we're going to go off to that. We'll start with that. But then after it, it will get better because we'll have a bunch of co-hosts, including Matt. Re- I'm going to start naming and then I'll forget somebody and they'll be pissed. But we'll have Matt Razor, Simon, Zach, Aiden, other people, Luke Hollywood with some manga. So we'll get to that right about now. Batman and Catwoman fighting So many fans are buying Damn that bat family's dying The way they've always done before What is the shit we're reading? Don't even know where it's leading Look at the hate they're breeding The way they've always done before What's the outside? Selena's got the more unified But it makes bad men look unqualified I'd say Oh, yes, it is the Gotham War. And we're going to be starting with Batman. And hey, welcome back, Eric. Eric is welcome back. back. I, Where have I been? Summer Ween still? 
That's spooky season. <laughs> Here we are with Night Terrors. Yeah. Well, I have to admit, though, I did say that uh, the Joker deal of the Night Terrors, the most important book in Night Terrors, you were completely you wrong. It was not Ravager. Murder Man shows up. I, I'm telling you in this, I'm actually still holding out. I never finished the Angel Breaker one that was one of our favorites, <laughs> if not our favorite. I'm like, I'm not going to let that die. The minute that I read that, I thought it was all over. That's that's like the lifeline I had. I do want to tell everybody, originally, me and Gabe were going to talk about this Batman book, and we ended up having a snafu. So what happened was I was just going to record it myself. I ended up like, okay, and I, I didn't want to. Because that sucks. I mean, nobody wants to hear that, right? But also a big book. So I ended up like deciding, and, and at one point, I thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, do it. Then you actually behind the scenes got a hold of me, and we set some things up, and it looked like you were you were back. You're going to be coming yeah. back, but it would have been next week. So while I was thinking, I thought, well, the hell with it. Let me just ask because we had all these plans, and I'm I'm crazy, so I want to set up this big <laughs> surprise, like an April Fool's deal. I actually said for this review, this is the credit. I wanted Eric to record with me, but be in a persona of somebody else, and then I get his audio, put it through AI the AI, voices. have an AI voice, and then just throw it out there and see if anybody knew it was you. And then I write back, or we could just do Batman. All right, if you're into that. I, for some reason, I thought that I had to come up with some convoluted, crazy plan to get you involved. But here we are. And just to let everybody know, again, the rest of the podcast is already recorded. So Eric is jumping on to help me with this Batman book. And then we'll get all the other guest hosts afterwards. But Eric will be back next week for good well, and proper. I won't say for good because who knows? I mean, I might die in three weeks and then we'll see what happens then. Yeah. But you'll be proper. I'd proper. say good, good and proper. And you, you have a new setup. You sound crystal clear. I, I like that. Uh, and for now, you, uh, coming back here, yeah, really. The, the big play will be fun to go through these books and find out the ones that you haven't, you know, recorded that you were reading. And, and also, just as an aside, me and Eric have been talking a bit during this whole deal, during this whole hiatus about books and, and what are you reading and what do you think of that and bitching and moaning about some things as well. But I don't know what you think of everything, but you did tell me that you were a little more positive on the Gotham War than I am because I've well, been pretty down on it. It's crazy the idea of the Gotham War because I've been looking forward to that since spooky season summer. But the problem is, like, everything that they're doing with the Gotham War that I'm involved with that I think could be really cool for the story is like, no, nah, we don't want to do that anymore. Here's Vandal Savage. I'm like, but why are we doing Vandal Savage when you have but a you proper love story? Savage, Here's right? R. I'm like, okay, <laughs> Zero and R. I get it. It's a Chips and Arsky thing for Batman, but, but we're doing something else right now. Can't we get back to Zero and R? Well, I'll, I'll even tell you the whole play of this. First off, I think that that's the big problem. When you're doing this, you're really getting the idea of, we didn't really need this Gotham War. Like, all this story could have just been Zor and R stuff going, but you have to, you know, shove that Catwoman book in. When I did end up seeing Scandal Savage, for some reason I thought, like, oh, man, Eric's going to think that's pretty cool. This is a Scandal Savage. But it's, you know, Scandal Savage, but it's Marquise. Yeah, and that's weird. Like, I think that a lot of the stuff in this, in this Gotham War, especially when it comes to Teeny Howard and the Catwoman nonsense, that if we really sat there, if me and you sat there and tried to come up with the timeline of when this plan of theirs came about, like, listen, we're going to get Marquise, you're at scandal, you're going to get arrested, you go in jail. Hopefully, we'll end up having that 
Selena gets put in jail for murder. Like, it, Thankfully, it's so weird, Selena right? decided to stay in jail instead of being let out by the assistant district attorney because she didn't do the, the explosions that they said she did. Okay, now I'm here. I'm going to stay in prison. I'm going to have my full redemption arc. Hey, what's up, Marquise? I'm going to train you on a bunch of girls to be thieves. Let's break out of here. <laughs> Let's break what? out. In the two months while Batman's sleeping, we're going to get this whole criminal empire going so that Batman goes against the Bat family so that then you could get your dad and like, what happened? Now, would you think this is cool? Because this is one of my theories, Eric. And you know, I love to have the theories. And unlike what Gabe, Gabe says, you know, script doctoring is hey, okay do it. with me. Right? You do it. So what if you find out that the setup actually was that Valmont's actually in on the plan and is with Vandal Savage and he faked his death, that he faked his death to get <laughs> no, this no. whole thing he, going. He is the cat on Vandal Savage's lap as he's planning everything, petting it. Yes, Valmont, we shall take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> but at least if there was Valmont that ended up like, okay, well, Valmont is in with Vandal. They set up. So, but it still is too convoluted to but get to the end. But we still have to so, w- wait for phase 17 of Punchline for whatever that might be. Yeah, people have forgotten all that. I, I realize now that when you go through these things and you go through books, people forget about stuff because nobody oh, the, is even asking you, about. That is the worst part of doing the whole hiatus because you and I, for years upon years, talk every week about every book that's coming out. So we read them, we discuss it for hours on end. You have a good idea what's going on. You remember things from week to week to month to month. I read these books catching up like, boy, I got to get on top of this. And then I get done reading. I have no idea what the hell I just read. You bring up things like, what the hell did I read? Yeah, that's the funny thing. All of a sudden, me and you were talking. We were talking last night. And I'm mentioning stuff. Hey, did you do that? Did you read that? And now I've become Eric uh-huh. Shea. I thought to myself, I, I'm not, I haven't been reading comics most of my life. But I've been reading them for the last month and a half. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I'm the smart one here. Uh but really, the whole play of this, and one of the things that kind of drives me nuts with this Gotham War as well, is that, I don't know, you like the Bat God. We, we talked about I this a lot. Yeah. Chip, so when you go from Chip Starsky Bat God, yeah, you throw in the Zoran R stuff. But when he is in this event, at points, I swear to God, Batman is just doing Batman stuff. And people are like, he's out of control. Oh, my God. Like. Batman actually fights back when the when the family starts beating him up. And they're well, like, it's, oh it's my so God. weird, too. Because I love Chip Zdarsky bringing up the Bat God for his initial fail yeah, saves like on our arc and stuff like that. Cause it's showing you who Batman is and why he's capable of taking on everybody in the Just League if he needs to do it. We get to the Gotham War, though, after he did his multiversal jaunt, and all of a sudden the Bat family, they are capable. They've been trained by Batman, and they've been doing all this shit for years upon years. They are capable superheroes slash vigilantes. But I still feel like Batman, even with a more Zuranar personality leaking through, is not able to take them out as easily as a Bat God should. Exactly. And and why isn't it at this point? Because there's the idea of a Bat God should, but there's also a Bat God would. And you yeah. get that. And so when you do it, it's humanizing you, the shit out of Batman and the rest of the Bat family. It's almost like the idea that the Bat family is yelling, oh, my God, I know you're being controlled by Zuranar. I know. But it's actually like a nicer bat. Like, there's a weird play. That's why I think in this issue you do that bit with Jason because really the idea of Batman, oh, my God, it's not like Batman to not want criminals to be able to do crime. Oh, my. It, it doesn't make sense to me. So they need to have something for the Bat family to really get angry about, really to show, oh, my God, he's gone over the line. And you throw this Jason, what I like to call the reverse crank, Eric, and you end up having that. Reverse and crank. It, it, just, it feels like it's such a. 
a weird force convoluted way. And then in an issue that we kind of change everything into a Vandal Savage. It's very odd. It's it's very odd. I'll give you the credits and then we'll jump right into it. It is. The Gotham War Chapter 4, Batman, number 138. Kept thinking it was 137 for some reason all week. Jim Zdarsky writing Jorge Jimenez on art, Tamo Moray on colors, and Clayton Coles on letters. So we, we jump into this. And again, all this lead up going into the idea of Selena, we're going to do this nonviolent crime. You know, the hell with them rich people. We let their dough. Fuck them. And, and the funny play here is this too is in the Red Hood tie in that I didn't yeah. like at all. But Jason comes up with one of the smartest things of this whole deal. Hey, Catwoman, you're actually just training these assholes to go back to... They're going to be better henchmen when this is all be better. over. And so it makes me laugh. I think that the way she's going to get out of that is in a weird way that I think they're just going to go off with Vandal Savage as now a new League of... How many League, League of, Shadows of Shadows do we need, right? They're like League of Shadows C. There's, At least they're the League of Lazarus. Well... Uh, that is true. If they had that, it's almost like you know the Joker's. We got East Coast, West Coast Joker. Like we got a fucking Gallagher situation well, it, here. Like, now it these seems guys, like we had so many League of Shadows going on ever since um, freaking t- Tyne in the Fourth went yeah, and created them for his Detective Comics run when we had Lady Shiva like you know that doing that. You nuts when that happened. But it's just it's just because well, League of Shadows is what you called them in like the cartoon or like the mm-hmm. movies because you didn't want to say assassins because you were the League of Assassins. Now we have an offshoot, the le- offshoot, the League of Shadows. And then Joshua Williams like, oh, we need a, a, a League of Lazarus because we're doing Lazarus stuff. But then you had this other thing where, like, Leviathan was taken over by Mark Shaw. Talia Al then became the League of Shadows herself. And then, I don't know, I feel like she was then in control of the League of Assassins after Rachel Gould died. So I have no idea what our leagues are anymore because it's always just kind of polluted. Yeah. And even the idea where this becomes a Vandal Savage story and we have to, like, you know, reinvent the idea or just kind of retell what's going on with Vanda Savage, the idea of the meteor coming Very down and exposing him to radiation that, you know, caused him to become smarter, stronger, heal better, and become the immortal being that we know him to be. Well, the media is staying lasting so much longer, so I got to bring the rocks back together, which feels like a very similar story to things we've had in the past, but even when we start this retelling of the story off, yeah, the, the media is, they done came down and I was the crow magnums <laughs> and then they leaked this water everywhere, and it turns out this is the Lazarus, I'm like, it seems like they're trying to tell me this is the Lazarus pits and how they started from these meteors coming down. And then Rachel Ghoul went and used them. So he's a part of this whole immortal man kind of thing that Vandal Stab's been doing, as well as the immortal man from the War of the Immortals. I, I thought about the War of the Immortals this whole time. It was making me grind my teeth. I'll tell you that because that's nonsense. Whatever you we say. We had this thing when, you know, Rachel Ghoul was keeping the pieces of the meteorite separated because he doesn't want to deal with the power that it'll bring if you put him. So he has safeguards. Now that Rachel Ghoul is dead, Vandal Stab is saying, well, them safeguards are down. I can get this shit together and I can get my full immortality back because after 50,000 years, shit ain't working on my body as well as I want it to anymore. But I'm like, we have this idea that I think they're trying to tell me that this meteorite is what caused the Lazarus pits, which at one point in the DC universe kept the earth alive so you couldn't use all the Lazarus pits or destroy them. Who knows what Lazarus pits mean anymore? You can dip them 50,000 times. You can dip them once. Who knows how these things work? It's just, it's as bad as the speed force at this point in time. But we just got done this whole thing with Joshua Williamson doing his Joshua Williamson architect thing saying, you know what, that Rachel Ghoul, he done <laughs> used the science to create the Lazarus pits a long time ago, even though there was a demon of Lazarus that was supernatural about it. Who knows what the hell are these fucking pits are? And anymore? that's my bi- one of my biggest problems. First off, though, one of the middle League of Shadows is the clues because it has double XL. That's all I say about that. But when you have this issue, when you have this issue here, it's a weird play, the hype men, right? You have this going on. 
And there is a weird, crazy disconnect of almost ambiguous things. Like you show the meteors. Okay, that's a Vandal Savage thing. But then you tie it into the Lazarus pits. But then you show Rachel Ghoul. But then at the end, you're really playing on the idea that he died, even though since all of this going on, including when Scandal ends up going, Daddy, Daddy, I got the rocks. Let's go. We have had (laughs) since Rache died, since a lot of these things going on, so many different things happening, especially Vandal. Like the idea that Vandal died, he ended up coming back death metal. Then he was on the totality. Then everybody forgot about the totality. Now he's just everybody. And the idea that Rache is dead, but at this moment, he kind of is alive, but we really don't know about it. He ended up being seen. In a flash forward type deal on that flashpoint beyond. But Flatline brought him back in Lazarus yeah. Planet nonsense, but they don't go with it. Everything is weird. Everything is convoluted and everything kind of gets pushed. I'm in. glad you brought it up because I was like, I couldn't remember. Like, I swear in my mind that Rachel Gold came back, but I couldn't remember where or if I'm just making it up. I'm like, thank God you remembered. So there's two things going on there. And yet you're. I, and that's easy to push aside. I mean, who did read Lazarus? But I mean, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I say it doesn't matter. It seems to be the most important thing that ever happened in the DCU. But when you're doing this, having all these things, in the, I think people get confused. If you talk to three people, I bet people, you I'm one confused. says it's meteors. The other will say, oh, no, no, I think they're dealing more with Lazarus Pits. And the other guy's like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. That's the well, shit, You go back to people who didn't even read the New 52 and be like, I know. Oh, no, those are like, you know, alien nanites, the tectites that do the scientific thing in his blood. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, But you're giving this intro of Vandal, and it is kind of basic bitch, you know, kind of Wikipedia. But you see that. But by the end, when you're starting to get this play of like sudden, like, it, it's a shock that suddenly the Gotham War becomes all about vandal and scandal. The idea of, of the immortality and the biggest rock there is is in Gotham. And you got why does he need to buy the Batcave? Yeah, it, it's it, it really why? because well, that's the play. Remember at one point when you had Batman down below in metal, and he kind of went down a little further, and he had all the metals and the shit down no. there. That's all it's going to be. You're going to end up having that big rock right under. The back cave, probably. I, I, I don't, don't know because know. I'm telling you, the big rock and the idea of bringing the rock because I feel like you have to bring the rock together almost like it's a clay face reforming from little dribs and drabs. I don't know how you do it or how it works, but it just seemed like Rachel Gould separated the rocks and he, and they want to come together, but he made sure they weren't. So, do they all come together under the back cave? To me, it feels like you know the Lord of the Rings. It's like one ring to rule the ball. That's a big rock. Like you said earlier in the New 52 in that true story with Superman right before we got to so the crazy. rebirth, they ended up having the story where uh, a meteor was going to be going by. It was the, the comet, same yeah. kind of meteor from before the comet, yes. And so Vandal went around and gathered up all of his progeny, all, all the people. There were tons. I mean, the guy gets yeah. around. He likes, he, he loves to go around bare-chested, also loves the ladies. So he has he a lot of kids trying to do that. So, yeah, it was a wacky story. So, but when you get to this, and that's in this continuity, kind of, you could say maybe Superman Reborn. That, but still, I can't say Superman Reborn. It, I, it does, it doesn't end up being well played in this. It really feels like it's just forced in because maybe Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard, or maybe just that this story isn't that great. Well, that's the thing is, I think the story outside of Vandal Savage and all this, you know, basic bitch Vandal Savage stuff. 
is actually a good story because the idea of the Zuranar, it's a, like, I've never been a fan of like Batman RIP or the Zuranar concept, but it actually, this brings back a lot of things to think, you know, maybe that was a good story and I didn't give enough credit because we're doing interesting things, bringing like calling back to it and what it means for Batman now. Even the idea of the fail safes and everything that we had waiting up to it. Was it the best story? No, but it was interesting stuff. So when you have a Batman, Let's just say not even out of control, but you have an opposing force that splits the family up. And I'm one of those guys that always want to see the Bat family together. And every time we can throw a monkey wrench in there, it always pisses me off because we always seem we're on the verge of having the family together, doing a new goddamn painting on the wall. Everybody's happy. Yeah. Having breakfast Jason's together. Jason's in, good right? time. Jason's in. It's all good. We're all together. But we always have that monkey wrench that comes in and just breaks it all apart. So we have Batman by himself again. And it always pisses me off. But this version... It seems interesting enough to me because you have a Batman who is on the edge and you have the concepts of the ethics, like who, what the, each individual vigilante believes in how they're doing this, you know, the war on crime that Batman taught them to do. And it's really cool if you're going to separate the Bat family like this because you can always come back stronger, like we see. And at least that part of the story is good because even though I like the bad guy, the humanization, the individual characterizations and the depictions of how they do this and how they're willing to fight for what they believe in is the heart of the story, and we keep burying that under bullshit. The, the weird thing, though, is... Now, you brought in the ethics. I was hoping you weren't going to go with that, Eric, only because 99% of what you said was what we were getting and could have gotten out of the Chip Zdarsky Batman. You yeah. end up having to figure out a way to force Catwoman into this event, to make it a crossover event. That's the weakest part of it. You could have had... Because Batman comes back from the world without a... You know, Bat, Gotham without a Batman. Comes right. back from the multiverse. He sees everybody's on fire. Oh my god! He has a, a crazy mechanical hand that might have been a serial killer robot. We don't know. Maybe. But in that, you didn't need. You could have just played the idea that as you go, a slow. It doesn't have to be a slow burn. But the idea of Batman, he's losing a bit of control. He's doing things worse. Like I would have liked it instead of having. That seems almost too much like Detective Comics. <laughs> it, it, but he, it is. But again. That's another thing on the side where people are confused even when you get Vandal Savage in here. You add Vandal Savage and flashbacks and Detective. Detective has Barbados of the head screwing around in the asthma. Yeah. This has Zoranar. It gets a lot of crazy. The only thing that this has Bruce a little different. This book, he's got some real shit going on. You know what he has in this book, this run? He uses failsafe a lot as a term for everything else just to remind us that there was failsafe. But you also have this play. Where you could have had even the idea that Batman might have accidentally almost, I don't want him to kill anybody. Gabe yeah, said obviously. that earlier when you were kind of nonsense. So what I would like, you have Tim having to stop him. Oh my God. The, and then they start realizing, you start to wonder, is he okay? Is he right? And the Zoranar stuff is what's doing it and whatnot. But to have the Catwoman say this, and the setup was Batman fell asleep for two months. He was tired. And then when he woke up, shit went down. The Bat family, they ain't paying attention to shit. I mean, the whole that, Gotham that, has that been That poor dead over. man just ran his body ragged. <laughs> he had to go see <laughs> seat for a few months. Did you laugh? Because again, we didn't end up actually talking about the very, very end of the Night Terrors and the idea that it, you're supposed to believe everybody's afraid of the Justice League was laugh, but it was like one night. But it was one yeah. night that they ended up saying at the well, end. Of like, obviously, oh, Insomnia didn't pull it off as much as you want because you have Hal Jordan playing baseball with some kids. Yeah, he's playing baseball. The kids, the kids, they're not afraid. Nobody's, uh -huh. nobody's mentioned They're just afraid of that wicked curve. You, you don't even have one person like, man, I hope I do. That, you're a guy who has nightmares. You, you remember them more than me, right? I don't ever have nightmares. Oh, they're all dreams, are they? That's what you have. You're only a man in dreams. 
But if I went to bed, I said at the point, if I went to bed and I dreamt that Paul McCartney came and kicked me in the balls, I'm not going to hate that the Beatles. That's a know. dream. <laughs> Maybe. I'm like, what does that tell me? But so when you get into this, though, like I, I think that the Catwoman stuff is so like weird. The idea that any of the Bat family would say just, hey, I want to see the stats. And I do think this is a but good thing. But I can thing. see Jason Todd doing it. I think that Jason Todd would just be like, fuck it, I'm going to go to that set just to piss Batman off, right? Even, even the idea of like, because I don't know, Jason has walked the line. He's crossed the line several times, actually, but he's been walking the line basically for a while now. The idea of seeing crime differently than Batman does, what is one single thought of like the mission of at hand, I can see Jason doing this, but even when you have the Red Hood tie into this, the Batman and like uh, Batman Catwoman, got the more Red Hood, the worst title ever for a book. It's like, I will only do this if I can actually talk to some people who work here to try to find out where the Joker is like, you don't even need to do that. You can believe in this without the Joker bullshit. I actually tied it down a little bit more, like less than it should have, because Jason has his own thought process. And I can see him getting behind this for the life that he's lived. What I would think is if you tweak it a little and actually give it more of a setup, because the whole stuff in Catwoman leading to the it, it wasn't a real good setup. You end up in jail, train, cat, ramen, out, and then you're there. But if you ended up having a thing Street where flavor. Selena tries to do things, and yes, yeah, she's a little more rough, and then Jason sees that Batman is just like completely saying, like, no, that's bullshit, and then seeing it in that's Fuck how he you, treats me. That's how he treats me. He never gives me a chance to like I can go with that. Like if you think about it, Jason would go the idea, ah, Batman's a dick. He never trusts me either, and this is a good way, and you said and he I'm sees telling it different you, you ways. Do that's, this. Because I'm telling you, the tie-in didn't matter for the whole lead-in that he just decided to do this, try to get some intel on the Joker, because that doesn't matter at all for any kind of story that we're dealing with, especially who gives a shit about the man who stopped caring so much. (laughs) That's what it was. It was was all for the man who stopped laughing. All you do is you have Jason turn with on Catwoman's side because he can see a different way than doing things in Batman and the rest of the Bat family because he's not as programmed as everybody else. I don't want to say, like, you know, as a bad thing, but... He is a little bit different than everybody else. You could even throw Steph in there because she's a little bit different than everybody else. But when you have the Zurinar idea of Batman peeking through, coming out of its mind prison, and it actually puts the fear toxin in Jason to the reverse crank, as you like to call it. Anytime the Jason's Jason's adrenaline gets too high, the fear toxin, like whatever he did to him, takes over, makes him afraid to do anything. This is going too far for the rest of the Bat family. That's when they get involved and go against Batman because he's lost control. They're already doing this before they think that anything's happened to Jason. And that's the thing. I think that what happened at this point, Chip Zdarsky has realized that people aren't really buying the idea of, oh, man, Batman's an asshole and over the top because he doesn't want to let Selina let crime go. I mean, that's terrible. In the base thing of it for an event that is something, it's a non-winning proposal. Batman will never do it. You know Batman will never do it. You'll never be able to convince him to do it. And he'll be mad at the other family members who do do it. So do do, Eric. So when you get to this, though, I think that they have to do, you're trying to do something that finally people go, oh, my God. Batman crossed the line. And and seriously, now Jason can't go on roller coasters, right? I know, right? Can't go see a scary movie? Can't get close to a girl he likes? It's the third scariest month of the year, Ooh. and Jason can't even go and see the new Saul movie. I mean, what's going to happen here, Eric? Like, Poor Jason. Imagine? Or can he? Because it'll actually make it even scarier. We actually, well, it might be great. Say, that, that being said, though, this is probably one of the greatest things I think that could happen to Jason Todd for this, because while I do want him to be a part of the Bat family ultimately, you know, but I need him to have this path then where he becomes... 
probably the most dangerous of the Bat family. Not like, you know, because you we talk about the idea where I have all this headcanon that if I wrote for DC Comics, I would do all these things where I would have Jason go with Ravager because I've been compelled by that idea ever since Tom Taylor brought it up in The Unkillables. And then they start a new, like, Deathstroke Inc. It's not Deathstroke Inc., but something along those lines, like a defiance. But he takes over the mantle of Deathstroke because the Slade family, like Slade family, the Wilson family and the Bat family have had so much in common for so long now in comics. Whenever you put them opposed to each other, it is so compelling to me. And if you make Jason, like, pretty much the head of that family or keep Slade in his Bakta tank or whatever ever since the no. darkness fucked him up. Oh, you just have him, like, there, like, Han Solo on the wall and Carbonite. Exactly. Just have him just, there in the just room. Just have him somewhere. Just like him a lava lamp. Wherever the hell he is. Yeah, or awesome. a freaking Titan's Tower. But... Just do something to keep him away for a while, because eventually then when you have Slade come back and want to take his mail, you can do some amazing stories with that. But just keep Jason away. But have this happen to him where he is now fear toxic about him. He is pretty much destroyed. He is essentially what the JLA did to Dr. Light back in the Identity Crisis or even like making Batman forget he's playing with somebody's mind and shit. So you do this and you have Jason overcoming to the point where Jason, almost to the line where you didn't watch it, but the HBO series The Titans, where like when Red Hood, Jason Todd came out in that he had uh, Scarecrow give him this fear toxin to make him overcome all his fear. And that's what it was. You have Jason become this fear. He's Daredevil. He's the man without fear, essentially, by the end. And he becomes the most dangerous person ever because of what Batman did to him. The thing is, what I thought this was going to – I thought we were going to get – now, I'm telling you, it still is the reverse crank to me. Because, again, reverse if his adrenaline, if his re- adrenaline goes too high – yeah. He ends up having that release. <sighs> I thought what we were going to have is almost like a Scared. play of my, you know, my favorite deal is like, oh, man, you're yeah, I don't have a dad. What? I've always been your dad. Like like that play deal. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. they say uh, I thought that what we we're going to find out, Jason was going to get this and say to Batman, don't you realize that every time I do anything like that, I am afraid. I'm already afraid. Like, I don't love killing people. I end up being afraid that I'm going to affect their families. I end up being afraid that you're not going to like me because of it. This is normal for me. So fuck you, Batman. I'm out. That's what I thought was going to happen. And then he's towering when Scandal comes in. I Scandal comes in and it's like, hey, uh, yeah, my dad's getting this pretty cool army together. You want to help? He's like, I'm scared. She's like, yeah, you're broken. Good. Sorry, Dread Hood. I need warriors, not pussies. Isn't it weird, too? You, You say all this about, say, you know, teaming up with Ravager and things like that. And you do have Scandal at the one point call him just Hood, which yeah. actually threw me off a bit. Like, are they setting him up to be like a new character, Hood, who's actually a bad guy going around? And they may be. I mean, and, and having so the, the idea. Thing is, if, in my headcanon story that I would love to see happen where he takes on the mantle of Deathstroke, it is just him continuing the mission. Not to like Deathstroke up where I'm going to kill everybody mercenary assassin style. It's where he is doing almost what Defiance did, like doing things a better way with the best people available, and he's just doing it along like the lines Ghost of how he Maker. sees fit. Exactly like, like Ghostmaker. Ghost Maybe Ghostmaker joins the team. Maybe. Fun's that shit. That'd be pretty cool, right? And also what you'd get. Again, we're kind of thinking if this would happen, what I do like about it too, there is a Bat family member, Jason, who keeps getting knocked down. The guy can't ever evolve anyway, even with writers. No. But you have As soon that as he play. starts evolving, Crowbar. Yeah, so instead you have a weird kind of play like before, but it is Batman creating his own villain again, but it's a family. It, the thing is weird, too, because, again, Zoranara is affecting Batman. So when you sit there, it is kind of silly even where, hey, I'm going to give you this reverse crank. I'm going to set you up in Metropolis. Sounds I'm so do sexy. This and that. Yeah, it does. And so I'm going to get you from behind. It, it doesn't really make sense. Right? Like The idea is gonna, Jason's going to go off as a deal in Metropolis. So what I get out of this, though, 
and something of the basic nature that kind of makes me roll my eyes. Zorn R in Batman's head is just Joker again with the same thing that Joker does when we have a death of the family. The idea that the Bat family makes you weak, you don't need yeah. them, you need to be alone. It's just in another guise as Zorn R. And so that makes me like, oh, here we go again. I mean, we've done this before and all, but there's the other things in this that there's some okay stuff, but the overall feeling with it just makes me giggle at times because it is so goofy when you end up having you have Nightwing. He decides what he has to do to shut Batman is just turn off that bat box. The bat box that is the central hub of all the bat knowledge and everything that Batman's doing. And we had the bat boxes in the uh, Scott Snyder Batman, the new 52 Batman. That's how Harper Rowe got involved. And yeah. those were actually a kind of a clever thing, I thought. The bat boxes were actually so that they couldn't really say, oh, my God, the Wayne Manor, it's a million dollar you know, energy bill. What's yeah. going on there? It 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 spread out. dispersed it. Yeah. And it also ended up having the thing. And again, it's one of those things that Scott Snyder was doing to try to, hey, I'm going to. I'm going to end up explaining something that people didn't have to explain, but it was that the bat boxes around would end up scrambling any sort of cameras, any sort of things. So Batman was never caught on film. And that made him, you know, oh, my God, why isn't Batman caught on film and things like that? The urban legend. I kept that. So it's kind of a neat thing. But then when you get this, this bat box, I'm starting to think that Batman's just dumb. We got one server and one room in an apartment that he keeps. And Chip Starsky's having Barbara think this is great. The idea, oh my God, Batman's so smart. I should have figured this out. He doesn't have the one server in the Batcave. He has the one server in an apartment. <laughs> like, that's it. Did he ever hear and it's the so cloud? funny to me, Tim, because even the idea back in the day where you used to have, like, we even have it with the Kent family farm when the, uh, Superman's identity went out. The idea of, like, this technology, like, back in the day, like, Identity Crisis, they kept talking about. Oh, yeah, this house is protected by Martian technology, Thanagarian technology, Kryptonian technology. We even got some boom tube stuff in it. Like, all this stuff. Nightwing just comes through a window. He has access, yes, and I'm sure a lot of the Bat family does. But for some reason, when you can just access the Bat box, you can shut down Batman's whole operation just by crawling it through a window. I'm like, this needs better security. Yeah, well, it needs better security. Plus, the idea, again, they mention that Nightwing says, oh, man, don't you get it? This was... The fail-safe that Batman said, everybody's got a fail-safe going around, and none of them well, have come out to he be has, good. But. He has all the codes to take the server down, the bat box down, and stuff like that, and like he's doing everything proper with all these different phases of things that he has to go through, reciting oaths, I've, like, you know, voice recognition, handprints, everything because Nightwing was given the power to shut Batman down if he ever crossed the line. You know, a fail-safe. What would happen if we just put a bomb on this bitch and blew it up? <laughs> I want to know why, like, if if shit really was going down here, right? You end up Nightwing, oh, my God, I got to do this. This oath he has to go through, it's like two minutes long. You can't have it that long. The idea that he's trying to go real quick, and it should just be like a race Batman. Boom, done. Well, you say that. Every time my lanterns have to recharge, they have to spend two minutes reciting an oath. That is true. Well, that's more of, you know, brotherhood. (laughs) Also, I want to know, because when they're doing... When they're doing this, I have the idea that this is just some apartment, right? There's a noisy yeah. neighbor, and they keep hearing this computer yell out crazy shit. Because at one point, the computer just yells out, hey, got a message from the regular. Here it is. And I, I'm wondering where the noisy like neighbor's like, keep it down. <laughs> keep it down there, Batbox. I, I need them to go to sleep here. I work nights. And it's just, it's goofy. And I know, again, it's. Chip Zdarsky, it's so funny because Chip Zdarsky showing the original oath to try to get the feel, trying to get you to be like, oh, man, this 
but it's too damn long. It ends up being so long, and it allows Batman to show up. No, no, no. It allows Damian Wayne to show well, up. Well, yeah, is actually Damian the worst part. Batman, too. It's the worst part of the story for me, because you have Damian Wayne, and, like, we've been pushing the idea that Damian and Batman are, you know, Batman and Robin. Like, we have, we put all our freaking problems aside, father and son fighting crime, like, that we've always wanted for years and shit without Damian going off and being a little asshole. But Damien comes off so naive now. He just believes in everything his father says, doesn't really think for himself to like to stop to think about anything that's been like, you know, the ideas that he had previously. It's just my dad's right and I'm going to stop from stopping anything. And then when Batman takes out everybody and then leaves, like, my daddy just left me. I'm like, who are you? Well, you know who Damien is. That's my least favorite part of this book. Damien actually just thinks that that hand is cool. Remember when he's like, man, that hand shoots you know, smoke. What else does I know, that I'm mean? telling you. The I hand, hand myself. It's so cool because that is the bat god aspect of this book where everybody like you know, isn't ready for it. Everything the bat family is throwing at Batman to try to take him down, that robotic hand is the fail-safe that he has to make sure that he can overcome because it's just breaking, you know, a scream of sticks that, you know, Nightwing has. It is just rocking everybody's world because nobody knew about the robotic hand. It seems like, or if they did know about it, they just weren't counting on this thing being as powerful as it was. I'm like, this is the, this is Batman's superpower now. He has a robotic hand that can defeat anything. I actually, one of the things that I did want, and again, if this was actually played out with some setup and a, a bit of a slower burn, the idea that, Batman's getting a little, you know, over the top. He's doing things a little bit more aggressively. He's doing that where you could have had that moment because that would have been something that a Nightwing, Dick Grayson, or Tim Drake would recognize. Damien might think that that's cool. And I wanted them to have a moment where Damien's like, I don't know what you're talking about. My father is actually acting like he should have. He's acting like me now. And then using that of Damien, don't you hear what you're saying? Like, that's why we think he's over the top. He, this isn't right. And then yeah. Damien finally, and then Damien finally realizing, you know what? Okay, I see it. But in that, like, you, you even have a play, like, you could have set up some things even in this story itself with Damien and Jason Todd, because how much they do kind of, they're not close. And they end no. up, but they are similar in ways. They are both because at one point you well, do you have say Jason that. say, I, I killed, you know, one person, you know, I did. The, Batman wants to do this. Damien has killed so many people, including, you know, Brother Blood just recently. Well, the thing so is, why you is sent me a panel him? that you altered earlier this week about the idea, like, when Batman's like, you, you've killed people, Jason. And then the next scene, I actually thought it was real for how you altered him. I didn't look too closely. I guess it like, pretty Damien's cool, killed right? people too. And then Batman looks upset. I'm like, that would have been a better scene than what we had because I expected that now, in the book. that's script doctoring, Eric. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. Tampering. It is. Somebody ended up on the tampering. Somebody on Twitter because I put it up and I had like, this is how things should have been or whatever. And the guy's like, well, Damien wouldn't really get arrested. He'd probably get put in the job. I'm like, that's not the point. I'm saying that Jason always ends up being the Bat family member who killed. Every time I bring this up, you will say, Damien, Cass. Whether it was their fault or not, they have done it. And even the idea that they've recently kind of accepted Harley into the yeah. Bat family kind of the deal. Like, everybody gets second, third, fourth, fifth chances. But Jason, because Jason keeps getting that one thing thrown at him. At this point, if I'm Jason Todd, because I'm an asshole, I'd, I'd just start killing people just because. I'd say, you, you think oh that that's what I am? Well, fuck you. I'm going to do it then. Why shouldn't he? Why shouldn't he just because go and Batman do it like you said? Him half to death. He already has. Like he, he did, did when he, when he thought, thought he killed the penguin. Yeah. How much does the Bat family know about the penguin's death and failsafe and stuff like that? Because for, as far as the world knows, everybody thinks that Batman killed the penguin. I'm like, hey, Jason, why don't you bring this up? You know something? I'm glad you put 
brought that up because I was talking about that and I ended up having, again, I had a tweet about this, Eric. I'm a big tweeter, if you don't know that. And I said one of the things about this Gotham War is Batman yelling about this, that, and the other thing. These people have to still think that Batman murdered Penguin. Nobody said anything different. And in that case, why aren't the police actively trying to arrest Batman? Why aren't the police also kind of stepping it up a bit to get the fugitive murderer who escaped from jail, Catwoman, along with every other one of those escapees from jail? Renee Montoya is doing shit about shit. They're just sitting there. And so those are like loose ends and things like that that they just push aside. They're not even mentioning it because at that one point you should have had Jason Todd. What about you and the Penguin? You killed the Penguin. They find out, oh, it wasn't true or whatnot. But as as far as we know right now, Penguin's deep cover. Nobody knows that. And also, also, how about this? Where is anybody in Gotham saying, hey, assholes, we were just taken over by an army of fucking robots. You're to blame. Get You're still worried out. about robots. I was taken over by dream demons. <laughs> That's all I say. Listen, right before I had that nightmare that really tuckered me out, I was in <laughs> another deal. And I'm, but they failsafe had an army of robots. At that point, Barbara Gordon was a goddamn cyborg. We saw her <laughs> sitting there. She was a cyborg. And they she never was Barbara Mnemonic. Yes, she was. And, and all the Bat family were in tubes. Nothing about that. Nothing at all. Not Everything's just like boom. And then in this, where again, I think <sighs> the Catwoman. Oh my goodness gracious! What one night of nightmares will take care of a lot, I guess. But when you get into this, like Catwoman in this in this issue, just gets knocked aside. She is no longer the big deal. She isn't even the reason why anybody's going to be mad at each other. Everybody's now going to be centered on Jason Todd, mind control, reverse crank. That's all it's going to be. And they seem like the bat box tells weird. The bat box tells Dick in a convoluted, even way. Like, what did Batman go down and start typing? Dear bat box, I ended up doing the reverse crank on Jason. Pretty cool, right? Bat box. And it's like AI. It always gives you like ambiguous answers. I cannot <laughs> answer that, Batman. You're like, I hate you, bat box. But they know they even start yelling about Zoranar. Things are too like upfront, but then they're not used the right way. And then they, they fight. And you end up like Damien. He, he gets upset and starts crying like, oh, my God. my da-. You could spin this all these sort of ways. But when Batman shows up and just basically says, you know, you guys are going with the criminals. I'm against you. But at the end of the scene, he actually ties them up to leave them for the police and then does mention. And then throws a battering down, though, to make sure because that was Zeranar talking. But it seemed like Bruce Wayne was able to break through, throw a battering down to cut them free of the net technology he has. He better because at at one point, the idea of not wanting the Bat family and and Batman in the back recesses, even fighting the Zoranar deal, kind of going with it, thinking, okay, I want them to have a good life. I don't want them to be soldiers anymore. So you have that little bit that's but Batman can't allow Nightwing and Tim Drake and Damien to get caught and arrested because their identities go. And then and thing is, even the Zoranar part of Batman, when he's talking to the Bat family as he's fighting, like. I don't need a Bruce Wayne identity. I keep this shit for you kids because I want you to have this. And they're fighting back. I'm telling you, this duality inside Batman's mind, I think it's really cool for the Gotham War. This is why I'm still like into this whole story. Now I'm starting to think that we're going to get that gargoyle of Gotham deal. If I'm going to kill Bruce Wayne, I just need to be Batman. But the problem is, is revealing the identity. That isn't killing the identity. You got to let. 
I guess he just doesn't care. I guess that's the deal of there's no coming back, and that's how I trick you. If he does it, he just becomes the Dark Knight Returns Batman, which is the ultimate Batman. And, like, that was what what, what Zura and R wanted. Bruce Wayne is fighting this the entire time. And so when you have all that going, you end up having Nightwing. And he does shut down the Bat Box. Everything gets wiped. And now Batman doesn't have resources because this isn't just info. It's also a telephone. It's also the, you know, hub that he calls the It's everything. So it's good. Again, Batman's too smart to have everything in one thing. I agree. That, that's crazy. But when they do that, even while they are kind of fighting, they do get that call. They get the call from the Riddler. And you did see before that the Riddler came and, hey, I want to help. And the Riddler, you know, they're screwed. They don't have henchmen. So, yeah, they want to get involved. Maybe I'm telling you, we, we were talking last night where I had an idea again. Where we just always talk about, like, my bullshit headcanon things. Like, this is what I would do, Jimmy. But, um. The idea of like the, the Batman Sinister Six, putting a team together like Spider-Man Sinister Six, but in the Batman's Rogue Gallery. When we get done this, especially for what we saw in like the Red Hood tie-in, where it seems like the Scarecrow's pissed and he's taken it to Selena by killing his old henchmen that are like, you know, betraying him now. If you get these characters all coming together at the end, if we can come together because of what Catwoman has done, and just take over Gotham as like, you know, Batman Sinister Six, that would be badass. How about we call them the Rogue Eight? Is that is that the Rogue Eight. The Rogue Eight. <laughs> the Rogue Eight. <laughs> I should have said Rogue, and I realized I didn't have anything to go with that. All right, the Furious Four. But you end up where, when that's going on, you it made me laugh because you get that call. That's where I said that the noisy neighbor ends up hearing it in the next deal. You get the deal from, hey, Batman, it's me, Riddler. I wish you had, like, Beep, it's Batman. I'm not home. Leave a message. But, like, the- right now, I, I actually don't know off the top of my head how long the Gotham War goes on because I haven't done my due diligence. We're but about halfway through. I think we're right at the That's really cool, point. right, because we have enough time then to do some really cool stuff. So in the there last, might be one more than half. The last two chapters, we had Scarecrow, and even now we have Riddler twice. So you have two of the big bads of Gotham, like, you could come together by the you end of You did see them all, like, hanging at that table talking because they had to talk that – but I love the idea, like, the big thing going on is the Riddler needs to warn Batman about Vandal Savage. This motherfucker can't get out of his own way to, to save anybody. You need, like, again, I said that the idea of going through the whole oath as the, you know, voice print deal, that's too long. The Riddler is desperately in need to tell him Vandal Savage. He, he gives it in a riddle. Now, the riddle <laughs> is real lame, right? I can yeah. figure out that. I think that that's what he does. I still have to do a riddle, but I'll make it lame-ass riddle so we can figure it out. But what about Batman's like, I don't know what he means, everything. But it is the Vandal Savage deal. That ends up pissing off Nightwing. But here's the thing, too. If you're going to have synergy in the books, you have Nightwing, who is the head of the Titans, who at this moment are being pushed as the new Justice League. They've yeah. taken over the Justice League. And all that nonsense about, oh, my God, you made Bloodhaven so great. Bloodhaven's so awesome. Oh, my God, Bloodhaven. But then he's in here letting crime happen. You, you can't let, like... Well, was, this is Bloodhaven. Well, I know it's like when what happens in Gotham well, stays in Gotham. But what happens when you, end up, <laughs> when you end up at one point when Donna Troy's like, why'd you let that shit go and go? It'll never be brought up because it's so silly and so ridiculous. And I'll even go with my main, one of my other main problems, speaking of Rene Montoya, like, what really are the police doing? At the one point where you Cowering. end up having pretty much what, what in my mind, Selena has set up, listen, Gotham is a shithole, right? We'll agree there. It oh. also has crazy crime that Batman needs to get involved with because it's crazy. And you have that idea of what's the, you know, the chicken or the egg. Did Batman start that without Batman? But you actually have made Gotham the idea of now it's just regular crime. Right. This, this is stuff the police can handle now. 
the police should be handling, but they're, I don't know what they're doing. They're walking around at points and maybe you have that one guy in the Red Hood deal, but they're not doing anything. That man is just pissed off. The rest of the, the family are going around and then Damien's upset because Batman left him tied up there. Dang. And if I'm, if I'm Batman and I know how to play this, I have five kids. So if they're like, Oh my God. I know how daddy, to gaslight. Oh my God, daddy, you left me. There and I'd, I'd be like, oh no no no! I knew that you were good enough to get out. Like those other two shots, I I wanted them to get caught, but you, I knew you'd get out and you'd come find me. Okay, come here, son. Give me a hug. <laughs> it won't work. But Damien, like you said, becomes so naive and just like he breaks down in a way that we like to see at times because it shows that but he's it's a against kid, his character. But it's against his character in this situation, especially. It ends up being very forced in a way that. Yeah, it's forced. It doesn't feel natural the way he does so just to is, get I, I him d- on that side. When you have the Bat family, the idea that we're splitting them between like who's going to choose Selena and who's going to choose Batman's way of doing things, the Gotham War. I, the only person who's chose Selena's side, essentially, and it's even for his own means, is Red Hood. Right now, Red the Hood, rest yeah. of the family are just feeling shit out because Batman's acting weird and like we're not taking down Selena because we want to see where the shit goes, but everybody's just kind of walking on. No one has chosen sides, but now they're fighting Batman. That's what's pissing Damien up. Like, hey, dude, Daddy's acting weird. We gotta freaking figure out what's going on because we're not we're not bad. We're not actually letting crime happen because we have internal struggles that we have to deal with before we can deal with fucking bullshit henchmen thieving. And it's such a shame because we were I mean, we really thought we were gradually getting towards a unified, real happy, fun bat family. Especially with Damien now and Batman and Robin. He ended up yeah. really maturing on Lazarus Island. Oh my God. The rest of the shit nonsense. But you know, and even even the idea that here's Damian Wayne who didn't win the tournament, he's, he's okay with it. Like the, yeah. that is progression for that kid. Connor Hawk was the shit. What can two, you do? Like like you said, one of the things where the the two people that make sense for me, like you said, Jason, I just go with the idea that hey, Batman, you never trust me anyway. Fuck you. But even like you said, he can see it a different way. He goes, Damian. The only re- there's no other reason you need for Damian to, to get on Batman's side is the idea that. Selena's the other side. He doesn't like her like that. You he ended up mommy. being pissed. Yeah, he ended up getting pissed. The wedding that separates him and you know Batman and Talia. All this in my mind, Damien. This would be his little kid moment of, oh my god, I'm going to go over here and mommy's going to come back and we can get this. Maybe even likes the idea. He has alone time with Batman. All of that stuff. But like you said, the others are kind of sitting there. And saying, well, let's think this out. And the way that Chip Zdarsky and Teeny Howard are trying to play it is that Batman doesn't want to sit and talk it out. He, oh my God, he's so crazy. He doesn't want us to let crime go. So it's silly. But that's where I get, like you're saying, the others are kind of like feeling, feeling it out. See what side, like, I, I would Which is weird, too, because we don't even have enough panel play for all the Bat family. No. Like, where's Duke at? Where's Cass at? Where's Steph at? You know, Barbara's behind the scenes doing Oracle stuff, but. Pretty much there's a lot of people on the bench still. And I'm like, are they involved? And and so with Selena as the deal, I would have rather have the fraction going on in the Bat family of, is Batman acting right or do you think he's not? And you'd have, like Tim says to Batman, I have to come the last time. Shit like this happened. Even the play of Jason being that center deal like it was before, before Tim ended up, it's not played out smooth enough. I mean, everything in here, you get little tinges of stuff that seems cool, but it's not really like like the Lazarus Pit slash meteors. <laughs> uh, like, I can't really explain exactly what they're saying, but 
Okay. And some people, some people cool. might think it's bullshit too. But another part of this book that I enjoyed is when Tim actually had to take on Damien. Right there, it's like, oh my god, Damien's gonna kick his ass. But you have this weird feeling of a callback to when you know Tim was first becoming Robin, was able to handle himself because he, he is the weakest fighter amongst the Bat family, but he is able to do things sort of smarts and actually play dirty to a degree. To, like he you know, electrifies yeah, he Damien when he's not when he's not because he can't take Damien on head to head. He plays a little bit dirty to his strength, like how he took out Lady Shiva, which he should never been able to do, how he took out King Snake. These little things like, you got to win, Timmy. You know what? I dig it. And that's why I wish, again, that fight, maybe it could have been even better if it was longer in some of these things. Because, you know, you do have those who would win, Damien or Tim. And the weird thing with those two, in my mind, is Tim is going to have to use his smarts. But it's against Damien, who's really, really smart. I, I think that what you have to do, to, you have to get Damien off his game. You have to say stuff. You have to get him like, hey, short stuff. Like, Shit that you say to me on the podcast that drives me nuts. What? But I, I wanted to see more of that because, again, people reacted to that. I saw some people on the Twitters, Eric, and they're like, no way would Jason or no way would Tim lose to Damien. I'm like, if it's a straight up fight, Damien will. <laughs> Damien's a killer. I mean, the, yeah. he is trained in everything. Tim, he's more, uh, you know, he's more calm. I think that that's how you would have the play is that Tim is able to assess the situation, not get so emotional and try to figure it out. And and in the end, trying not to hurt Damien either might be the deal where Damien might start cutting him up, slicing the shit. You would get really good character moments, even though you still kind of do. But like I said, everything to me just, it feels like it's all like slopped together. It's like a big goulash, and yeah, there's some neat things, but the overall, it doesn't taste good, though. Right? It's a bunch oh, of nonsense. You like, burnt it. Like they're there. I'm making the goulash. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put some like I don't know chicken stuff. No, no. Right? See, I Pretty get you. Good. You're trying to you're trying to make yourself a delicious goulash, but everybody has different ideas about this because with the different concepts going on in the Gotham War, you have too many cooks in the kitchen doing this goulash dirty. People keep walking into the kitchen. Like you make your goulash, and then some asshole like you comes walking in. Randall Savage. <laughs> More hot sauce, like Randall Savage. And then you end up like, this needs milk. And you're like, what? What's that? That's Catwoman. In I need there a hearty dose of Zerna oh, in goulash. Yeah. We need some salmon in here. That's Duchess. We get that. We got some. Hey. And then I come in. I'm like, what the fuck is this? You're like, right. We don't have no, enough no, Duchess. It might, it might be Lazarus. It might be Comets. I don't know. I just found it in the cupboard. I threw Look, that shit in. Demon and it science out. is what it is. Yeah, that's what. Well, again, then we go back to the racial goal. He used the demon science. We figured it out there. But yeah, a lot of these things going in are interesting as concepts but i think they're more how the interesting fuck is dc for- comics making lazarus <laughs> pits as convoluted as Hawkman? i i know and and <laughs> they seem to want to try to not do it now they've gotten so crazy about them we don't even know when they're talking about are they talking about resin <laughs> like Liquid. yeah resin that's raising people's nonsense you even had that in doom patrol they brought that shit up again so you end up where all this Even is going. In freaking night terrace. Yeah, I, I wanted this to be. Oh no, no! Speaking of that, was that was that Lazarus resin in Doom Patrol? Because I'm still not sure. We couldn't decide. The thing is, though, at the end of that, they were bringing back that candle man, but never really telling people that's what it was, and that's a huge yeah. thing for the Doom Patrol that I didn't know about. And then so like Simon General Morris like, me. I got to do this here, and like with the resin, I'm like Simon was up worried or confused that I said because they said resin. But then they uh-huh. said let it melt and then called it, it wax. Yeah, the resin has to be like liquid <laughs> wax or whatever the fuck it is because wax is still resin to me, but I don't yeah. know. When I heard wax, I'm like, are they going to make some of those like lips? Can I, I like smoke those it. Wax lips. I, I, that's what I think actually was what's going on. It didn't make any damn sense. 
again, why does things, why are you making things go? <laughs> so by the end, I think that the real play here would have been better to just have Chip Zdarsky play out his Zornar story that he already had. And I think they just decided there was a kind of a way to get Catwoman involved. And it's well, that's not the thing. It's like, all right, we got Catwoman involved, but her top lieutenant, Marquise, actually Scandal Savage, actually working for her daddy, Vandal Savage, who's getting weak in his 50,000-year-old age. He needs himself some meteor like goodness back inside of him to become the ultimate Vandal Savage he once was. So Marquise is going to send Catwoman to go take on Batman because he's going to act, you're going to act as a distraction while this is all going on. You need to confront him because you're his fail. So you're, you're the fail safe. I don't so know what's going to say fail safe. Yeah, but, everybody And then it's like, done. okay, Catwoman's gone. Daddy, come in. We're going to talk to Catwoman's henchmen and you're going to give him the rah-rah speech for why we should all be, for some reason, the League of Shadows. And, and all of a sudden, it's like nine million people here. I, You know, they, they, they go out, listen, everybody. Hey, guys, I'm going to get some rocks. We're all going to be immortal. It's going to be fucking great. <laughs> We're going to get It actually kind of ends up being like a Lost Boys like an idea of like, hey, you get to stay hot all your life. You do. Yeah. It's weird, though. The idea that he would want these people to be his immortal army when they kind of are just cast aside henchmen that decided they wanted a better pay scale. And then here they are. I and know the worst you need part is, numbers, I, I, but I want them all to be still in here. When you have this group of people that Selena's like, you know, put together from the former henchmen of the people of, I want them all to look like the henchmen from Batman sixty six, all wearing their individual costumes. Oh yeah, they're all in their costumes. They're doing. But again, what you're doing at the end of this is just basically saying, "Hey, everybody, that Catwoman shit, yeah, it's kind of bullshit. Let's do this because this is bigger." So, where I will ask you one last bit before we end. When we get out of this, and this is where I think the telltale sign is, when we leave this Gotham War event, I can easily think of what's going to be happening in the Batman book, because we're going to continue the Zornar stuff. Yeah. We'll probably end up where the Bat family does end up realizing, okay, and they're going to have to save Batman from himself, and that'll be how the family would get back together eventually, right? What I want, and it's goofy as shit, we've talked about it like you know, for months and months now, the idea where Scott Snyder created that Genesis, Genesis machine that will create a Bruce Wayne body and plant all the memories in there so there will always be a Batman. I want Zuranar to take over, make himself an own body and transfer his memories in there so Zuranar has his own body that combats against the actual Batman. But Eric, they can't and it's goofy, the, but the I want that box got erased. <laughs> but I'm saying you you can go with I could sit here and mean you could both, you know, debate whatever, but we you can see a clear thing of what will probably happen in the Batman book from so it'll just be a continuation of what set this up and go. What are they going to do in the Catwoman book after the Catwoman book? I, I don't even know. Shit. Like, yeah, uh, like all of a sudden it's going to be like, that's oh, the thing, well, like, you know, that didn't the crime work. family situations out, the jail stuff's out. We have no, like, we, we go back to basis for that and hopefully get something good. But again, like it's, this event almost feels like what you're going to end up doing is resetting something and it's not going to end up being event. okay. I, I don't know how well the Catwoman book's selling, but I'd end the Catwoman book at this point when this is over. That's, that's kind for of why. The the big play for me is basically saying that, actually, that I don't know what you get out of. Like, this isn't doing anything to elevate the Catwoman's story. It's actually no, tearing all. it down. And yet you're building more things up for the Chip Starsky Batman. And again, it's the Batman book. But, I mean, maybe we're going to get like a, a new writer on Catwoman if they do continue or whatever. Because this seems like it's like ending the deal where Catwoman, to me, Catwoman after this says, fuck all of you. You guys are assholes. I'm going to go. And, and maybe like in the last bit, suddenly 
Oh my god, there was a sighting. I think that was Valmont in Rome. I better go check that. She just disappears and then the book because goes away you, for a where while. And this whole thing was even her nightmare and night terrors. The idea that she yeah. failed got fucked up and like exactly. the whole like Gotham sucks because of what she did. After this, you need Catwoman to go away for a while because this is the, pretty much, it feels like the ending to the story that we've had through the That's Catwoman series saying. so far. It's, it's very odd the way this goes where it it looks like it's setting up a dead end, an ending in the Catwoman but stuff. But now, with the, but like setting I said, with up the Batman, Batman book, stuff. Yeah. You have Zuranar to go up my idea of creating his own body in the Genesis scene, becoming Zuranar proper, separate from Batman, so he can do with the job that he thinks he's supposed to do. And then we have Batman, Bruce Wayne proper, with the rest of the Bat family, proving that he is stronger together than the single-minded mission of Zuranar. Yeah, no, with all that, and, and Chip Starsky says that Failsafe is coming back eventually, too. Fuck he's me. gonna go, He's gonna sway, just fly in with his robot army. Uh, overall, though, we're saying things that I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll admit, you're getting me excited a bit, Eric. It's not anything to do with Batman. But when you end up doing all this, I still don't like the story itself. I don't like the setup. I think that you ended like up a lot swerving. Of you swerved to Vandal Savage, which yep. in the middle of something, it's starting to be everything, mainly Joshua Williams and stuff. Like you get swerve after swerve on top of swerve. And I just want too many swerves. Clear, I need a clear concise story that makes sense and i do think that the optics of this they realize that batman really is like i said to somebody they got mad at me but i said the batman that we had at the beginning of gotham war that's just batman it's actually batman acting more like batman than we've had in years this shouldn't be the idea oh my god it's over the top and now i think that oh we gotta do something really yeah, we, we gotta, gotta make him over the top really over the top and the over the top is Mind control, Jace. Exactly. I'm telling you, it is just like how he got pissed off in Identity Crisis for what the rest of the league did to Dr. Light and then to Batman to make him forget the shit going on. Tampering with minds. This is beyond what Bruce Wayne would do, and it is a violation. It is, what's weird is beyond what Bruce Wayne would do, but I'm not thinking it's like a I don't know. It's weird because we're saying he's over the top doing it, but it didn't but feel, no, the thing is, didn't feel it's right. It's not over it the top forced. as much as a Zuranar would do because you still have the compassion of Bruce Wayne who cares for his kids because on top of making taking Jason out of the game, by making him afraid of everything if he ever tries to do Red Hood shit again. I also got you a new identity in the apartment in Metropolis so you can have a good life. So you have that split right there, the compassion on top of It didn't work for Paul Meredith there. It, it didn't last. <laughs> it it's should not going to last. I would have read a fucking six-issue uh, miniseries of Paul Meredith just selling flowers in you Metropolis. You and Paul Meredith, what happened if this was the setup that we find out that Batman actually set – like Zornar was in that and set up everything – Paul Meredith was actually set up by Zornar Batman to go, and now Jason and him are, are the odd couple. They're living together <laughs> now. Jason's like the Uber driver for the florist. He's going out doing shit and stuff. But I don't, I don't know. It just, it's it, just it a delivery just, man. It, it fell. Yeah, I guess that's a delivery Uber guy. driver. Well, you know, the, the flowers call you up. I need a, a ride, right? I, I I don't know. It's just it all all in all, it does end up like you're convincing me that the things feel right. I think that one of the things you have brought up is that there is still Bruce Wayne in there. I don't think we're getting enough of that. Like we're getting more of that fight of the mind with Barbados and Batman and the asthma in the detective comics. I I wish that we had more. Which is kinda cool too, because you have that hyper dimensional Barbados of the mind trying to help Bruce Wayne fight off the asthma wolf. <laughs> Eric, you'd be a sh you know shocked the world. I really like the last issue of it's the weird. Comics. I think it's I didn't I like it, it, but I liked a lot of the concepts, but it just went on too long doing nothing. Talking about, man, I got to find the Batman because I'm a police officer. I shouldn't like the Batman, but he saved my life. But 
I guess I got to do it. And he's just going place to place. And we're just seeing there was a bad sighting here, bad sighting here. The stuff of the mind, awesome. If you twirl it around and whatever, that that guy, I wish I could remember his name, the officer the that was from the secret yeah. files deal. Yeah. He's just he's just the Bat family in that book. He's a guy who knows, trusts Batman, thinks that he's doing something weird and whatever. So you do have those kind of stories. I owe him. But I liked seeing in that where you had Batman, Asmer, Barbados, and he's going and trying to, you know, go back to things that remind him of Gotham, but at the same time, the Asmer should keep himself because the Asmer was destroying him. And so he was desperately trying. That showed me the struggle is why I liked it. And then eventually, Barbados, you're going to have to help me. I'm fucked. You, you got to help me. So I really did like that way it was played out because it was so just weird centered that now on when Batman we have Barbados, though, and we had Zurinar here when Zurinar could be that thing. And people are actually, because now I said Vandal in this, he was in the flashbacks of that. People are trying, and originally, it, it's legit. The Detective Comics was supposed to be part of this. And I think that the problem was is that Ram V went too far off the deal but then also had a very similar story, so it wouldn't make sense. You'd end up, but you could have tied them all in. With Dude, if you, take, if you take Barbados out and just make it Zerin R. I'm saying they're both in there. They're, they're high-fiving. Fighting but for yeah, supremacy? If we would have found out that Batman thought it was Barbados, but indeed it was Zoran R, because we said even, and then throw it in, because Night Terrors, Zoran R should have been able to be a fail-safe. Fail-safe for that, too, <laughs> and it, it's like, you could have. If if things were worked out better, you could have had a, an epic idea of this crazy mind control. Complete through line that works in every issue. And everything's kind of like, that shows you that some of uh, the editors, you know, they, they ended up not really paying attention and whatnot. By the way, I didn't do it at the beginning of this. I should have done it to drive you nuts. From now on, uh, Yeah has demanded that I read the editors as part of the credits. So when you come back, remember that, Eric. But you realize I forget right, it. We're doing some shame? What are we doing? I forget, it, I, I forget it every time. He likes to see the trends. Like, well, this book is that. I'm like, that's too smart for me. And we're not going to be yeah. able to remember this shit. I'm not going to be able to do that. But when I remember, I do it. But maybe the editorial of this whole deal should have been a little tighter. And maybe you could have Teeny Howard tell a more, you know, better story in the Catwoman to lead into this. When you had the triangle era of Superman and stuff like that in the nineties, and like used to go on retreats for all of the Superman writers because all of them would leave and say, like, this is our plan for the entire year. Everybody's gonna work together. I wish we would do shit like that, but nobody does that anymore. One of the things that and people don't love the new fifty two, me and you like it, right? Like a lot of aspects. There's a lot of bad stuff, but some stuff is good. I don't like when people just, you know, clear swipe it all suck. You know, you didn't yeah, read it yeah. at first, you were mad, but the year before <laughs> They actually just, hey, books aren't selling. They went, they, all the writers, they ended up going to a retreat to figure out, to iron out what should we do, how should we do this, whatever. And they came up with the new 52. So they have done that. People don't do that shit anymore. We still yeah. want it to be like the, the bullpen. Oh, yeah. They're all like fighting in the cafeteria. You have you know, <laughs> Jimmy Palmiotti. He's dressed up like the Fonz. He's yelling at people. He gets the jukebox going. Smack right? that jukebox. And we always, every time we start talking about that, it's not the idea that we want that because the writing will be better. We just want the drama of the made up stories totally of who do. would hang, right? Who would hang with who? <laughs> who would be the cool guy? For some reason, we want a high school drama of a bullpen that, of DC comics. But in the roundabout way, then the also clicks. better comics, right? They get the better comics. It's like, I'm not talking to that jerk. He's a nerd. I'm a jock. That's what I would say, because you know me. And actually, it's actually yeah. who said that was jock, the artist. So it really makes sense. It really does. Jock. So he's, he's hangs with Scott Snyder a lot, that guy. 
So, and, and the Scott Snyder would be like that nerd that hangs out with Greg Capullo, who's like the weightlifting. You oh, know, guy. no, no, no. That's my bodyguard right there. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Greg Capullo shows up and all the rumors start going. <laughs> Don't touch that guy. Oh, yeah. No, he's Buddy Ravel. Yeah, he's Buddy Ravel. 100% he's Buddy Ravel. That'd be awesome. And then everybody, I'm trying to think, like, who's the, the hot guy? Uh, is any of the hot guys, is that Joshua Williamson? He's not hot, but he's the one that they want to go to the prom with. And then Ducky is like. Uh, well, right now, know, he's like the. Uh, Ram, the Ram class B with president. that flowing hair. Holy moly. That guy would be. Yeah, who's Ducky? We could have all of them. But yeah, by the end of this, though, you, you've you've convinced me to hope for better. Well, the Vandal Savage stuff is the worst part. I don't like the, what they're doing with Damian Wayne, but the, the the inner challenges that we have between the Bat family and the ethics of it were going. But on top of the Zero and R stuff, I'm still enjoying Gotham more. Yeah, I I just want to get out of it and get to a better story. I just... It seems forced. Every, it wasn't set up well, and I still think they're playing catch up to get the setup that they wanted. But again, once you started, like you had to well, actually remind me. Well, it it did, and you also had to like you had to put the deal in my head again of thinking, well, that is Bruce kind of fighting back because it didn't really. There's not much going on that I think. Well, that's not really Batman. It's not too over the top. The Jason thing. And then, like you said, there's still that little soft side of Sears where Batman's saying, "I'm going to hook you up." Metropolis. Put you up over here. He's going to take out them other, like bat, like Nightwing and Tim, but then throws the battering so they can cut themselves free. Exactly. And I think people and I, I might have even not really got that when I read. So I'm glad you brought that up. Well, oh, I didn't, I didn't at first either. I actually went back because I didn't see the battering. Like, how did he cut through that? Oh, there it is. Here's the thing, though. It is fully established now. It's not a shocker, but Batman himself. Wants to get people out of Gotham. Gotham is such a shithole that if you set up somebody with a new identity, you got to get them out of Gotham. They can't be in that <laughs> shithole. Get them. And it's Metropolis. There you go. Superman's problem now. You think he would like send a note to Superman, like keep an eye on him a bit? Cause, oh, yeah. I just, I didn't like that. Again, though, you can go with the Sornar. I didn't like the idea of you're a murderer. Like him just full out. I love you, but you're a murderer. Just felt. It's a duality of the personalities. But it felt too much to get to that point of, oh, my God, I can't believe that you did that. And then to force Nightwing to have to find it through the bat box, which usually, Eric, I think that that's what he calls Catwoman. He's really working with that, huh? I don't try to get that one in. But uh, the idea that he finds that out, and then everybody seems to know, it seems a little over the top. But uh, with that, though, what would you give him? The thing is, I'm telling you, this Vandal Savage stuff is the least important stuff here, and it actually ruins the Gotham War with what, how cool it could have been, because we're not telling the story that it's supposed to be the story. Now it's a Vandal Savage story, collecting fucking rocks and League of Shadows bullshit. That aside, I like what the Gotham War, what it's doing proper, so I'm giving it a 7 out of 10, and I actually think oh, I, I enjoy the art throughout. Yeah, the art's okay. I, I'm giving it a 5. You, you raised my score, but only to a 5. The problem is, again, the funny play is it's a crossover with Batman Catwoman. Vandal Savage showing up looks like it just cut the Catwoman shit completely out. Oh, like, yeah. you, you know, we still have a bunch of issues, but hey, Catwoman sucks and Teeny Howard, boom. So I'm I'm really interested to see what happens in the Catwoman book, except I don't need her to be like, oh, man, Scandal Savage was Marquise. I'm so upset. You know Dario isn't going to go for this bullshit. He'll be there. Oh, yeah, Tomcat will come to the rescue. Yeah, Tomcat. Tomcat, throughout, you, have to have noticed, you have to have noticed, though, Tomcat has gone from one book where, hey, he's a dumpy guy. Next thing you know, it's this guy's a hulk of a man, right? I mean, holy shit. At that one point, has the greatest line, though, when he says, when he's the bodyguard, I'm just like a guy at a nude beach. I have to make sure all the dicks stay out. I was like, that is funny. 
That is really funny. Uh, but it didn't feel like Dario. Dario is like suddenly become well, even like Dario, this Hulk of a we man. We have read everything of Dario. I still don't know who Dario is, though. He's always just that side guy. He might be just be Janet from HR for me still. Oh, God. We'll talk about the lack of Janet later. But I like Dario because how I play it now is like one of those. He morphs whoever he's with. I mean, he, oh, yeah. he's, he's a, a chameleon. Yeah, he's this. He is a chameleon. So I do. We do like him, though. What happened if all of a sudden in the crowd you saw Kevin? I'm telling you, I'm still waiting for Kevin to show up. Kevin's one of the immortals. He's like the second in command. To I Vandal feel like Savage. him and like Harper Rowe are just going out and doing actual like real streetwise work to help people who need it because, you know, Harley failed him. It's like the runoffs again. You could have yeah. Harper, Cullen. You could have screw it punchlines in that group because they fucking completely forgot about her. I mean, th- this Gotham War was something that you wanted to have like a, a step up for punchlines. And she hasn't been in it. it. Completely disappeared. It's very, very odd. Her story had nowhere to go, so she was written off completely. I broke in that she had to take you out. Why don't you work for me? Okay. Never seen again. Because then it became like Mark. You could have had punchline. Punchline would have been a good play on that opposite side with Catwoman, kind of being that like over the top, you know. And even if you stuff. still want to consider punchline a part of the Legion of Doom, because I keep pushing that idea. Like, um, yeah, like yeah, even in the green, the last Green Lantern, where they had the idea of the Legion of Doom, and like she was a part of that hologram that Sinestro made. You have this whole thing where let's say the Legion of Doom get involved because Punchline's a part of that to take out Vandal and his goddamn army of immortal men. It, that's the thing, too, with Batman involved, the story's getting even too big with Vandal. It is. And what I heard is Jason, he's already on the phone to get Joker's daughter in this joint. We're gonna have Mahler, we're gonna have we're everybody have back going. And what's well, I don't know, this is nonsense, but. You're uh, a lot more positive than me, so I did have some people tell me. I, that, I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I I ended up telling some people that you like it way more than me, and then there you go, because some people complain that I'm negative Jimmy when you weren't around, <laughs> and that you're your positive ray of sunshine. That is Eric Shea. Is is yeah. you know, I'm just glad Turn that, that I can. On. I'm just glad right now that I actually can put into the rotation. 98% of any parody song I ever did. They always have you in it. I'm sitting there. I, I've had just random times where we're going into a, a deal with me, Matt Razor, Zach, and, and Simon, and I'll just play, play it. I'll just play an Eric song. I'm like, oh, well, there you go. Tried to make it work. It didn't. But yeah, and yeah, all my parody songs. And I have a couple. I did have a couple that I were going to have for next week and what was going to be a surprise return <laughs> we, can, we, we never do things right anyway so no but it's batman and, i'm like and the thing is we yeah, were talking about it yesterday how batman like might not even be on the show even if you were, weren't going to do it alone and i couldn't sleep last night my shoulders all messed up i was just i was laying there thinking like well, that's bullshit. I'm going to get a hold of Jim tomorrow. Let's see if we can record a Batman because Batman is always our first book on the podcast. We can't skip that. No, I'll tell you, like I was talking earlier in the week before you ended up getting a computer. And I even said, the minute that you sent me a message, you know, like, I need to log in for this and that, I'm yep. like, oh boy. Game on. I'm like, he's got it. I actually told Matt Razor right away. I said, Eric got a computer. I sent him this. He didn't know what I was saying. I said, look, he, he's got it. He's coming back. And then, uh, but the problem is, is that all this time, I've been trying to like build you into this. Like, oh man, Eric, this and you always went dark. I don't have a response. <laughs> I don't know what to say to you. So this is the thing, and I will give you this is props that maybe you'll only realize. But people had been saying to me, "He's done. There's no way." And I would say, "No, no, no. He's still reading the books." But then you started getting behind on a couple things. I did I'd say, "Well, you're reading it." But so then, 
oh man, it's been so long. He's not coming back. And I said, listen, if this was me on a hiatus, then you could maybe say, but I know that Eric, and it's one of the things that he's very proud of, that he doesn't lie and he doesn't lead people on that. If he was stopping, he would have told me already that you're oh, never yeah. coming back and it would have been done. So that was the only reason why when people would say that you're not going to be, I said, no, he will until the day that he decides if he's not, he will tell me right then. And then I'll have to figure out what we're doing in the long run deal. But that's why I never came up with a, a long run solution. I just to get fresh crew helped out. And again, I, yeah. I want to thank, well, thank everybody, you, everybody, including everybody going forward. And it was kind of funny to hear different, you know, takes and things like that from a lot of people. And there are still books that me and you would normally not do. Like The Peacekeeper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll a peacemaker. Still- I don't know why I said Peacekeeper. How I just got done reading the Stormwatch. You have to read that. It's really do not. It's really fun. And today I was on the Comic Aficionado show and it was like the book of the week for like three people. Like it, okay. it's that good. It's fun. But they usually have bullshit picks anyway. See, well, what you're doing now is you're proving the point that there are some side books that you wouldn't be involved with and we'll probably still have. I'll, I'll get people now that everything's set up and whatnot. And also some of the people who were doing shows on this main podcast. Now that we kind of have it set up, we're going to do shows on the uh, Patreon. There'll be Patreon shows like me and Zach are going to be doing a year one deal. Because really, that's the other thing that I I would say to people. When me and Eric record, we recorded two days, maybe three if we did the Uh TGI up. But we did it at the same time, pretty much each week. And it was that condensed deal. When I was getting, it's like, all right, I got to record Monday night if I have a book. <laughs> then Tuesday afternoon, we do that. Then three people on Wednesday. Then this, oh, they can't record till Saturday. There was so much craziness in that. That's which, a lot of scheduling. Which ended up showing in with Gabe and me doing Batman that we ended up not being able to do it. And then that's why I was like, I don't know. And once you told me that you were going to be back next week, I was having that idea. Maybe we'll keep Batman till next week. We don't have a lot of books. But that felt weird. And people would be like, what the hell are you, Batman? You have to have Batman. It's Batman. So, but I will I will laugh, too. One of the things, because, again, also people were saying, oh, man, he, he probably thought that joke you said was funny. I'm like, you think he listened to shit? Like, there's no way. <laughs> there were points that I made the cra- – I'm telling you, Detective Comics, the first book of the third section, and, wow. and then the beginning had – but it was because of the way that, uh, like, the, the yeah. scheduling. And some of the people, like, this person's doing detective, but also doing that with me. So it kind of got screwed. I said, Eric, it'll drive him nuts if he ever hears <laughs> this shit. But, yeah, that's that. So thank I you. Lis- for I listened to the in. intro to last episode where you're like, Eric's not back yet. We're going to try to pull things through. <laughs> I, that's all I ever said. And I also said that because, like, I thought that if I ended up saying, hey, everybody, you know, the episode this, here we go, and whatever. Oh my God! He didn't mention Eric. He he's not coming back, he's or he dead. does this, or he he's <laughs> mad, or you know all that. So I I would say that, but yeah, I so said the the show had to go on for a bit. I love talking about DC Comics because I realized I can't retain shit unless we do this over the top weird science skewing and review of nonsense. The skewers here, but in the review. I, I, I love the DC universe way too much not to read and talk about it. Well, again, that's why I was upset when people actually got the idea with, with you not around that suddenly I hated everything and I was being influenced by people and things like that. It's just you were always there from I would yell. It's weird. I would yell at you about things. And maybe that felt different than me just completely yelling about the but I don't know because I yell I all know. the time. It's true. I, I'm miserable. And I, I'm a, a tiny terror. It didn't change. It just was you weren't there to lighten the room. <laughs> Like the idea, I even had to go Vendetta. with the idea 
that's the thing. I'm talking about Matthew Rosenberg, and I have to actually still, you're in my head. I'm still <laughs> yelling about it's not a vendetta. And then I'm yelling, Eric, if he's reading no this, it. <laughs> I'm like, it's a vendetta. It's not, it's hashtag, not when you're right. Uh, that, that, that book. I can't wait to finish that one with you. That I don't know what the hell that was supposed shit. to be. Bullshit is what it is, and I told you. Like right even reading away. the last issue of that, but like you know, like the previous issue, I was reading that, and like you know, we were so far removed because of what Night Terrors did with the Johan dream and shit, and like how nothing felt like it really mattered, even though you like might be the most, most important, important book, even book, though. Yeah. But it still doesn't matter for like, the stuff you find out. But I'm like, I was reading the last issue, and I couldn't even remember. Like even visually, like what's Joker? The fuck am I reading right now? No. Here's have you read are you you're not caught up on Shazam? I'm not caught up this week yet, no. When I read Shazam, even though we had, I think, an issue already, like the night I didn't know what the hell was going on at first. Oh yeah, we're on the moon. I I got done Penguin like at like eight o'clock this morning, I think, and then read Batman, saw that you got a hold of me. I'm like, oh shit, let's do this. Yeah, yeah, I ended up (laughs) making convoluted plan, my scheme. To fool people, and then, yeah, that's why you yeah. just said, let's do it. I even said, like, I'm going to have the intro for this section. I'll make up a, a thing at the beginning, and then, and eh, you came in. Stop it. Because you like the Axl Rose. And there's a bunch of songs that's you good. haven't heard. A bunch of songs I know, I can't heard, wait for so some more God You'll be hearing shit. some crazy shit, Eric. So, yeah, that's that. So, Eric will go away for a couple days because we're going to yeah. be back. And if you want to get excited about it and people want to help support us, it's a weird time to mention the Patreon, but we will be doing the Patreon spotlight, spotlight together this week. Not sure what it is. Don't even have the poll up yet. But yeah, the spotlight is patreon.com slash weird science. Me and Eric will be doing that on Thursday and then back to the regular schedule, which leaves me a ton of time to do nonsense. I'll have a Hey, do me a favor. When you and Zach do the year one show and you get done doing the proper year ones, go do Birthright because it's a different year one, but it's still a cool story to do. Let's do that. Uh, and it's going to be Especially with that Lex things. Luthor one that we had. We're even going to do the Snake Eyes year one for the G.I. Joes, Eric. Yeah, we're just going to throw a bunch of things. Chuck Dixon did that. I I found I was looking up different year ones, and obviously we're going to start with Batman. That'll be the Frank Miller Batman will be the start. We're going to do a bunch of cool things, but we'll probably do Birthright as well. I think that's like 12 issues. That's a lot of work. Well, yeah, we're going to do that. So that's one of the things that uh, going forward. What about zero year? We might, I'm telling you, when we get to like the year one, zero year of of Flash by Joe, we're skipping that shit. No, we're talking about zero year Batman Scott Snyder did. like crazy deal as well. I think zero hour, zero year. Yeah, that whole like jungle scene with the Riddler and stuff. You did get Duke Thomas out of that, though. That was pretty cool. But that's that. So. That's I will it. let you go. We're going to go off. I believe now it's me and Matt Razor talking about the birds of prey and then the rest nice. of the deal. But yeah, it's nice having you back. I'm sure people will be excited and happy to know that you're raring to go and feeling good, sure. looking good, right? You shave that ponytail bullshit that you had no, before. Man. It's down the middle of my back. <laughs> See, he's still nonsense. But yeah, that is that. Thanks for joining me. And we'll go off to birds of prey. Continuing on with Birds of Prey number two, I'm here with my man Matt. What up, Matt? What up, Jim? Uh, what up? And you have caught up on this book. It's one of those easy ones. It's the second issue since this is Birds of Prey number two, but yep. you actually do like it. You ended up yeah, reading both issues and you're a fan of it. You said to me that you might even want to marry it eventually, but <laughs> we'll have to see if that's allowed down the road. But it is Birds of Prey number two, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Leonardo Romero, colors by Jordi Belair. Letters by Clayton Coles. And one of my big complaints in the first issue is you set up this whole play. You end up having Dinah, Black Canary. She's going to set the Birds of Prey team up. 
in the whole play of I Gotta Save My Sister Sin. Now, the idea some people complain, hey, it's not really a sister. Before the whole Flashpoint deal, it was more of a mother-daughter relationship, but they were both with the League of Assassins, and that Sin was being pretty much groomed by them, tortured and trained to take over like a Lady Shiva type uh-huh. deal. And then it was just my, my problem, though, in the first issue is I didn't think that a lot of people would know who Sin is. That kind of gets rectified at the beginning of this issue, so I appreciate that. But the other thing was everybody in the book knew exactly who, like, you go up to Harley Quinn and say, oh, you want to join me on a fight? No. Hey, it deals with Sin. Sin. I'm in. I'm in. And it yeah. felt like even Barda, like everybody, everybody seemed right. to know Sin, and it was, that just that, that threw me. And so I also said, I think that you're con- – and you did concentrate a lot on Harley in the first issue. And it was weird. Like, Sin is a con- – not many people know Sin. You also have Zealot on the team. Pretty cool. Not mm-hmm. many people know Zealot. You know, Big Barda even. People do know her, but they're a little less than Harley. So kind of give us – why aren't you giving us the things that I think people need more of? You actually do get that in this issue. I like this issue uh, way more. And I still love the art. I think the art is so cool. The coloring is unique. We were talking about the coloring, but it does make it feel classic. It actually makes it feel classic. And in that way, it's also grabbing a lot of stuff from the Gail Simone, Birds of Prey. Kelly Thompson writes a bit like Gail Simone. There's there's Mm -hmm. some jokes. It is a little more lighthearted than a lot of other books. And yeah, you have Harley in it who's going to kind of lighten things up anyway. And if if you're annoyed with Harley... I don't think there's anything a writer can do except not have her on the team. If she's on in the book, this is what you're going to get. And you you even said to me that you thought there was a lot less of Harley and you could kind of deal with it a little yeah, more. Yeah, she's not she's not over the top. Like I know I hear you talking about a lot of issues where she just destroys the book cuz it's too much, but this one's not like that. And yeah, she destroys kind of more, her own book. Yeah, exactly. That that's the worst that one. Yeah. And that's the thing. I still think you you tend to get it even in this but not as much like he's my whole play is that if you have harley in a book you always end up needing harley to be harley oh we got to get this part but like you said there's just kind of little jokes now overall again kelly thompson coming from marvel at points this has a marvel feel with the jokes mm-hmm, even the marvel cinematic stuff it does have that feel but Kind of what we're getting in a lot of these, and I still think, and I was talking to some people this week, when I end up saying I like Kelly Thompson, me and Double A Ron at one point were like, we we were going to set up the booster club for Kelly Thompson. I'm not that hip now. She's had a couple things that I haven't loved, but she's still better than Teeny Howard. She's still better than Jadzia Axelrod. She's still better than Michael W. Conrad. She's not bad. She's actually... A, a step up above some of the nonsense that we have at DC. So I'm glad that she is doing this. I really liked her Black uh, Widow book. And so when you get into this, I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, she so did yeah. West Coast Avengers too. West Coast Avengers, easy. again, that's what this reminds me a bit of with the jokes. You're right, you're right though. This could be any uh, any Marvel. This could be a Marvel book. You could just change the characters around and it would work. Yeah, that's that's what it feels like. Like at one point, it would be them Marvel going to Kelly Thompson say, Hey, get a bunch of female. We want a birds of prey here at Marvel. And it would, would have been kind of the same. Yeah. Though, if you end up having Jeff the Landshark show up, because we do have sharks at the end, I'll kill somebody because I don't need that. I love Jeff the Landshark until I didn't. Way overdone in that West Coast. And then since has his own Infinity comic. Yeah, because. I did, I'd like Brodock. 
he made me giggle. But what were you going to say? This could be instead, it could just be Kate Bishop instead of Black and yeah, Harry, I think would actually, be a good. Yeah. Uh, and it would work completely. Yeah. You, you could, I mean, we could at some point, and we'll keep doing this together. <laughs> Next issue, if we remember, we'll come up with a team that it would have been. If it would have yeah. been at Marvel, because it takes sure time, we can figure it out. You can get some stuff really easy. Gabby would be on. Gabby would actually probably be Sin. I'm already starting. Oh, Maybe Laura goodness. and Gabby both. Yeah, yeah, it'd be crazy. So you end up where you do get that background, and it's just to show you that. Oh my goodness, this Sin, pretty cute. <laughs> like that's all it is, because they're going to save her, but we haven't seen her. Most people don't know her. So what Kelly Thompson does is make her endearing. Oh, my God, this little girl. Mm -hmm. Oh, geez. Why would it be so funny? Because this is years ago. What happened if they get to Themyscira to save her? And all of a sudden we see that she is now a goth, crazy, dark. She writes dark poetry. She's at the high topics. It's going to happen. But you end up with the jokes here of like not giving you that much information, more of just giving you the feel of, man, I want to save this cute little girl, too. She doesn't deserve this. and. And then talks about hot dogs, and then at one point the joke is, can I ask you something? Okay, as long as it's not about Pokemon, oh, never mind then. Very, very Marvel-esque <laughs> joke. Really, I'm, I'm telling you, that joke right there, and I know that we're talking, this is something that I have to try to stop even when I'm doing the manga stuff, not talk about Marvel and DC. But I will say, that that feels like Gabby right there. So I'm I'm going full Gabby. But this you is end Gabby up and where, Laura talking, then, if you put it... Marvel perspective, yeah. But it's okay. So you go in, and I know that there's going to be people, and later on in the podcast, we're going to do Fire and Ice, and I know everybody's going to attack me, but <laughs> when you're in this going, if it gives you a smile, you know, go with it. Don't end up just being angry before you start reading and try to yeah. figure out ways to keep being angry. I have been uh, guilty of that at points, but I'm done with it. I'm sweet time, fun Jimmy now. But here we go. We go back to Gotham and the current deal where they're getting the team. They already have the team together. That's the thing that also they ended up. Oh, Sin, I'm in. Now they have to say, oh, well, what's this about? Now nobody wants to be involved. They're like we're doing a, <laughs> kind of a repeat a little because the first issue was recruit the team. Now it's keep the team still recruited. But then everybody's going to go off and get little magic trinkets and things. Some of them that seem related to a plan. Some of them that seem personal. But. You end up having Zealot, like, I'm not down with this. Because, again, they're going to go to Themyscira. Dinah said at the end of last issue, that's what we're doing. We're saving Sin from the Amazons, Themyscira. She ends up, Dinah ends up getting a little more into it, which I wish that we would have had a little more of the idea that, and, and being coy with a lot of things. Well, remember Sin, the one you wanted to join in to save? She is going to be taken over by magical entity. That happens to be on Themyscira. The Amazons, they think they're doing well. Broader the Themyscira, it's going to destroy everyone, including the Amazons, and the whole world's going to be blown up, whatever. Mm -hmm. Pretty big mission there. And and I like to, at points, Kelly Thompson plays it smart, where they are, all of them are worried. They don't want to kill Amazons. Yeah. Right? And I, I don't even get that far. I don't want to fight Amazon. No way, because you'll lose. <laughs> yeah. So they talk about some things like, hey, why don't you go and talk to Diana. Why don't you go talk to the Amazons? And Canary says, well, if we do end up asking Wonder Woman and she says no, then we're screwed. screwed. This is yeah. the idea of asking for acceptance or forgiveness. And yep. as a kid, don't go. Do whatever. Like, if you're going to buy something on your dad's credit card, just go for it. You know he's not. And then just, 
hope that the punishment isn't that bad, right? You begged out of that. That's what they're doing. Now, I'm asking you right now, with what we know so far, do you think Diana would ever say no? I mean, if you went to Wonder Woman and said, listen, that's my sister, however you want to go with the relationship. That's my sister. Yeah. By the way, we have maps from the future, from Gotham Academy maps, Meridian, who has seen the future. And what you're doing is going to kill all the Amazons. Everything's going to blow. Do you think Diana would say no? I don't I think, think she, she would. I think she'd but say yes. There's that small chance. I like the idea, though, that when she goes, go more with the being busy with, you know, fighting the U.S. Say that, listen, she's distracted. I can't really get a hold of her. She's having these problems. We don't. Do that and, and go, because I do think that if you went to Diana, she would certainly she would help yes. out at yeah. least. Did you like that they tied it in? Tied yeah, it in with the current fine. Wonder Woman? <laughs> Even say that. So I, one of the smart things, the line that I do like is when Canary just says, listen, I'm not going to lie to you guys, though. You see who I got on this, this team. We're going to kick ass. I mean, if we have to. We can. Get, I didn't get you for any other purpose. So yes, we might end up, but hopefully the plan works out that we don't have to kill anybody. At one point, I said Zealot walks out, and you have to have Canary go back in. I wanted to have this because Canary goes out, says Zealot, what's going on? You're here because you owe me a favor. Zealot says the favor didn't involve killing Amazons. This is bullcrap. I'm out. No, no, no. Give me it. You know, let me explain. And she says you have two minutes. This meeting definitely goes on more than two minutes. I wanted yeah. her to leave. Time's up, bitch, and leaves. If you notice, there's a lot of like favors that are be thrown thrown oh, around in this issue, is and favor, they don't talk favor, about favor. what they are. You got to find out later. It's kind of interesting, I guess. Maybe interesting, or maybe it's the idea of forcing things in. The Zella one's fine, yeah. but then Dinah goes off to get a favor from Constantine. Yep. Who then has a favor from him? And King Shark's in there with Harley. I think Harley just bullies King Shark. Even the favor is, you know, whatever. But that yeah. that works out anyway. <laughs> Because the Suicide Squad, they've been on the Suicide Squad together. So that plays out. And I think it's, I actually think that the play could have been even funnier with Harley, where everybody else has favors. She's just going to call King Shark because they're buddies, but she's trying to be tough like yeah. everybody else. Didn't play like that, but it would have been pretty funny. But you're right, though. Every It's like, Constantine, how do we get him in this book? Well, he does favors for you. So you mm-hmm. just throw it in there. It's okay. But I'd rather... I don't know that having Constantine really impressed me in this book, though. It does continue that there would be maybe a lot of guest stars going, but it's just to get to the magic underground. And then it's weird that everybody joins them anyway, because at the end of this, they all decide, all right, we're going to go. I'm really shocked that nobody asked Harley what her plan might be. I mean, you're there. And we talked about the idea that Harley's the wild card. That's why she's on there. They said it. Like, man, when things are going one way, she'll do the crazy thing. But to get to Themyscira, I don't know that you rely on the wild card. You need a solid plan. Like, I would ask what it is. It almost plays out like everybody's plans are secrets wrapped in an enigma with a whisper down the lane. But it's just the storytelling. And if it's real life, if it was real life, they definitely would ask her, like, what's your plan? Tell everybody right now what it is. But of course they don't. And even then, you could have had, like, Cass like wanted to know afterwards Harley's well, hey, well, what is your plan? And she's like, I don't got no plan <laughs> at least. But she does. She actually does have because a plan. Because it's almost like Harley just wants to raise her hand just to get attention, you know, and doesn't really have yeah. a plan, but she ends up having a plan, so it works out. But because it also she uses 
a second tombstone reference me and you have had today as we're talking. But also, she does feel a little left out because she does have a plan. And they just ignore because, yeah. again, it's Nobody's hardly. taking her seriously. But I also like, because I love the art in this. That's great. The coloring time, the weird colors of the faces making that classic look, that's fine. But I love that you do actually see Barda's height when it's Harley trying to She's jump massive. up in the panel because yeah. she is being ignored because Barda is huge. I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, when you go off, Meridian ends up, hey, good luck. They set this. We're going to head off to Damascara tonight and see you at the beach and it's east docks midnight everybody's gonna meet yeah them. yeah yeah east docks midnight i got it i got it yeah. I'll, I'll see you there <laughs> yeah. <She's> like, Whatever. <laughs> i'm out and then leave so at that point you do have a hard cut that maybe was a bit confusing at first where at one point then dinah tells barda and Cass they have to go to chicago boom chip and get an urn but that's not really well played out they end up they're just going i'm no Aaron girl, I'm Big Barda, but let's go to Chicago. That kind of works out in a weird way to get them back to where everybody is at the end. Everything kind of gets tossy-turvy here because Mm -hmm. then you get Zealot who's just going off on her own, heading towards exactly where everybody else is heading as well, trying to get some sort of trinket that she needs. Harley then chases her down after yelling on the phone, which will reveal it's King Shark who's going to get the plan not really a, a crazy way to get to Samascara, but he can control the sharks and the mastodons around mm-hmm. it okay it works I, I don't mind that and the king shark looks great at the end he cracks oh, yeah. me up and then you do have dinah go to constantine so she's there with constantine she's calling in a marker we got to get this marker we don't know what it is that's like the, there's always these mysteries so far so i hope that it works out but i don't love that kind of storytelling where Hey, I got to get this, but we don't know what it is. Yeah, it's they're going. She's going heavy on that in this. And weird in it is that it's not even seemingly looks like it's something specifically for them to use in the moment, because when they do end up getting it, she tells Constantine to go give it to Ollie. Now, is she going to go meet Ollie before she goes? I don't know. But Constantine, again, cool. (laughs) You end up (laughs) in magic deal. He's always got his nonsense going. But they end up down in the magic underground. And you end up with this guy, Broker, the Broker. Mm-hmm. And when he shows up, he looks like Dr. Bombay from Bewitched, which I told you makes me laugh. But Sus. also, right away, you know he's bad. I mean, when they get there, Dinah doesn't even know what this place is. You end up seeing this is, you know, Diagon Alley. We're full Basically, of hot yeah. Harry Potter, right? And she's like, what is this? Oh, this is the, you know, black market underground magic place but yet she knows the broker right away oh that guy's a sleazeball this guy's reputation gets around the sleazeball a lot of times your reputation as a sleazeball sure. will get around eric has told me he, he knows he knows <laughs> living that life so you end up where they go in again if i'm asking you why and what happens they end up where constantine says i want my you know bag of goodies and the broker, oh, okay, well, let me get this. Oh, Constantine, you vulture, you piece of crap. And gives Constantine the bag. Is it there? Constantine, well, some of it's missing. Like, but there's it'll some do. weird place, right? Like, why say that? Some of it's missing, and maybe it'll play out, but some of it's missing, but it'll do. Oh, no. Like, what is the play? What is the, I'm, I'm just asking you, what is the barter doing at this moment, and what will he accomplish from this? I guess he just wants to get take it back. I don't know. And, whatever's and in there. Constantine leaves. 
So where is the point where the barter's like, oh, crap, all right, get back here, yellow juggernaut-looking golems? Like, it's weird. Man, it's just fighting practice for them, I guess? I don't know. To me, this is why I'm asking, because all it is to me is you want to see the Birds of Prey fight in each issue, so we have to make up a way to do it. It does not make sense in the whole play. Also, this guy, is this guy going to get in trouble? You probably can't do this in this, you know, underground it, magic place. Also, it might destroy a shop. It, it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense, but it looks pretty freaking good. It looks good. great. And and it's it's just to have fun with them fighting. And really in this, I think that you actually nailed it earlier, even before when they get the Themyscira, they're not gonna be able to rip apart things. They're probably not gonna be able to pretty much quote unquote kill anything. Probably can't anyway. So you get these golems that they can just destroy, and then just so happens that everybody in the team has just arrived at this one spot yeah. in the underground. With Zealot went down for her thing, but Harley's very interested in Zealot follows her. You end up having Barda and Cass, the urn that was in Chicago, and I, I even wrote it down because I thought it was funny. Uh, Chicago Greg, he doesn't have the urn anymore. He gave it to Magic Nelson, which they end yeah. up here. It's like, and they have already gone and grabbed that. Zealot seems to have already grabbed. Everybody was just leaving when they see Dinah. Dinah ends up like almost like she's embarrassed to be seen. Like it's a weird play. Yeah, she's like, I don't know why you guys are here, but I'm happy you are. Yeah. And it, it reminds me of like if you went to the mall as a kid, but you had to go with your mom, and you don't want your friends to see you're embarrassed yeah. that you're there. But then you see each other and hang out and have a great time because they yeah. just go to town again. It lets you have the team. Just full out, full page spread. It shows you how much how much ass they can kick if they really need to. And I think that that's a cool play to go into the next thing, which they probably can't kick as much ass. They're gonna in have to meantime, pull it back a little bit. Yeah. Barter's just in the doorway. What? Like yeah. if if it's you, do it. Me and you are on the birds of prey, right? I don't know. They call me Eagle Eyes Jimmy, even though I wear glasses. <laughs> they they do that to make fun of me. And and you're like, uh, I don't know, Razor Claw Matt. So those are your names. So we end up getting done. We beat the crap out of these juggernaut looking assholes. What's the next thing you're going to do? Go right after that barter. I'm guy. going to kick the shit out of the barter. Like he yeah. is going to get the crap. Take out his out kneecaps of him or something. Immediately. Then I'm going to start yelling because, again, you had Constantine, which was weird that he got sent away anyway. But everything wasn't in the bag. So I would actually have something to do with that. I'd probably yeah, grab I a want the rest other of things. I'd yeah. beat the crap out of that guy. Take everything he owns. Just but at the end, the they're place. just like, all right. And and they just <laughs> get out in a boat. I mean, they destroy these golems and then look then around. they boom I, tube out. Yeah. I'd even like it if you had like, I don't know, magic police are on our ass. Like you could even have a running gag with that, that they're all because they just ended up getting in a huge battle. And they just boom tube the hell out. So that's where. It feels like inconsequential, but we I kind of think that we understand why we did it. You did it because you, you have to have some fights, and it was cool. It looked cool. So then they boom tip, and then you're just there. You, you know, she does move along at points that I do appreciate. You don't go like, you know, if they went to the dock, Harley would be saying, so like, it would have been yeah. like pages of nonsense. So, no, they're already just at Themyscira. They already set that up. They're on the boat. And uh, there they are. I don't know how they 
you know, traveled that far in just that boat. I'm wondering how they got, you know, to Yeah, that's one of those just inflatable boats with an engine on it. It's not a... Again, it it feels very Suicide Squad-esque, like they get dropped in, but we didn't see We got a Jaws reference, too. I thought that was pretty funny, I guess. The funny thing, and I don't know, maybe people <laughs> like it still. When you have to explain your reference, it, it kind of lessens it. But in well, this, the movie's fifty years old. I mean, I, what I think <laughs> is funny because when Harley does try to go with it, like she's like, "Oh my God, you get that?" and they don't get it. So I'll give Kelly Thompson. I didn't like that she tried to, but it's funny that she tried to explain it. And nobody knew what she was talking about because mm-hmm. it's like we need a bigger boat, Quinn. Oh my God, just like Charles, like Quint, Quinn. I get it. Oh my God. You don't know what I'm saying. It is funny. Mm-hmm. And then King Shark jumps out. He explains himself. Looks pretty cool with those Speedos. It's like, seriously, what do you got? A salmon in your pocket? Are you happy to see me? That guy is packed. He comes in huge, too. That's why I like King Shark. And he looks great. And I like where Barda actually like steps up. Like She's eyeing him up almost like, I think I can take this guy. Like She wants to fight. Also, you mentioned Barda. Pretty much a big What have we ever seen that? You know, oh, it's pretty cool. I like too. Like you end up seeing everybody else, and they're in they're like scuba gear. The, the scuba jumpsuits. Harley has her up. You know, she's branding hers, and Barda's just there because she is Barda, and she does not care for any of those nonsense things. She's going to show it. And yeah, you have King Shark. The plan makes sense. The Maglodons, all that stuff around Themyscira that they have to get through. Which right there, there is like the trillion foot. Finn, mm-hmm. they end up having to, uh, you know, get through it and he can control them. He explains, I'm the king of the sharks and I can control these, you know, schmucks too. And now go a little further. Don't just tell them not to attack or whatever. Make them help you, I, I would hope, but I don't think that's going to play. I thought they were just going to take hitch a ride inside its mouth or something. I don't know what they were going to do. I, I don't. I, I just thought they were going to get a plane and just, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Get like Waller to help, even though that would be odd. But uh, you know all that. But it's weird too because they're there on a pontoon boat. Mm-hmm. You have Big Barda; she's in a bikini. You, you know she's there. She's from the whole you know new god stuff. You end mm-hmm. up having Zealot Wildcat's craziness. You end up having Harley Quinn who's crazy enough. And and at one point I will say too before I Harley actually senses a bit in that crazy way that. How Zealot doesn't really belong In the universe but did but didn't She gets that and that's like a little Aside which I thought was actually interesting I thought that was kind of a clever little Deal but all of this They're like going on with all that crap Like this is a messed up team They end up having to go to Themyscira to save Sin Who might be getting possessed by a huge Demon and somehow Dinah has a Problem goes oh no Effing way that King Shark Is going to help Like really like, why are you that upset about King Shark? This is the least of your no effing ways. You just fought, you know, juggernaut looking golems in the underworld magic back alley. Yeah, King Shark and now is you're normal. Like, no effing yeah. way. It, it actually made you almost just got eaten by a giant shark. And yet <laughs> you almost play off like in my mind. She's saying that this is the worst plan ever. Like, oh, ma- this is Harley's plan. No effing way. Yeah, from way, this is a pretty good plan. Well, that's what happens when you don't talk to Harley about it until the last possible second. You also realize that Harley knew what she was talking about, at least to get there. Like, yeah. they have to get, these sharks were going to eat them. They would have been done. <laughs> Be funny, that big fin you end up seeing below, it's like a little tiny minnow 
just has this See now, I just assumed that the Megalodon came with King Shark. I didn't think he would have been there without him. No, they're there. That's like a big, that's classic Themyscira. That Themyscira is surrounded by it. So King Shark is actually preventing them from killing him. Yes, King Shark showed up and said, hey, now it would be funny. If he's like one of them firebug firefighters that he actually brought more to make him <laughs> seem better. But no, when he showed up, that that's to stop them. Because in, again, one book will have the, the Megalodons doing that. The next book will have just some asshole fall out of a plane and land on Themyscira, right? You, you mm-hmm. end up different times, do different things, but they're going to play that to tie in the King Shark stuff. Now, I wonder if King Shark's going to continue with them because he's kind of funny. But can he go on Themyscira? Do you have problems with that? What number? Yes, yeah, I guess he's technically a man. So I hope that we'll see if if King Shark's like, okay, Megalodons, let's roll, and they leave, and he's gone. <laughs> now I'm going to start thinking that that's what this book is because Constantine just showed up to, hey, I'm going to roll. Like you need to have if you're going to keep having these other characters, I kind of want them involved a little more. But it's kind of cool. Yeah. I do like it. I actually liked it a lot more than the first issue. I I kind of think that you have to get used to what the book is you get the pacing of it you kind of see how each thing we're not going to get a ton of information each chapter but the things that i was upset at in the first we did kind of get a little of that in the second so you just got to keep going with the flow but they're going to go we'll see how the amazons react how this goes and i just want to know at the end like what is going on with sin and maybe is sin going to join the team because i would like that as well i think i would like to have Sin on the team, see what's that, have a you know, a character expand a bit like that and even play the idea because should have a connection even with Cass with the League of Assassins and things like that. So that'll be cool. Again, what we're gonna get, maybe, I hope not, but they'll free Sin and then we'll just have the League of Assassins coming in. So you you tie that in, but maybe we'll get better things than that. Yeah. But with that, what would you give it? Um, I'm gonna go pretty high. Uh I had a big smile on my face when I was reading this because you you I hadn't been reading it, so happy i am now i'm gonna give it an eight i'm gonna give it an eight as well yeah i I have a bunch of i think a bunch of books this week that uh surprised me so i'm sure they'll surprise some other people of how much i giggled and i kind of maybe in that position now that that's kind of what i want i don't need things to blow my mind and i don't like over on the marvel side because if people don't know me and matt do a lot of the marvel things and right now you had gods come out by jonathan hickman when i went to read that i already knew this is going to be hard work. Like, yeah, I oh, got to yeah. get my thinking glasses that. and thinking brain going. And I, I, don't, I don't really, yeah, I don't need homework. I, no. I'm a little too old for that shit anymore. So I just want to have fun. Though you could say that some of this goofy fun, I'm a little too old for as well. Now, I say that, and it's kind of a funny play because at this point, we're going to go off t- to my favorite book, Superman versus Meshi. But again, that kind of shows you. The lay of the land right now. I'm not here to get dark, deep stories no. and you know deconstruct characters and do that. I think that at this point, I do want to have a lot more fun. Not that I'm saying those books are bad or if you like them, that's bad. We'll still be doing that as well. But when you have like in a row, Batman, then Birds of Prey, Superman versus Meshi, Fire and Ice, and Peacemaker, you know, tries hard. Yeah. Why is Batman the worst of those? It would Why, be. When yeah. I just listed books that most people would shake their head. And, and roll their eyes at are better than what should be the biggest book. And I think there is a reason because they're trying to do stupid shit on Batman, which people have already heard. Yeah. So. And this one, I mean, it, we talked about it. This could be a Marvel story. This could be a, any a mix and match. 
And that's probably a good thing for me, at least, because it's a good story and then layer in the great art and you got a good combination. So when me and Simon later, we're going to be talking about fire and ice after the Superman versus Meshi. And we kept talking and I don't know if I actually said it like the whole deal. I think I did. But what I I kind of need like you have black label, right? Oh, there's uh-huh. black, oh it's the, you kind of need fun label. Like, oh, these are the books that we guarantee you'll get some chuckles. You'll have some fun with. And that's where, you know, this might end up. This kind of fits in that. But it all. I'm telling you, this still fits right in with the dawn of DC. You're getting a new team. You're getting some character work. You're finding out about things, and I think it's done yeah. pretty well. So. And, and then back to Harley, though, real fast before you go. The uh, I'm a huge fan of the, the the animated show, and I think that gets the best Harley you're going to get. And this is kind of in that vein, so that's why it's not over the top. It kind of fits in with that character. And, which- and you know what? I'll go with that. And what I do like Kelly Thompson because it there's a lot of people. T. Franklin, maybe. Yeah. People that when they want to do that Harley, they're going to really center on the, you know, raunchy humor and mm-hmm. over the top cursing. You don't get that here. You know, obviously, no. you don't get that here. So it's actually more of, of the heart. And it is funny because I hated Kelly Thompson's Deadpool so much. I thought it was one of the most unfunny books I've ever yes, read. Not and very good. When I read this, I actually, it's weird you, we ended with Harley that I thought, I think she might do a good job on Harley. Like yeah. she just plays Harley as, you know, somebody who wants to fit in. Like she really does fit in this. Like I want to be part of the club. I want to help. It's not just so a, she can't help herself, but it is actually even when she goes with Zella and says, "Kind of think you're interesting." I was going to follow Big Barnabas. She probably beat the crap out of me. So I, I think you're more interesting, which then almost intrigues Zella. I think like. Oh, man, you know, I think they're becoming friends here. And you're also having a really cool, and people did like the first issue even, and it continues here, Barda and Cass being that huge. And so they work out as a kind of a, a little bit of a, a friendship. Yeah, it's a comic relief a little bit. Yeah, yeah that I like. And just wait, because I, I, I would argue with anybody, Cass can kick more ass than Barda. Barda's huge. Yep. But Cass is incredible. And I, I want to see when Barda really ends up seeing that Cass kicks that much ass. Like, oh, my God, little bird. Like, well, I think in like the that, first yeah. issue they said Cass would kick anybody's ass more than anybody else in the DC pretty much. Kind of getting ass kicked by Harley, which people had issues with. But there was different <laughs> things with that. I do I do like the little like little uh, clicks that are going right now. I think it's pretty fun well, as well. And so. that's, that's another thing, too. It's like Harley on a team is probably the best place she can be. Just bouncing off other other team members rather than being by herself doing nonsense. But don't make it a hundred percent Harley. That no. that's what and and this does dial it back a bit. So I'll, yeah. I'll give Kelly Thompson credit. So me and you are in. Yeah. And finally, we're going to have a podcast where it's actually and when you see the lineup to this podcast, it's amazing. Like the idea that and I like a lot of the books in it might be a battle for the book of the week. It's crazy, but we're going to go off to one of those books that I really do like. I hope that people are enjoying hearing a bit of the manga here because Luke Hollywood, he uh, he loves that Superman versus Meshi. That guy can't get him to wake up for anything. But when I say it's Superman versus Meshi, he'll, he'll find <laughs> the time finally. But we'll go off to that right about now. All right, and here I am with Luke Hollywood. What up, Luke? What up? Um, what, what, were you just, did you disappear for a minute? Like, gone. <laughs> hey, everybody. It's time Hello. for our favorite Hello. deal, Superman versus Meshi. One of my favorite books, one of Luke's as well. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it. And I told Luke before we were going to record this that I was going to blow his mind. Blow your mind with some information. And the information is, I just realized that Superman versus Meshi 
and Joker, one operation written by the same person. It's the same guy doing both really? of them. There's two separate Whoa. artists. Each one has a different artist, but it is the same writer. It, it threw me off because we keep kind of comparing about and saying, well, they know this character, but you do see that this guy, Satoshi Mayagawa, he does know these characters. Know he actually stuff. does it. Now, it's this kind of goofy play, more goofy in Superman versus Meshi, but if he didn't quite get the character, you know, in a li- it wouldn't work. Mm. He would end up, it would just kind of fall apart. And he uses two things in this that make me laugh. Both of them ended up not really being well-received by people and kind of become tropes and jokes, but I do like that he uses them in a funny way. Mm-hmm. But this is Superman versus Meshi. Chapter 7, Luke, do you know what the title is? Do you think I know what the title is? Having problems with the title. Uh, Superbad versus the Nagisaki Champion and Crispy Noodles. But how long will they stay crispy, Jim? It was weird at the end. It felt like this was the end of it. Like, it, it usually you ended the up having, finale. like, next up. But this just says end, but we still have other volumes we to better. go through. So thank God. So you start off. And Superman is wondering what he is going to get for lunch. Unfortunately, he's got to fight terror demons. We oh, actually geez. see that he's doing some Superman work. This is a rare moment of Superman actually doing Superman business instead of ordering lunch. My goodness. Yeah, and I like the idea, though, because while he's doing it, he's not really like they're parent demons he's fighting. They don't mean crap. He doesn't care. Any so while business. he's doing it. And I said recently, I've been upset in books where they have that like hey, we're going to joke around with our banner while we're fighting, which lessens the fight. But that's kind of what this is supposed to do. Mm -hmm. That's what the play is, because he really, it's more of a numbers game than actually a threat. He has to get rid of these parademons. He wants to eat lunch. He starts thinking he wants ramen, maybe a rice ball, throws in a burger, but then says, I can get that anywhere. And then when you have all these parademons come in, he uses the solar flare, which is pretty crazy. That is a pretty obscure thing, kind of. It ended up really being a Jeff John Romita Jr. thing in the new 52. The problem is, is he doesn't use it the way he should. Because, again, (laughs) this is not really a deep dive. But if you remember the solar flare, he ended up using it. It saps all his energy. It's like a nuclear explosion. He does that right. He ends up saying that it really takes off. But when it's done, he's powerless for a certain amount of time. Uh He ends up where he has no powers. He has to regain everything. Now, the big play could have been, though, is because I don't know if you remember, Luke, when he used the solar flare, he realized that he's more human at that point because of that. And he had a different way to taste things. He actually in the comics, in the comics, he actually realized that when he did the solar flare and ate, I think he might have been having tacos. It was one of those things with Jimmy, but he was having lunch. And Whoa. realized that everything tasted better a whole without the whole sensation. Superman senses. It was weird. It was like almost the Superman senses where they were dulling it before, and now he's tasting it. You could have really went with this. And it's funny because he ends up, in the end, saying it's an old favorite that he has, but with a new twist. He could have had that he realized. A new and in twist. The way that Jeff Johns played it back in the day, you um, and it was right before Superman then completely lost his powers, and mm-hmm. then there was talk maybe the solar flare he took it to. He kind of got obsessed with solar flaring so that he could feel normal 
and feel different. And taste that Japanese goodness. In the meantime, he just goes to Japan, but he's a little late. He had to use the solar flare. He is weak. He's very hungry. And he goes to figure out where he's going to eat. And pretty much in the gag at the end as well, while he's talking to himself about all the food he's going to eat, he ends up getting his cape snagged on the Regal Hut tower of the restaurant and says, oh, my God, the Regal Hut. I love this place. (laughs) And then takes his cape and then goes down in there. And, yeah, he ends up going and he's talking about the idea he wants to have. Table for one. Super bad. It's always there. Table for one, super bad. He ends up getting the Nagasaki champ and, and says, I like it because it adds, it's one of those things like if people are giving them crap for eating too much ramen because Packed sometimes it's not good for them, this Healthy. has extra veggies. He's like, I, I don't feel guilty then. Boy, mm. I think I'll order it. And then says to himself, it's a superb idea. He's talking to himself and agreeing. To then have the lady come and he orders, and he orders two different meals. He thinks that this is kind of crazy, but it's not a healthy option when you order another dish, Super. And he says, like, he loves this place. And I will point out that usually Superman in this probably would come out a little more if this was animated, which that'd be pretty cool if it was. Even if DC ended up having like a side little 12 minute deal of it. This is short. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be so good. Well, he says every everything, his only adjective he usually has is super. Super. He goes, this is super relaxed here. This is super menu options. That He has the problem again because there's two featured dishes. Uh-oh. And he can't decide, so he goes with the classic. He'll have them both. As we then see, and I know, Luke, you are a big fan of the Bat Wang back in the day. We get the Super Ding Dong. The Super Ding Dong. Hello. That's definitely something Lois has seen before. Oh, my goodness. And so you end up where the lady comes, are you ready to order? And I love, like, Superman just doesn't say, I'll have number six and 12. He's like, thank you. I'll go with the veggie pack. Now, this lady doesn't <laughs> need the full description. She, I wish she said, listen, I work here. I know what's on there. But Please. she's very nice, almost a motherly so oh. he ends up where he's going to get these two dishes because one of them is the Nagasaki champion, but also also the crunchy noodles with seafood. This seems to be what he's really looking for. Delicious. He hasn't had a lot of the crunchy noodle dishes. He's real fired up for it. And then just starts to randomly get his condiments ready. Imagine if you're if you're in like this lady in the restaurant, you look over, he's reaching for the salt and pepper saying, Time to get ready for battle. For battle. And so I thought that what the play here was going to be is that he was going to go, well, this is how I ended up getting rid of the parademons. Maybe even play the idea like when I fought Doomsday. So, But he's not. He's just doing. Plus, he thinks there's a cornucopia of accoutrements, which is kind of a <laughs> funny thing. He's grabbing all of the sides. He's like, okay, I'm going to get this meal. It's battle time. I'll intercept it with vinegar. And two packs of mustard. I'm like, whatever you want to do, Superman. I, I trust you incoming. at this point. And then incoming. And this is where, again, this one, not as many really over-the-top funny moments like we had with talking to Sushi Aquaman. Goofy. But this makes me laugh so much. First off, you get a really good page of the food wars food going. Wars. Where you have these two things. And then he's like, man. Can't believe she gave me two dishes. Oh, wait a minute. I ordered them. Like, that's the, what is he talking what about? A surprise. I love where he's so surprised that he's getting, oh man, she really delivered to, oh, wait a minute. I did order it. But he's so into this. So then he's like, hey, this is a super 
performance. I, I, I'll even give them credit here. They even show him snapping apart the chopsticks. It's really, Ready. really into it. So then he says, I feel like this team up is like Green Lantern and Flash. <laughs> so that's cool. He's thinking. And then you have an editor's note. It could have also been Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, but Superman doesn't know those guys. Why would you put the that? Movies. You think he can afford a cinema ticket? No way. Like, it, 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 next thing you're going to have, it's like, oh, this could also be Wayne Gretzky and Yari Curry, but Superman doesn't watch hockey. Doesn't watch the hockey. I get it, uh, <laughs> I guess, right? He can't even afford a Netflix subscription. Oh so crazy goodness. with that. He's like, he doesn't watch those, but he snaps apart the deal. He's ready to go in. He's going to go first with the pork bone and chicken broth down oh. the hatch. He, he's so excited about this. Oh, my God. Like It hits the super spot. No heat vision, but it hits the super spot. And then oh. what he does is he has one of those big ramen spoons. Mm-hmm. And what he ends up doing is he has this big bowl of the champ. And, and so he's going to create many bowls in the spoon. And he's so into this. This is like the most important thing to him. And he wants it to be perfect. You know that he's going to think in his mind again that the chef is going to somehow the overlook this. The chef's going to be looking out the window going, that guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> he's always concerned with people knowing. What, man, he's going to get with that. He knows what he's doing. What a combo. Then he ends up almost making out with his seafood and crunchy noodles. I mean, even have it, he's two millimeters away from the shellfish. He's breathing it in. Oh, my goodness. And then he just goes, with, I can keep on doing this all day. This is the awesome thing about being Superman on lunch. Delicious. Even though he did say he was in a hurry. Oh. But again, he's there. He's all excited. That and then the food. He's, he does his normal again. This is not something that ends up, you know, half-stepping. <laughs> you You do end up having legit Superman reviews, even though I don't know really what he's saying half the time because i haven't had these dishes but he says the sweetness from all the vegetables together you almost don't need the he says that a lot too you don't need the noodles just kidding yeah he ends up always shouting out and and pumping up one of the ingredients to then end up saying just kidding because i love the rest and then just ends up like all right it's like he, these meals have to impress superman also you're like all right you're up crunchy jerk. noodles <laughs> So he goes into the crunchy noodles. He's actually doing the Hulk Hogan. Guy has super hearing and still puts his hand up so he can hear the crunch. Thinks it's great. Crunch, crunch. super sound. And then says, I bet it would maintain its crunchiness for three and a half hours or so. Very precise timing there. I don't know if, you know, he had to stop. He's wrong. He's completely wrong. We're going to find out because he's there. Okay. But again, he ends up misplaying this. He thinks this is great. And so then he's like, ooh, these crunchy noodles. But I think I might end up messing around. Because, you know, I'm Superman and I'm versus the Meshi. Again, he's probably like looking like, man, that chef's going to love this. And he does this weird counterclockwise maneuver with the vinegar. The three-time spin. What does he, he says, I'll sprinkle a little vinegar around. He does the spin once, twice, three times and says, what the hey? I'm tired three times around. I'm like, <laughs> all right. I, I guess like he's like. Normally, you know, I, I'd kind of be sane and I'd only go two times around with the vinegar, but the hell with it. I'm tired. I'm, I'm going with it. Then he ends up putting the mustard on the side. You got all this going on and he really can't wait. He's like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. Suddenly behind him, because he's in the restaurant. Guess who's coming to lunch? A parademon's knocking on the window. I, I thought the parademon 
we were going to have like almost like the classic all ages thing that the parody was actually. Yeah, we're just here because they heard about Superman and his ramen. And every you end up having this age old battle with apocalypse. Smooths it out with ramen. But no, he's like, hey, I'm still here. I'm a parent demon. He gives him like, I don't know why he's giving him the three. And then the punch, like, hey, in three minutes, I'm going to punch your lights out. Well, no, that's, he knows, he knows that that noodles is only going to last three hours. He's trying to warn Superman. You almost think that in this, the parademons, their only existence is to mess up Superman's lunch. Because he looks over, he's like, parademon, what the hell is going on? They're still here. So he leaves. Now, it's really quick. I mean, it is funny. He flies out of the restaurant, pow, pow, pow. Flies back in, says, okay, it's good. Welcome back. He even gets a welcome back. And then he apologizes to the noodles. He <laughs> says, sorry, crunchy noodles. for Oh, no, they're soggy. Oh. He flips out. This is where I said the one little thing was the solar flare. The next callback is something that people kind of roll their <laughs> eyes at a lot. It really goes for me. It's like, you know, the bat shark repellent Whoa. when you have it with Batman because he is so mad. That he starts zipping around, he flies out like he doesn't eat them. He's like, "This really pissed me off," and he goes. He starts going around the Earth backwards to spin it back to change time. He's doing the whole movie deal time with this, rewind. but again, at one point it's to save Lois, but here it's just because it's, order another meal, Superman, please. He's like, "I need to change all of time." He can't afford two more bowls. I don't want the noodles to be soggy. The best is, look at how many times he's gone around yelling, time rewind. He's, he's going to go out. back to the dawn of man, where noodles I mean, were yeah. not even invented yet. Vandal Savage is going to be handing out the noodles My to him. So, that would be funny. He goes to the first ever ramen noodle serving. But he comes back and says, I reverse time by spinning the earth backwards, all that funny play. He goes in and you have the ladies like, hey, good to see you yet again, sir. Kind of Whoa. playing the deal. I love, though, that this is the joke is on all of us because it doesn't really do anything. <laughs> he goes back and the noodles are still soggy. He's like, oh, man, I thought this worked and it didn't. As if. And then and he's just got to deal with it. Parademon ruin his lunch. So, so he ends up well. And yeah, he says, as if. And he says, man, that because he just went and took all the time. They're soggier now. Oh, no. I mean, that's the place in this manga. You actually do reveal that he cannot turn back time like share just by flying around the earth the opposite direction Oops. so he's look at the bummer this is the biggest bummer the he's biggest, been most depressed superman we've, we've seen. never seen this depressed superman he's so happy go lucky with the food oh he geez. only has 10 minutes left and he's oh, like well no. i better just make do i'm gonna eat the soggy noodles remember we asked if like wondered if there was going to be a time that he didn't like the food. Well, not this time because he eats. He always he's like, likes the food, and he's mad. At what, now it seems like he's mad at himself for not eating soggy noodles before. What he says heck? this is super delicious, Ooh. and says, "Wait a minute, soggy noodles with seafood? Your life as crunchy noodles is over." <laughs> and starts slurping it up. I'm like, and then he's super delicious, or I should say, super soggy. Super soggy. Delicious. He is so. Happy, and then he has to explain to us marinating it in the vinegar and sauce for a few minutes must transform them into soft flavorful noodles. I said to you, it's like it's like putting crackers in soup and then walking away for twenty minutes, coming back and and wondering why the crackers are soggy. 
but that's good for what it is. And he actually Delicious. likes this. He ends up saying, oh, my God, this is the greatest. It must have gotten soggy. He goes to pay. What is ends up being? It's about $12.25 for these two meals, about 1170 euro. So Big it is spender. kind of pricey, more than what he has before. And this is where we reveal Superman is a jerk. He could oh. have paid for Lois at points. <laughs> like He tries to play off the idea of it's identity-wise. He doesn't want to go. But at one point, he legitimately thought that Lois would order too much. And he'd end up uh, you know, being broke. No way. And then he goes and buys two meals himself. He says, man, that's awesome. And then the big play here is it's almost like that. And now, you know, that kind of deal at the end, because he's like, listen, I ended up eating something that was an old favorite, but in a new way. And he says, I was so focused on the noodles. I didn't get much thought. Like at the end, he's now (laughs) going to give you that shout out to the seafood. Shout out! We spent all that time talking to the fish did he just try, Yeah, and in my mind, I think like he just did belch and he tasted like some shrimp, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah. yeah, by the way, seafood was pretty Yummy. good as well." Because he doesn't say much, so you end it where he's like, "All right, well, now this has ruined my life because now I'm not going to know if I'm going to go crunchy or soggy." This oh. is the conundrum, first world problems for <laughs> Superman, and then he gets his cape. Stuck on the Tokyo Sky Tree, just like Classic. you did at the restaurant, and that's wow, how it ends. Wow. Almost tell you, me and you do all the money. Almost like an ending, like we get in Spy Family. The idea that you get that last end of a joke at the end that we always giggle at, but yeah, and it says Superman versus Nagasaki Champon and Crispy Noodles. The end. Usually we would have a little end. bit of. It's going to continue. So I know there's more. There's always lunchtime somewhere. I'm worried that maybe DC's just like, okay, we did this enough. We'll make people buy the volumes whatnot because I like this coming out every other week. They got to keep on doing this. This Joker deal. So I I enjoy it. So what would you give this chapter? Absolute banger as per usual. Superman versus the Meshi is our favorite one. I'm pretty surprised. I didn't know it was by the same author or the same manga. That's very interesting. But I really, and like we did say, they you know they know their way around the characters. But I really do like this book a lot. Uh, Superman so goofy, uh, and I know this was like kind of the back to basics because we always we enjoy the guest appearances a lot. You know, Batman and Aquaman. But really, we're here for Superman and talking to himself as he eats the food, and all the other customers looking at him, going, "What the heck is he doing?" Uh, but yeah, we didn't get any, uh, you know. Uh, laser vision destroying stuff, but uh, solar flares the next best thing, I suppose. And uh, it was a lot of fun, and I really, really like this book a lot. I'm going to go with a nine out of ten. But I'm going to go nine out of ten. Easy. And uh, we actually get something a little different in this. We actually see him doing some Superman Super activity business. by fighting the parademons. Does the solar flare gets hungry? It all makes up, and the idea that he. He's worried that he's going to be late for lunch, things like that. Class. I won at, we get like chapter 12 and he heads back to the uh, Daily Planet and they're like, you haven't been, you're fired, Clark. No more lunch, buddy. He's always zipping off to Japan. <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't shown up for work, you're fired. And he's like, good, more time for the Japanese cuisine. Delicious. Not realizing that he can't afford it. But yeah, eventually I'm sure he'll get Flash involved and you'll get, I looked at some of the volume covers mm-hmm. and you have you know you have all of the just league but i also want to see lot like it'd be funny if lois just does not like japanese food like she's like this is crap i don't like it. I'm it's like, more no. of a chinese food kind of gal 
What did you say? I'm more of an Italian food. Oh, Get my the hell out of here, Lois. Of course you would be. And Jeez. then Jimmy's like, hey, I like Irish food. And then Superman's like, What's nobody's that? ever said that in their life. And he's like, I know, I'm just joking. Alcohol. Said the, the shortest book ever, Great English Chef. But I'm giving a nine. You're giving a nine. Everybody, if you're listening to this and you want to hear more manga, me and Luke end up having a bunch of manga podcasts. And I also do some with Stork and also Jason. Check the show notes. We have reading clubs for Spy Family. Keep going. My hero. I always forget him. I always know. And then have Demon Slayer, right? I think that's Chainsaw Man, Death Note, and Dragon Ball. And this week, Dragon Ball, I'm going to be joined. By my man, Double A Run. It's going to start doing so. I'll be more timely with that. And tonight, I actually recorded an episode of Death Note as well with Jason. So, Whoa. pretty cool. Actually, I think I recorded with everybody because Stork and me ended up this morning doing My Hero Academia and uh, Chainsaw Man as well. So, it was a full deal, a plethora plus one of podcasts. But yeah, check out the show notes. We'll do that. We'll be back next week with a Joker, One Apparition Joker, our Joker other favorite. Daddy. So, We'll get back to the podcast, though, all right about now. All right, and here we are, and we, I mean, Simon. What up, Simon? <laughs> what up, Jim? Hey, and, and here we are in the regular podcast. We ended up talking about Fire and Ice issue one on the Patreon spotlight. At one point, I thought you were going to be the spotlight kid. That, yeah, I was, it was for a while being kept very secret away on the uh, Patreon, wasn't exactly. I? Exactly, but I will let everybody know because obviously a lot of people are listening who hadn't heard us talk about issue number one you actually liked it you liked it more yeah. than me you actually it, had some it fun had with problems it. like structurally it had some problems and like there was a real issue with not really knowing what the mission statement for the series was but it's got a vibe that it's going for and i kind of dig it and here's the thing in this i know that a lot of people are hating this some you know they'll have their reasons everybody has their own reasons but there's a lot of people who are just kind of hating it just for hating it, just for hate's sake. And I said even one of the books that we did this week that is on our Patreon spotlight that me and you are going to do because you're the yes. spotlight kid is Shazam. And when I hear people talk about Shazam or, say, Mark Wade's World's Finest, that idea of, hey, it seems like Silver Age fun. It's goofy yeah, fun they, they've and whatever. They've both got this like slightly off kilter like idea behind them. They're both trying to do something that's just a little bit wacky in their own little worlds. Yeah, and I think that a lot of this kind of feels like that. You end up having a JLI team where you made the joke because I said some people I've seen that are fans of the JLI, they're upset because they don't think maybe the JLI is getting you know proper props here. They ended up being <laughs> awful in the Tom King human target. I mean, that yeah, was, that, I mean, yeah, that's, Tom that's, King. that's an entirely different problem. Yeah, and but, and that's Tom King. It was Black Label, and it was just trying to you know fit characters that didn't fit a vibe into something a noir, a gritty and kind of piece of shit way. But the thing is, going then to this, and you made the joke because I said. People are saying that this book makes the JLI look like a joke, and you started laughing because they're the kind J of a joke. Yeah. The right? JLI's been a joke for 30 years. They were a joke in their, like, establishing... That was the whole point of it. That was the whole point of them, was that they were a joke organization with no legitimacy. And and the funny play about it is when you go and look into it, you ended up having Keith Giffen, 
and J.M.D. Mateus, the idea yeah. that they were only allowed to use certain characters. Like, they yeah. wanted they to have the big to characters. Use, like, the absolute dregs. Like, they weren't allowed to use the, the, the top-tier characters because DC sent some. Yeah, no. after yeah. the crisis and actually some of the deal, Superman's getting his things redone by John Byrne. You end up that Perez is doing Wonder Woman. So they really were... You know, kind of hands yeah. behind their back and use some characters like a blue and gold that they've already been using. And so they threw it together and went with that play. Hey, if, they, if people are going to yeah. say they're a joke, we'll make the joke before they can do it. So when you get to this, I understand that this book is not going to be for everyone. It really is. And I mean, and no. really, yeah. when I was reading it, I it's weird. Because we're coming out of a manga section that I just went on and on about how Superman ordering Japanese food is like the greatest thing ever. And it's what I want. And then it's weird then to talk about this book and say, well, I don't really like it because there's not a lot of superheroing <laughs> involved. It does feel like people are far more willing to accept something slightly off, like a Superman versus Meshi or the Joker book where he's raising the Bat Baby. If you just remove it so far from the house style, like if you make it a full-blown manga book or if you chuck it over in the DC Zoom, like, Young adult and that's area. one of the things to tell everybody when we talked about the first issue. And I think I think you gave it a seven five, and I gave it like a six. It was somewhere around yeah. there. Just to, I I think that's what it was. But we both agreed throughout that we thought that maybe it would have played out better in a different type of imprint. And and I was even thinking more. We of said it. that Dawn of DC was missing like some sub branding to really like bring it together cohesively. Uh, like the new 52 had and you could have pitched like a whole slew of books uh, a like young adult female orientated audience this you know, you've got girl. this hot girl power girl you could power have pitched girl. them all like yeah. as a little family of books and that's and the thing maybe if you did people that would people would be more accepting yeah. and, and they'd be like well and again if you just decide oh those aren't for me whatever your reason hateful or not yeah. like, they're not for me that's don't fine. read a book that's not intended for you it's yeah. funny when i was thinking about it i was like okay they have the black label what if they had like some way like you know day glow label i, I don't know what it would be <laughs> but something like that but like you said a bit of a side story it could be a nice neon red to go with connor's hair yeah exactly just have that stuff so yeah <laughs> people get mad at that too so when you do go into this Again, I don't think that we're going to be able to convince anybody. If they don't like this, they don't like it. But we're going to talk about it, and you might yep. be surprised that it's not all awful, but uh, I don't know. It's weird. I, I was yelling at Gabe because I think Gabe and some people might be just there. They already have a stick up their butts about yes. this, and they just want to hate it because, hey, listen, I have about the biggest stick up my butt sometimes, and I will admit that times I will end up even beside not wanting to do it, that I'll be like, oh, man, I got to read. You know how it is. Yeah, some, sometimes you have preconceptions about a book, either the writer or, you know, you've already slogged through two or three issues of it and you go in And it's it hard and not to down. have, though. Yeah, you know, anytime a Tom King book fucking lands, That's you're just what like, happens oh, with me, yeah. but some people love them. And again, if you're sitting there saying, oh, man, why bring Tom There's people who have told me specifically that they don't even care Whatever book it is, before they read it, 10 out of 10. So it goes both ways, too. It's yeah. not just the idea. The preconceived notions is tough to get through. And I will tell you that this book doesn't feel like it's for me. I end up reading it at ports. Uh, I was kind of a little bored because you're not doing that much. But by the end, I actually sat there. I'm like, it's not as bad as what I would 
think it would be like you know just thinking about it oh man this book oh and so when i read it, i'm like it's kind of just the side thing that doesn't really do much harm and you don't really have to pay attention to it if you don't and those are the things that i wonder why people get so upset about you know yeah. the idea if this is say you know when people did i'll bring tom king back or any sort of writer if they're in the regular continuity which this is but a little askew but I don't think that anything is going to happen where, oh, my God, you ruined Jimmy Olsen for life. Oh, yeah. my God, how are they ever going to come back from this with, with ice? Yeah, it's got They're a, it's got a cast of characters that are low tier enough that they don't have enough existing publishing material to really ruin them anyway. And they're not tied up in current events that it really matters what's going on. No, it doesn't. And you add some new characters. Again, uh, we'll go through the credits in a minute. I don't know why we're on our soapboxes here. But <laughs> I did say my way to explain this, again, with another book that I didn't like at all. But now that I look back at it, it didn't do me any harm. It, it was the Mark Russell One Star Squadron. That book I thought was complete and utter bullshit. But at this point, you even had Power Girl in that where I think that some people are like, please give me that Power Girl back. But that book was just trying to be fun in a way. I, I don't love Mark Russell, but I said that Mark Russell did One Star Squadron where he was giving you social commentary. This one feels like that same yeah. kind of a little askew, but with social media. Mark Russell has always led with his social commentary. He's worn it very directly on his sleeve. And some people love that. Some people find it a little bit grating. But that's just what you get from And then some lesson. people hate it to the core of their existence. And that is me. <laughs> but when we go, and this is my last bit before we hit this, I think that the timing, just imagine if this came out in the DCYOU, when you oh, had all God, those minis, yeah. this would fit 100%. And I don't think people would have had any sort of problem with whether or not if it's good or not. That's one well, thing. I mean, but People had an issue with the 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 quote unquote backgirling of the DCU, and also yeah. remember the story over continuity where you had the Jimmy yes. Olsen mini, the Bizarro Jimmy Olsen Batmite, thing, yeah. the Batmite mini. This, yeah. this would fit right in with it. This would yeah. fit a hundred percent in. It's just at this point again, timing is everything, and I do think, like you said, without it having a separation, this feels like it shouldn't really like Donna DC in my mind is let's get back to the basics. Let's tell big stories. Let's get big characters. This in its own thing is kind of like in a pocket dimension or should be, but you've got, you've got this book wearing the exact same branding as the Tom King penguin book where he beats a man to death with an umbrella. Like that, that, there's no delineation in DC's marketing between these two books. As far as they're concerned, if you like one, you're going to like the other. A Superman by Joshua Williamson that looks yeah. like it's doing huge things. And so, yeah, it is, it, it's a little off. It is. And uh, it's funny, too, because this is a book that we continued kind of laughing about in that Power Girl book as well. Superman's just sending people away <laughs> for timeouts. It's very odd. Yes. Now, Batman this week has decided, OK, I'm going to screw with Jason and give him like a, a weird mechanical timeout. But all these heroes are there. You're no good. You're going here. You're going there. It's crazy. But and the whole time the Justice League themselves are on a self-imposed timeout as well. <laughs> Is anybody doing any I mean, work in the DCU? They tell us that the Titans are the big deal, but who knows? Fire and Ice. Welcome to Smallville Part Two. It's a lot. Even the long <laughs> title lends itself to a side kind of deal. Uh, but it's uh, written by Joanne Starr. Blocked us. I just wanted to let you know that. I know that uh, you, you end up having. Uh, Eric 
that's the worst. I, I almost forgot Eric's name. Eric oh, is the worst. You know, Eric. <laughs> now, he ends yeah. up where he gets so upset if I bring up that people block us because he thinks that that's like bad advertising. I don't know. I don't even have Twitter, Jim. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Natasha Bustos on art blocked us. Tamara Baumvillon on colors blocked us. Ariana Mayer on letters. Guess what? Ariana Mayer <sighs> did not block us and, in fact, follows us. So there you go. Congrats. Wow, she's out of the problem, isn't she? They better yeah. not find out. Gonna, someone's going to listen to this and trouble. tell her, and she's going to be off the book in two issues' time. And I did mention there's some writers and, and Joanne Stars, one of them also, to say Axelrod. I really do hate, and this is not even a joke, I really do hate that you're on social media, you don't really know this or that, and when a book is announced that your first interaction with a writer or an artist is finding out they block you, that's not a great way to start things. And again, <laughs> if we didn't fake the funk, we could go in here with a vendetta, all these things going on, but we're going to try not to. I do like the cover. Really good cover. Good Terry Dodson cover. Classic Terry Dodson face on that cover, that is. And yeah. overall with Fire and Ice, I'm not a big Fire and Ice fan. I don't really, I, I haven't read much beyond the JLI issues that I've read with them. So when I come into this, I'm not even that worried about anything because it's just not my thing. And and again, that's kind of going to be my big mantra throughout. It's just a book that may not be for me, but you can have some fun with this. Yeah. I mean, what you have is Fire, who's just so obsessed with while being stuck now in Smallville by Superman, wants to end up upping her branding and game, wants to be popular and wants to get really what it comes down to is Fire, wants to be respected. Yeah, she, she started this whole series out with uh, a huge bugbear that nobody respects her. No, Nobody respects that she used to be on the Justice League. Nobody respects that she's a, a big shot hero, that she's stood alongside, you know, Superman and Batman at one point, and that she's now stuck in this podunk little town in the middle of nowhere with nothing to do. And Superman making sure nothing happens. They're yeah. there on a time now, which really is odd if you really think about it. But again, that's the joke. The joke is that the JLI was not respected. The JLI is looking back. I mean, the only people that the JLI put down is Justice League Detroit. I mean, you get vibe in this joint, yeah. then then you're going to have some issues, right? There's I mean, a that's hierarchy to the Justice Leagues, and you've just about nailed it there, that the Justice League Detroit is the only thing below JLI. And so what you have because of Fire and Ice and the juxtaposition of those characters, because get this, Fire, very fiery, and Ice, very hey. calm. Like, can, can you imagine that? But is also a fish out of water in another way, because you end up having... Fire want to get involved in social media. And this yeah. is almost that play of, oh, if you're going to sequester me to this small town, I'm going to use the tech to open the world to me and become famous and popular that way. Almost like she is kind of sticking it to Superman. Well, you're going to stick me in Smallville and I'm going to go out. Yeah, she pivots at some point in this issue because uh, her initial like idea here is the same as it was in the last issue that she wants to use social media as a platform to try and draw out some sort of villain some sort of adversary for her to fight and regain her status and then she uh, in the middle of this issue she meets the bartender and then pivots to well okay if i can't like if superman's not gonna let me punch anybody maybe i can regain some sort of like clout by rehabilitating heroes and uh, villains instead and she's just doing it because of the bartender, but also because when she ends up fighting Ambush Bug, 
So you have kind of yeah. jokes, and anytime Ambush Bug comes out, you're going to end up having jokes, but you got cheeks. You end up having the dolls yeah. talk, and they explain the deal. But in that, you end up having the hairdresser, Tam, who ends up explaining, like, listen, you just punching Ambush Bug, and there's jokes about who is this Ambush Bug? Oh, oh, he was on the Justice League, and I love that. My favorite part is that Ben follows through later on, where she's like, yeah, I'll tattoo it onto your chest, was in the Justice League the same as Ambush Yeah, Bug. it's Ambush Bug, and it's one of those things of saying, listen, this was legit, I was a Justice Leaguer, and then saying, oh, Ambush Bug, he was a Justice Leaguer, like, yeah, this Justice a League doesn't have A lot of people might have been in the Justice League, at some point it's not the badge of honor And then she tries is. to, like, yeah. play that off, but in that you do have Tam saying, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Fire is not a dummy. Like, she yeah. is, you know, she's, what she is, she wants to get the clout, whatever, but she isn't a dummy, so she is listening to what's going on to try to finagle her way to the social media because when Tam says, listen, you ended up having that fight, nobody cared. You ended up punching somebody who nobody knew. It's it's a low stakes battle in nowhere. There were no stakes. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was no tension, nothing. You punched him, that was it. And then says, Man, if you had that guy Gardner battle, that really and somebody had it. Somebody she's like, Oh, there's no film of it. Oh yeah, there are. It's you know, on the DC version of TikTok here. And there's like twelve million views, it's going up. And she's mad because, again, with that, she might have had her problem solved. I, it's not like she wants to make money off of the Instagrams and the things. She just wants to be known. But this video that's got 12 million downloads, it actually just says green, <laughs> green, green <laughs> chick. And she's like, it doesn't even have my name. It but doesn't it does even say, have my name on it. Yeah, it says green chick smashes flying douche. I'm like, poor guy, Gardner. This is the sort of thing that I get upset at. But. Again, this is more for jokes, so I can yeah. kind of like look uh, over it. I'd rather have this than Tom King making him a rapist. I, that's just me. It's social media in that world taking the piss out of uh, Guy Gardner as well. It's not like the heroes themselves disrespecting Because they don't him. even know who it's these are. Gar- yeah, it's not Guy Gardner doing something to disrespect. Like, it's people in universe saying, oh, I don't know that gay, dark guy, but like I'm going to repost this video with a funny title. Yeah. And so here's the thing, and, and this is where a lot of people are not going to like this and probably get mad at me about some of the things that we're saying. I don't know why, because I'm, you know, I'm not being hateful. I, I wish that people would just, you know, calm down sometimes. But the idea of this, I hate social media in comics, because usually <laughs> what you get is a full page with a bunch of text. And you get DMs and things like that. You get a couple of little comment boxes pop up with some half-funny jokes or references in them. Not unlike the actual internet. What usually happens, and we've had it in, like, the recent Cyborg book. We've had it in the Blue and Gold book. The writers seem to take too much time trying to figure out quirky little names that they can have all these, you know, watchers and listeners have. And never really, and it's always just like, Man, that guy just got killed. Man, you should. Instead, here, you're actually, you know, going and, and thinking it through a bit of what is, and not saying that social media is good, bad, or indifferent, but you're seeing that people can use it in different ways and even manipulate it because fire's starting to get some ideas. And with that, you have where the big play to me is Tam says, listen, you, you need more of something like, you know, real housewives. You, yeah. you need that drama. 
That's exactly the start we of need her passion thinking, and what backstory. should I do? Yeah. Because when we get to the end of it, she comes up with a wacky thing that almost feels to me like if you ended up making so weird heroes in crisis into a cartoon on saturday morning i'm yes. like it feels like that if the the confessional book at booth at the end really gave me heroes in crisis it vibes. had yeah. heroes in crisis vibes with the wink wink and i thought yeah. that was that was kind of good like again i think that some of this is actual funny but when i was reading it i'll still have to step aside and say i was bored at points because it is just people walking from one room to the next one place to the next and just talking you don't get a ton of oh but that's not what this book is so there's where it goes with the idea maybe it wasn't for me but you do end up having fire all this she's actually at one point she's just going to go drink at like 10 a.m which (laughs) you know she must be irish or at least british yeah yeah Yeah. you said that but in the meantime you do end up where the whole play of this you know this salon Neither Fire or Ice are really into it. It's just no. something they bought. This Tam ends up kind of running. They accidentally signed there. on to run this yeah. hair salon. They don't really know what they're doing. Neither of them really understand what they're doing in the town and what they're supposed to get out of it. But this issue, like at the tail end of the last issue, we got the beginning of a wedge forming between the sort of like classic Fire and Ice partnership. And it sort of carries on here where um, Rocky comes along to pick up Ice and drag around the town, do some classic white woman shit. Yeah. And it works because that's, Ice seems to be into that. Ice seems to want to kind of settle down. She wants the quiet life. She says she's getting bored of superheroing. She's bored of the drama. And it is kind of that funny play. Like, you end up fire and ice, fire and ice. They are a team. You always say one with the other almost all the time. But yet they are different. This exposes, or at least, you know, goes into that because everybody would know. But yeah, this seems like where Fire just wants to get the hell out of here and get respect. Fire Fire wants more drama and more eyes on her, and Ice is the opposite. Ice wants to chill out, pun not intended. Uh, And then, yeah, maybe raise a family she's talked about a couple of times in the book. Yeah, she talks about that. So she's going to leave and go out with Rocky. In the meantime, you do get that page where you're reminded of all those villains (laughs) that Fire had looked up and had, you know, on the wall, which some are like a little more known gentleman ghost maxi zeus which, again this pays off as well like later on in the issue which was quite nice when i was first reading this and we had this big splash page i was like well that's fine but i bet it doesn't really come to anything and then later on it does and that was nice and then we don't have to have doom patrol style language later on where everyone's going oh king of How cats about you Dworkin, Smarty can pants. you not control any of these cats that are running around and I will, I will tell you one of the things that you get here, and this is a smart move. I know that people eye roll it at points, but King of Cats, guess what? Guy likes cats. It's, it's self-explanatory. Once you think <laughs> smarty pants, he's got his brain on his ass. There you go. It's on the back <laughs> of that. It, it works. It works. Yeah. And we already know, you know, gentlemen ghosts, but even then. It kind of plays with what these others are. Gentleman Ghost, Maxi Zeus. You've right? got a couple in there who people might know. Gentleman Ghost, Maxi Zeus, even Beef Eater if you've got JLI fans kicking around. And, but these all feel like JLI villains, even the ones that are new. Yeah. And, and so, and, and then like Linka. Okay, Linka, Rod's sister. These are very easy to remember because they're pet. It, it does the classic. The power set involves the name. That's how you go. And boom, it's not. 
wacky. I mean, I'm telling you, the difference between a ton of characters in this versus a ton of characters in Dennis Culver's Unstoppable Doom Patrol is night or day. You end up where I was just confused in that. You didn't know what was. And this actually, though, most people will probably be like, well, it's a goofy story. It actually tells them. And where you get in this, and I think that some people on a gut reaction surface level deal, you might react to some things because at one point, or at this point, fire goes off to have a beer. She wants yes. a drink. And when she goes now, in, she's like, man, this bar is really short down low. I will say, though, if you're going to specifically in the dialogue point out the pun name of the bar, please don't cut off the pun name of the bar with the edge of the panel. <laughs> yeah. So she goes, she walks across the road to the nearest bar, uh, which is called Poor Decisions. And she says, uh, is this whole town full of dad jokes? No wonder. Tora loves it and wanders in and then makes a dag joke herself by saying, why is the bar so low? Well, if you don't expect much, you can't be disappointed. But it's it's low because he's in a wheelchair. Because he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. So he rocks up and he immediately starts setting on fire. And this guy has game. This guy is shooting his shot at probably the most attractive woman that's ever walked around in Smallville. Um, yeah, he's she's straight fire, I think. She's straight fire. Now, in this, too, just as an aside, when Rocky is going around with Ice, mentions that she does like to take books to kids in the hospital because her brother had had an It's her brother. That's why he's in the wheelchair. He had an accident yeah. before, so it all works out. And even like making, heads, fun, yeah. making fun of Rocky. But this guy legitimately has game. And again, this is where you might have people like, if you don't read it, you end up going, oh, I hear there's a guy in a wheelchair. We yeah. got this. What is it? The Burger King Kids Club. The thing is, though, this guy in the wheelchair is so different in my mind to sometimes when you do push it. This isn't the idea of, oh, here's this poor guy. He actually makes fun of yeah. people who think that that's how he gets laid. He yeah. says he gets laid because people want to be nice to him because he's in the wheelchair and laughs about that. Yeah. I actually thought, like, holy crap, like, this is actually different than I thought it would be. Yeah. He's got the whole thing, like, orientated around his disability, and he exploits his disability for gain on social media. Yeah, as well. I mean, just think of that, where you're going to think that this is because somebody's signaling. And, and here's the thing, too. I'll, I'll tell you. This guy, Charlie, it's not even like he, he's a good guy. Like, he's a likable guy. It's not yeah. the, like if you sat there and thought, oh, my God, they're doing this because of pieces of shit. No, no, no. This is just him. He's unfortunately he's crippled. He's in a wheelchair. And I, again, I might have offended people. I don't know the <laughs> verbiage, but you end up where he even says at one point where he's there and ice who is just talking yeah. to him, not treating him any different, whatnot. And she says, oh, man. You know, it's, hey, what can I get you? And she says, give me something that will make me feel young again. He goes, so my number? <laughs> and she's like, oh, man, it's going to take something stronger than that. And he's like, don't worry. And I then got he you. gives her his number anyway. Yeah, like, gives the number. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And I really like this guy. Yeah. He's really funny. And it actually goes in this where we did mention last issue, like, where are all the guys? It, it felt like Smallville was, and I people even pointed out, like, oh, this is what the focus is and whatever. No, here's this guy. Now, in my mind, Pa Kent, he has somebody up. Because remember, I said that Pa Kent, if he ended up wanting to like play around, he, he had to pick up the litter <laughs> here. But now you have <laughs> not Charlie around. Yeah. yeah. Pa and Kent's never getting any action. He ends up even trying to get 
fire up to his room yeah. saying that I need you because the, the good alcohol. The, the good whiskey, liquor's on the top shelf. That's on the top shelf. <laughs> I can't reach it. And she's like, I think you can reach it. And they even, it's almost like the idea, hey, can I get something harder? And he's like, well, come up to my room well, and we'll yeah. talk. I mean, there are some kind of spicy little jokes, but they are still like dad jokes, but I liked it. Now, in the meantime, you do have Rocky. And and ice. Yeah, they're doing like the wholesome Superman yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. Like everybody's really nice, and we're gonna go read to some sick kids after visiting the thing. And it's just, it's all a little bit like twee, and just a little bit uninteresting. It plays into the like the dynamic they're trying to really emphasize between fire and ice. Is like fire wants to sit there and get drunk all day, and ice wants to go read to sick kids in the hospital. But again, I. I- to point it out, you do have Ice and Rock. They're going and reading to sick kids, which is like, oh, my. But in this book, it does kind of work in this weird way. Because, again, you have Fire who's just getting drunk. But that's more interesting. And I don't sit here and think in my mind. I never once thought, oh, they're making Fire look like a piece of shit. Because no. it's just Fire. And it, it's kind of a neat play there. You even have, I like the idea that... I like the fact that there's like six shot glasses in front of her as well when we cut back. <laughs> she has not been holding back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's so hammered at that point. And that's even when, like, I like the art style of when she's yeah. like leaning in. Like the, art, the artist has given her a slightly like lazy eye because oh, yeah. she's drunk as well. It's really nicely done. Yeah, she says, you work at a bar in Smallville. How is that inspirational? Because he's talking about, hey, people like... And says, people on line like inspiration porn they like to see people rise above their circumstances they eat it up and it is yeah. kind of making fun of it but explaining it and i like where she's just like you work at a bar in smuggle you can see she's hammered she is so how drunk. is that inspirational and then he just looks and he goes hey actually i i own the bar in the bedroom you want to go? <laughs> when she leans up? in i love with that class like listen here fella it's so funny. Uh, and it's just, again, the art plays up with that. And you get that if you do. And I read it, and people, if you're reading it physically, you'll have you'll have the pages open, right? You'll have it open. I always go even digitally. I have the two pages, so I have the full spread there. And you do get a funny little play here where it is the left side is Ice and Rocky doing the nice things. Yep. The right side is Charlie at the bar with drunk-ass fire. And it actually plays out in a smart way that way as well, like that you might not even pick up at the point, but it really does go. Again, the, the ice stuff is boring. I, I have to admit, it really yeah, was almost like that eye rolling. It's not interesting at all. I'm so glad it's minimized compared to the antics that Spire's getting up to. So this is where Drunk Fire starts to realize, because he's like, oh yeah. man, you know, if you don't want my number, follow me on social media. Yeah, at least take my social media. So you And know. she flips out. He has millions of followers. She's <laughs> just like, why are you shirtless in all these posts? That's a joke. And, yeah. and he says, it, she says, how do you have a million followers? Oh, I mean, you're shirtless in all your videos. But and that makes me laugh. And that makes me angry, too, because I wish that I could be if I was on YouTube and I went shirtless, I, I'd be done. I'd be broke in a week. Nothing, yeah. I would. I'd be broken inside, too, of everybody making fun of me, even though. There will be mention of a song coming up this week on the podcast that ends up having it might have been the one right before this. Now that I realize <laughs> about me being shirtless, but you end up where guy says, "Hey, chicks did good chair. I'm yeah. just a little broken bird that needs." He to leans love into that. this idea He's of, uh, yeah, like I'm playing the crowd. Like people want to put me in a box and they want to like 
from a distance, parasocially, want to fix me. They want to carry along. They want to use me for inspiration in their own life. And this bar isn't paying my medical bills. I'm in a wheelchair. So every avenue I can get some money, I'm doing. So the whole deal of it, again, I have to stress that this is just, it, it's a joke, which a lot of people, I, I say that, and I mean a lot more than just, oh, it's a joke. Because a lot of times in, in certain, they don't joke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a, yeah. a joke has to have this secondary meaning that ends up being a commentary that ends up being this. This is kind of just a joke. He, he ends up, he's saying, I use what I got. And they feel natural. Go. They feel like the kind of jokes two drunk people would say to each other in a natural flow of conversation. It's not desperately fishing for a, a setup or a punchline. I have a feeling that we're going to have a lot of people hating us for this. <laughs> so, uh, but hey, they bring could, it on. I don't so, give a shit. What are they going to do? Yell at me on Twitter? No, they'll yell at me. And then I'll have to tell you and you'll say, <laughs> and you'll have screw to them. Screenshot all of the hate and yeah, send it to me over Slack. Yeah. But maybe, maybe all, all we ask is, you know, maybe just read it and give it an open mind and give it a shot because there are some fun to it. Again, by the end, I don't think that this book in the six issue miniseries will do anything. I don't think it'll be anything yeah. that will elevate the characters, the property, whatnot. But I also don't think it will ruin it. And I think that you could just have some fun. And at, and this at, the, moment, and at the end of the six issues, you're going to look back and go, I laughed a few times during that. I had a bit of fun. When I look back at it, like it's, some of yeah. those DCYOU, I'll say, oh, man, I remember me and Simon talk about that. We, we kind of chuckle. That's it. That, that's all fun. I need. Like, it, it didn't change my life. It's not going to be one of those stories I always point out to everybody else and say you should really read that. But it's go It's going to be a book I look back on and go, yeah. That was kind of funny when fire got smashed in the bar and hit on the disabled. It could dude, really it? go down. We have no idea. It could get oh, yeah. worse, get no better. But in this but issue, yeah. so. I'll always have Charlie trying to bang fire. Yeah. In the bar. Well, what you have in this then, and you had it in the first issue again, is that, you know, fire is not content with just sitting around, like Superman said. So she ends up, she listens to what Tam said. She yep. listens definitely to what Charlie said and decides to come up with the combination of what. Charlie says inspiration porn because he says that's the new porn. I don't know about that. I No, I think porn is the new porn. Yeah, yeah, I think I still go with the old. But with that, he says it. He's laughing. He says, you got to do that inspiration. They eat it up. Everybody wants to see somebody being brave. Yeah. But also where Tam said, you also need the drama. You also yes. need the tension. So she does come up with. She comes much up with the best plan ever. The, the best amalgam idea. of everything. It's, yeah. it's the real world. It's Big Brother. It's Housewives. Yeah. A reality TV show where she gets a bunch of Z-list villains and make them cut people's hair. <laughs> yep, they're going to end up where this is their second chance. Again, this feels like the missed opportunity that you even had in Catwoman, where, you know, the second chance club and stuff like yep. this. But what why this works is because they're just all goofy. They're all these goofy new characters. You do have at a point where you do have these confessionals that are being done on in the, the toilet. toilet. Yeah. And I know that some people I saw said, you know, the idea that Linka, who is the sister of Grodd, saying, oh, man, you know, it sucks. I'm pretty much the only girl gorilla that I know. Nobody can. <laughs> who can name another female gorilla? I will. Uh, I will tell point. everybody, please try to do it. Because I did try to do it. And then I even went to look to find one. <laughs> famous female gorillas. What you're going gorillas. to end up in the DCU with famous female gorillas. Yeah, you'll find Gorilla Grodd's mother. You'll see. 
And that's just the joke here. It's Gorilla Grodd's sister. And it's like, oh my. And I even like the big brothers watching while Link goes on the toilet. Yeah, they've got like little sublines for each of the, each of the people that come in to do their confessionals. And yeah. again, this joke of, you know, all the male gorillas can just get. Here's the joke here. And again, this is, I think, one of the ones that, you know, throws Sus Gabe in that I think Gabe had a problem with. But the funny play of this is you tell me the times that, you know, Mala or Gorilla, they're always messing up. They're always getting <laughs> defeated. The joke here is that they're still famous, even though they're just punching bags to the Flash and to uh, the Doom yeah. Patrol and things like that. And yet you have Linka here is like, I'm just as ridiculous as them. Why can't... I like the fact she also says everyone in Gorilla City can do what they do. So, like, they're not even, like, particularly unique within Gorilla City. They're just the only people that have the idea to go out and start a fight with the Flash. And I think that's kind of funny, especially in some of the books that we've even had recently with Mala, Gorilla Grudd, where you have to look at the joke in a different way, not being a social kind of commentary of, even in the Shazam book, he's been to Gorilla City recently. Yeah, and again, it's always Did he meet joke. any female gorillas there? No, he met Ted. He met Ted. Ted. And you know what? Ted was a lying <laughs> and piece Ted of crap was an that asshole. messed up. Yeah. And he messed up. So that's the funny play of this. Again, look at it in a kind of a different light, and it kind of gets funny. And even when you have Ambush Bug, who thinks that he's in... Ambush Bug has confused it with The Bachelor. He yeah. thinks he's in The Bachelor. Oh, my God, I hope I get a rose. Like that, That's actually funny. Yeah. It's it's not it's not exactly my cup of tea. It's, it's not the, it's not the cleverest joke no, in the world. No, it's not. Yeah. It just makes you smile. It, it, rarely do I laugh out loud. I'm telling you, this week we do have the book, and I believe we might be talking about it next. Is the Peacemaker tries hard? Now that book makes me laugh out loud because it's so over the top. But I get that same kind of feeling. This at points, it's just kind of toned down a bit. But then you get Smarty Pants. Rainy got back again, and you see. Because when he gets up, his his ass cheeks are his brain. I'm like, yeah, he's got a right. second brain in his ass. And Gentleman Ghost pops in and says, you should see him twerk. And it's a dumb joke. But it's a it dumb joke. Smile. But it's, it's a dumb joke because, again, I don't want to go too much. It's layered. Gentleman Ghost is an old dude. He's going <laughs> to yeah. tell really lame jokes. So he comes <laughs> in, he's like, hey, Gads, you should see him twerk. You should see him do the twerk. That's what the kids are calling it these days, isn't it? The twerk. That's yeah. what I would say. You got to do funny. the twerk. And he gets out. Hey, get out of here. And then they realize, oh, no, the confessionals, they're actually the toilets. <laughs> but again, it's like Big Brother. It's like real world. And then you end up having... The realization, I think, at one point is that, yeah, some of these people aren't really good and they might kill people yeah, and they might not gonna kill each other. They're going to keep a hold of their temper. They're gonna, like, like, there's going to be personality clashes, which in a reality TV show you want. But in this reality TV show, they've got superpowers <laughs> and a stabby instinct. And you have Miss Congeniality, who's just awful over the top. I don't know. She did bring out cake earlier. So she's not that bad. Well, she has the guns and she's trying to stab people. And so when you have all this, I think it's funny because, like you said, one of the things that I remember, I haven't watched a lot of the real world, but damn, I remember that puck guy who ended up being the biggest piece of shit who was eating his scabs and doing all this nonsense Ugh. got kicked off. I remember that guy because that's what you get. And when she ends up going around and she's like, listen, guns don't kill people. <laughs> I kill people. Yeah, she's yeah. just going around and it's causing troubles. and. I think that the play here is, is it, it's going to get out of hand. But yeah. the more it gets uh, out of hand, the more in popular the background, it is. They're taking the piss out of Beef Eater. Yeah, 
poor Beefy is just there. <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'm Beefy. Like, really? And he's like, well, listen, this is actually a little more, you know, big in, in like Britain. <laughs> in Britain, I'm, I'm pretty cool. Like, <laughs> this people is a understand. celebrated cultural tradition. Nah, it ain't. You still look stupid. Now you you look ridiculous. You, you and stand outside in the cold and you make a halfway decent bottle of gin. That's it. So, yeah, that's basically it. And so when you end up all these people, everybody now, there's only one bathroom. You're having problems. Even Tam, she has to go to the bathroom. They're all having all this craziness. And then the big play with all this going on being recorded, you end up having a knock on the door and in comes Jimmy Olsen, which right away you see that ice ends up being they like each other but yeah. the big play in my mind is that jimmy olsen i don't know if you know this but he's kind of superman's pal and this is the sort of thing that they don't need I, to i get am a out. little concerned like with the the strap line for the next uh with the next issue i am a little concerned that this fun idea of the uh, super villain rehabilitation hairdresser show is just gonna get ended that Jimmy Jimmy's gonna ride in, write some expose about fire and how she's a piece of shit for doing this for her own reasons, and it's all gonna end in an issue. To let everybody know, because some people might be saying, "Well, this is ridiculous." Jim and Simon, who I now hate, that why wouldn't Superman know about this already? It's all over social media. But you actually had it set up last yeah. issue. You <clears throat> ended up having fire asking Tam. What are the new things to go on social yeah. media Which that social Superman media isn't know? old man Superman going to know about? Because she made the mistake. Yeah, she made the mistake of putting her initial stuff up on the social media that Superman saw. Yeah. Which basically at that point was Fight Club. People don't want to see that anymore. Even in this, there's the craziest thing that I referenced this last week and thought that I was like ridiculous, but. There's a mention of bum fights in this, and I'm like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> I actually was joking around, like, hey, I, I ended up not being able to make money on YouTube because I got rid of them bum fights, which actually I would have been involved with. So, but I end up like, oh, they did that too. So at the end, when you have Jimmy and you think about the things, the big play is, oh my God, Jimmy either will start thinking, oh man, what a scoop. And he'll start, or he'll just. Is he, yeah, is he just going to narc on them to Superman? Yeah. yeah I, and even if he doesn't narc, Jimmy can't. He's just a, a guy who will just say, hey, get this, Superman. Golly gee, they're having Golly this thing. Gee. But I really do think Fire's and maybe hope. Eight different villains living in her hairdresser. And Superman's going to be like, you fucking what? <laughs> She's got how many villains in Smallville? Because this really plays out a lot like a, it's a sitcom. You yes. end up, the only thing you, re and Jimmy's showing up, he's now the noise, you know, the nosy neighbor. That might accidentally see small wonder is a not a little girl is actually a robot. And I think that's funny. But what I also want to have is that trope of, oh, no, parents are coming home. Clean up like they just had <laughs> yeah. a party. And I need them all because they might be able to convince Superman that they have to keep all of their stabby instincts behind Jimmy Olsen's back. Yeah. yeah, do that. And so they can convince Superman that this, in fact, is something altruistic to get that second chances where it's funny because. I, I also wanted to, here's my, my dream. I wanted to somehow where Ice tries to do stuff, but keeps messing up in the way that she looks like the piece of shit, even <laughs> though we know she isn't. And then everybody thinks Fire's just a nice person. And like, oh man, why can't you be more like Fire? And Fire's just like, Fire's oh, really trying to rehabilitate these heroes, these villains. And you keep trying to stop her from doing that. Why do you hate giving people second chances, Ice? Ice is like, oh. But I was reading to the, the sick kids. Oh, listen, look at you there. 
you know, shining night. Like, <laughs> oh, we like, yeah. are you high As if on not yourself? Enough or something? People already care about sick kids. Nobody's doing anything for these <laughs> Z tier villains. It'd be hilarious. I, again, I actually, and I'll surprise everyone. I like this even more of them when I read it. And I ended up where I did say at the beginning, and I did say in the Slack, the idea of, hey, if you don't like Sm- uh, Fire and Ice and you, you do like Smallville, to me, they're very similar. I never did say in that but whether I liked either or or did. I made but sure that I There was an assumption that you either liked both or hated both. One and I, I wanted yeah. to keep that. That was my whole play of making people think like, and the way I phrased it, I was actually hoping that people were like, oh, my God. Jim really hates Fire and Ice in this week's Shazam. It's actually the opposite. I actually had fun with both books, but as a pure just fun, I, I think this book is a little more yeah. fun. But you just have to get over the fact that it's not really it's, it's not, not an important a standard book. superhero book. And it's not gonna do anything important. And there's not gonna be some like big punchy like set piece every issue. It's a goofy book. It's, it's, it's a goofy there for book. Fun. It's fun. And I think some of the jokes hit. Some don't hit, but they're not supposed to. Again, we discussed it last time, but like the writer here, this is basically her first book. She's done a couple of really tiny little indie self-publishings before that point. Mm -hmm. And you can see it's rough. Like The pacing is off. Things don't quite land sometimes. I I agree. Um, But for like a debut, I think she's doing a really good job. And and it's funny, too, because the, the first issue... I did have some it, same issues that you're saying that kind of get used to the pacing, get used to how the panel is, that sort of thing. And yeah. even then, I thought that I think that this issue, after just one issue, I think it's a little better. This is definitely better. This is a clear improvement. I think it's really actually, I think that Natasha Bustos and Joanna Starr, the first issue, they were both maybe try to do their own thing. Like, yeah. hey, this is the first issue. Let me show how cool I can do fire and ice. I mean, the, this actually seems like they're both coming together to tell the story because there are some really funny jokes that are visual. You see things in the backgrounds. You end up yeah. having these little things that I think really play out Link well. Her, Link her telepathically lifting the cats in her confessional. <laughs> when she gets angry, she just yeah, like she gets the angry. cats up. Yeah. And again, isn't that a cool way to show a power set yeah. without actually just shoving it down your throat? That actually ends up, and I, I think that a lot of these things are pretty good at you just have to you have to get over and again i hate to keep saying the idea hey you gotta not be here because some people they're not gonna like this but me personally i read a lot of manga we just did the manga i mentioned that at the beginning we just did a manga about superman eating japanese food that i think is one of the best books that i've read in the past five years i love it and i'm not just joking i'm not just making up for this podcast but also i ended up where when Things were kind of the shutdown, but also when I got depressed with the big two, a lot of people ended up, oh, you should read indie stuff. But when I went to indie stuff, it was a lot of the same writers just doing indie stuff, but it was also still not that fun. We've been in this mode of comics where a lot of things are... It's got to be gritty, or it's got to be a little bit dark. It's got to make a big statement about something. It has to prove how clever you are. it's why I... It's why I like keep going back to like the Scooby Doo team up books. Yeah, like, you love that book. I love that book. We I should be reviewing that book, that book too. Nine point five out of ten. Did it end uh, or is it still yeah, gone? I think they tend to relaunch it quite frequently. But yeah, you but, love yeah. that. You talk about that. it all the it's time, and you're not fun. doing it as a joke. No, you like I it, and it's fun. Love it. And yeah. I think that there's, and I went to manga, 
because I needed something that would just make me smile, that would make me get a laugh, and then I get the stuff. It's like a palate cleanser. But I found out that, oh, my God, these palate cleansers, they're actually the meal. Oh, my goodness, (laughs) because I started really liking them. I've gorged on starters, and now I don't have any room for my DC Because right now, you end up having double A Ron. He has just decided to really jump into manga. And I actually, it's like one of those things where it's, it, it could be like a meme where I'm like, oh, here we go again. Because when somebody <laughs> does that, all of a sudden they realize, oh, yeah. my God, where have You've you got been a all new my convert. life? Oh, my yeah. God. And you, you end up having, because there's so much and so many different things. But I have, I, I have read tons of manga that end up just being some kids in class and this guy likes that yeah. girl and they're shy and can't talk you you have so many different ones but i've certainly read a bunch of manga that are more slice of life than this this at least has you know the heroes and, villains still has and things like that some super villainy stuff going on yeah but the problem is is when you end up presenting it unlike superman versus meshi which is kind of they're on the side you don't have to deal with it but if you do it's kind of goofy fun this, unfortunately, being in the dawn of DC with all these other books coming out of bullshit night tears, all these things kind of roll like, up in the one in my mind where people are already angry. As much as I love Terry Dodson, I really don't know if his covers are doing the books any favors. Yeah, either. I do. Li- I like the covers, but they end up. I, I know what you're like, saying. T- but Terry once Dodson's you like done it, a lot of like classic female superhero covers as well. He did like the covers for like the old original Harley Quinn series back in the early two thousands. He's done a lot of I think he's done a lot of like Supergirl covers as well. Like he's got a style that is associated oh, I'll tell with you, I think that the art on the cover isn't the problem. I think that when you get this you're not actually getting what the book is. You're not actually yeah. seeing a cover that looks fun. You end yeah. up having bringing the heat, like it or not, and you're like, okay, if you were to guess you'd say, okay, well Fire ends yeah. up being a real bitch who's, you know, really pissed off and Ice is afraid of her. And it's not like that. At no point in this book do Fire and Ice actually use their powers. No. <laughs> fire fire flares up at one point to show that she's annoyed with Tam. Did you mean her herpes or I um Hey. Uh, but <laughs> even when she, even when she's fighting ambush bugs, she just punches him in the face. She doesn't use any of her powers. Yeah, she just goes. So Maybe the cover, and again, it might throw some people off, but the cover being like a fun, put all those other villains in the background and yeah. ambush bug there, because people are, I'm telling you right now, and a lot of people, again, there's probably going to be some, you know, people throwing shade and things like that. But if you have listened to the podcast, especially if you're in the Get Fresh crew, uh, uh, Reggie would love this book. This Reggie book would have been a book, book that yeah. Reggie would be he giving a 10 out of 10. I know he would constantly to this and book. And he would have loved me getting upset about things, yeah. and that would have made it even better for him, but he would have loved this book. And I think by the end, in his deep voice, he would have told me, you just have to have fun with this. Yeah. He, this is for nothing else but to have a, Read a goofy bit of fun. Read the book in front of you, take it at face value, and enjoy the ride. Listen. You have a lot of books you mentioned, and I'm not just going to mention Tom King stuff, but you have Tom King doing Penguin, you have Wonder Woman, Danger. Like, if you really want gritty stuff, there's a lot out there. If you yeah. want to have stuff like a Flash that's if a mind want, bender, it's yeah, out there. If, if you want a classic superhero book, you've got the Birds of Prey coming out this week. You've got the Superman books are doing really well at the moment. You've got Green Arrow doing whatever the hell Joshua Williamson is doing over in Green Arrow. <laughs> Do you, I think you might agree with this as we, you know, we went way too long for this, so, but I, I'm enjoying it. But the idea where people have been upset, oh, there's no variety. There's no variety of the books. Everything we get is Batman. All we do is this. And then other people like me saying, 
the reason why I love manga is the variety. You can end up going and having a slice of life book, a superhero book, but also, you know, a book about a girl who's blushing because a guy likes it. Like, you have yeah. all these different things, and that actually is pretty cool. I'm, I don't read them yeah, all, ma- but I manga, like having Manga them. is filled with different genres that are all lumped under one banner because it's just comics from Japan. It's like saying every movie is the same thing because it's all movies from Hollywood. Like, there's a thousand different genres and styles. Yeah. Because you have a variety, that doesn't mean you're being held hostage, that you have to get involved with any. A lot of people just like the Shonen stuff. That's why Shonen Jump is huge. They like the superhero stuff. But if you have the opportunity, you can read some other things. And I think that this is one of those kind of side other things that you could call it almost all ages. But to me, it, anything could be it's, all ages, it's not right? All ages. It's definitely YA. It's definitely young adult. It's definitely aimed at a teenage audience. But it's it's not like the dumbed down thing that people think. Oh, it's young adult. That means that you have this. That it's just it's just goofy fun. And so, yeah. what would you give it? Uh, I'd give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, I, I think I'll go eight out of ten. I could even go like eight three. Shock the world. Uh, there's no vendetta here. I've told you, everybody almost, everybody but Ariana Mayer hates my guts, it seems, but I still, a uh, book that made me giggle a little and I had yeah. a real good time talking about it. I, I'll give it props. So 8.3 out of 10. Uh, yeah, hopefully we told everybody the reasons. I mean, we took 50 <laughs> some minutes. We took 50 odd minutes to tell everybody just fucking read the book. I said that a lot of times, and I've talked to, say, Joshua McDonald, a real good friend of mine who did reviews on Batman News, and we're on the Comics Aficionado show, and we've said a lot of times, because he has done a lot of written reviews as well, and it's tough when you hate a book so much because you really have to explain why you hate it. You've got to justify it. Yeah, yeah, because people want... You can get away with saying, man, this really makes me laugh 10 out of 10, nobody's going to question you, but when you say, oh, I don't like this to a... Yeah, but I felt like going into this, we almost had to defend the book because I see a lot of people not reading it, but really getting upset about what they heard and maybe just give it a shot. Just give it a shot and, yeah. and let us know. And you may hate it. That's fine. You may look into it. and You may still not like it. It might not be for you, but just approach it with an open mind. Wait another month or two. Wait for it to hit DC Infinite. And yeah, give it a shot when you've got a spare half hour. And so we're going to move on, and I'm going to move on with, I believe, Zach. And the funny play is we're going to go from this that I think is just kind of goofy, fun, whatever. You go to my favorite book that's really goofy, fun, but it's so over-the-top cursing and violence. But Edgy. I, I, yeah. I like all that. I like when things make fun of that, but we'll be going off to that right now. All right, and this is one of my favorite books, Peacemaker Tries Hard, and that means that I am here, of course, with Zach. What up, Zach? What's up, Jim? Hey, uh, this book. The laughter might be up. I don't know. <laughs> this this is a good book. This is one of our favorites yeah. in a week that actually has a bunch of kind of funny books. This one has been consistently the most fun that I have read and that me and you have talked about. It is a shame that I didn't really realize until too late. I mean, it's one of those like, oh, my God, this is so good. Now it's over. That's a shame, but it's still still really good. The laughs are a little less in this issue, though. There are laughs. It's more of the feels this time, uh, which I don't mind either. How about you? Yeah, so this issue is a little bit more serious, which, I mean, I didn't mind it because obviously it's the finale. You want it to be a little bit more serious and on it. I don't want to say a sad note, but like show you what all has been going on, what the stakes have been. And uh, yeah, there were some pretty big stakes, Jim. I mean, we, we lost another one. 
Yeah, and and the funny play though is is that you realize, and that's when you realize that you like a book when, say, earlier a bee died. I'm like, oh my god, you get sad, and then here you even have Richard, you know, Red Bee, and he is going to spoiler alert, he's going to sacrifice himself. I thought he actually could have lived when they showed what really happened. I was hoping that he would live. He seemed to not live, but at least Peacemaker and Bruce Wayne get to go forward. And I hope that we get another series in this. But this is Peacemaker Tries Hard number six, written by Kyle Starks, art by Steve Pugh, colors by Jordi Belair, and letters by Becca Carey. And so when you go into this, we'd already had where the brain and Mala, they had been kind of dicking around Peacemaker. They ended up point stealing his dog bruce wayne that caused some hijinks there but at this point you end up having the brain putting his brain into camo the giant you know monster in the meantime the funny thing at the beginning is they're reacting to this and peacemaker will never get over the fact that mala didn't really want to be his friend i mean he's so mad still that mala pretended to be a friend and then pretty much stabbed them in the back Starts yelling that like that's really in my mind that's the only thing he's really mad about. But he ends up and there was a funny play because as they end up fighting, this whole lair is coming down. You do end up at a point where Mala gets hit and actually groans in French, which made me laugh for some reason. I don't know why it made me laugh, but it made me laugh because you have that. But I, the art's great, right? Yeah, the art is stupendous. Steve Pugh knocks out art. Nobody else could have drawn this book, in my opinion. Yeah, it looks great. And so you do have Mala running away. You end up having them attacking the brain and the big chemo body. While their big layer of death machines are coming down on them. So you end up having Bruce Wayne Dog, Peacemaker, and Richard Riley, the Red Bee. They're trying to get out. They're trying to make a way out and whatnot. But... When they do end up, Kemo's going to get away, so they have to do something to bring him down, and that's where you do get the feels. But even then, in a, in a side deal, you get all those clones of, of the brain. They're all trying to get away. The one has Teen Stroke. I, I laughed so much when I saw just Teen Deathstroke in one of them, and it's just like, you could help Ro, you know? And he's like, whatever, man. Because you're not my dad. But it's, it's funny. And so when you have all that, too, you have to go with the idea. They do name Teen Death. He's Dance Stroke that they fully name him by the end, which made me laugh as well. So he's there. They're bringing it down. Kimmel goes out, and that's where they realize they have to use the war wheel. And it's a goofy thing. It's you know over the top, but it's been set up. And you know what that means to Red B. You know how bad that is. When he first saw it, he went to the flashback city. He He was all upset. But he says, that's what we have to use. We're going to use the war wheel. We're going to go after it. And Peacemaker is like, are you sure? Like, is this? A-? I like when they, they get into the war wheel and it's it's Peacemaker in there with Red B, Richard. And then Richard starts talking about how this was a suicide mission. And Peacemaker's, whoa, whoa. I, he's all upset. He's like, I didn't know this was a su-. He says, I wouldn't have brought you, Bruce Wayne, if I knew it was a suicide mission. So it's it's pretty cool. The way that it's going, but again, it, it even goes with that play of you don't have to do this, Richard. You don't have to do it. Why are you doing this? And you do have the first of a couple really good moments with Richard who says, listen, my boys, my squadron, they went down. They died. They never came back from the war, and they never got to live days, bad, good, indifferent. So I, what does it mean to not try to live my life to its fullest? I have my bed and good days for their honor, but also the idea does end up 
kind of the full circle. He can honor them by taking down Kemo in the war world that killed. It's so crazy roundabout way, but it works. And he ends up where he goes. And I like he's like, you know, there's an evil, vile tide tidal wave crashing relentlessly against this world. It's churning water, smash the good and drown the kind. Every moment of this existence is unjust turmoil and chaos. And then Peace Walker, Peacemaker, geez, you're a poet. He's like, I didn't know it. Like, he's so over the top with stuff. It's good. But yeah, you end up where it's a suicide mission. You go from there because he ends up saying really good things to Peacemaker, things that he wanted to hear for so long. Every moment of this book, he wants friends. He wants family and he kind of finds it here. Yeah, I just, I need stepdaddy Red B. Yeah, yeah. That's what he's so good, right? Yeah, it's so good. It's just like, yes, he is the father figure Peacemaker always wanted and needed. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, and, you know, and then he dies and it's like, well, nothing's fair. I know. And, and so at that point, you think they're both going to their suicidal death. They're going to use, and he says, listen, Peacemaker, in case we don't get out of this, you're a good kid. He says, and this is like, and look at Peacemaker's face is like, really? Like, oh my. I'm special? Kid, yeah. He's like, you're a good kid. You're a great hero. And I can see you're trying as hard as you can. And this is like, oh my God. Like, seriously, crazy eyed Bruce Wayne dog is say, like, he's always in the panel with them googly eyes drooling all over the place. Later on, he's eating dog crap. You end up so, he says, and all that's said and done, sorry I have to do this, but you can't die boom and he kicks him out of the war wheel he actually kicks him and bruce wayne out so that they don't die and then you just see the wheel going into the back of camo which is you know a huge and it's really good i like the little mala being carried there yeah he's mala's dead after what happens and that's the thing that's what the fun of this being a black label book because legitimately camo slash brain slash they're all dead everybody's dead there but it's black. The label, EPA so is getting involved because now there's radioactive sludge in the water. And it's just like, like this, this is the Simpsons movie. It's like, oh, no. Damn right it is. We're getting a dome over this island. Yeah. So you end up where I love it, too, where you have the colors and everything explodes in this orange. You have all this stuff going around. It's really crazy good. So then, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on dead carcasses, but we know he's dead. He's like, Richard. And then he's, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, my God. And then he's. In a cool cinematic way, he's being picked up to, to evac out of there. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Richard's not coming back, but he ended up being able to, you know, give a little shout out to his guys when he went down. But here's where I thought we could have gotten a really good play because Peacemaker's upset. He goes back to Richard's bees. He goes back to the red bees, bees that we saw. And he ended up where they were supposed to have a beer afterwards, him and, and Richard. So he goes and starts talking to the bees. He said he looked it up and he's like, hey, bees, you know, I miss your dad, too. We were going to have a beer, but I also heard that bees like beer. So I'm going to put this here. And he's talking to the bees about I really thought we were going to get just continuously more swarms of bees to the point where Peacemaker had to get the hell out of there because they were going to stink the crap out of him. I was waiting for the comedic moment where the bees just start swarming him. But it's like, no, no, we're playing this seriously. It's funny, too, because you end up he's crying. He's drinking his beer. But more and more bees do arrive in a at one point, I thought we weren't even going to be able to see him, but he ends up leaving and he leaves the mask because as it ended up where Richard kicked Peacemaker out, the mask flew out. So he leaves it. And you do see in a, a crazy touching moment. Again, you realize that this book wasn't all jokes, that there was some good character work because you feel for this. The bees actually are more concerned with the mask than the beer. The beer's just sitting there. They're all going to the mask because they want to know what happened. 
to what would be their dad. He, I like to where you end up peacemakers kind of jealous of the bees. He's like, you guys had a really awesome stepdad. I wish I did, but it was, it was good. It was fun. And then you go, boom, because this is a quick moving deal. I mean, actually, the story overall is done, but we still have the fun and what happens and whatnot that you end up having Peacemaker. He's making burgers. He's having a good time. He actually, I love that he has to clip. He's clicking the tongues at Bruce Wayne because he's eating dog shit. And then you end up having his other buddies show up, you know, and it's funny, including Delmont, who's in a full body cast yelling that you shouldn't do smash burgers here. And Delmont is one of those. You know, he's a three-time world champion burger maker, and, and Peacemaker doesn't care. He's just going. How's he going to flip the burgers, though? Yeah, yeah. And, and the funny play, yeah, really. And and the other thing is it's funny because you see the weird the weird bubble, the, the word bubble for Delmont actually has bandages on as well. He's so hurt. But if you do look, what he is saying is there from what the other guy says. He says that they would, because now people actually are being nice to him. I mean, these yeah. guys show up, they don't want to miss his birthday. It is his birthday. And that's one of the things, last thing Richard says, and by the way, in case everybody else forgets, happy birthday. And so they're at the birthday party. He's making burgers. People with the suicide squad's there, but they don't want to be. You end up where you have dance stroke, teen death stroke. He's there. Yeah, he's just in, holed up in the room watching. What, what the hell is he watching, Jim? Because I'm not that old. He's watching porn is what he's oh, watching. Okay, okay. Straight up porn. So I think it you is have, okay. This is old time porn. I of thought like, maybe hey, it was like a dirty dancing knockoff or something. Oh, no, <laughs> this is like, hey, I hear you have plumbing that needs to be fixed. Then that's straight up porn. That's why it's funny. That's that not an watching. 80s movie, Jim. No, no. Well, it, it does seem like it might be 70s, but 70s porn. So there. see, I'm, I'm teaching you. I'm, I'm used to the pizza boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Now, wait, that's the thing. I, who ordered the extra Italian sausage? That's all it is. But it, that, I'm surprised you haven't heard of the, you know, the joke of the plumbing. But you actually have the guy from the sewage treatment plant, which makes me laugh too. He's like, man, the <laughs> peacemaker, pretty cool guy. Yeah, he didn't shoot me. No, and you know what's the best of this, except for you know Craig with his tree. The peacemaker, besides being over the top, he does make friends because the thing is overall, and even in the sh- the series, even if you don't like it and you never watched it, whatnot. The fun of it is, is that Peacemaker, he, he might be an over the top guy. He might be kind of hateful at points even, but he actually is pretty genuine of what he wants to do, what he thinks he should do. He wants to be a hero and he does really want friends and family. It just you know, pure, not even just like trying to finagle and he just hopes that people like him. And you see that in this people have even Amanda Waller, when she talks to him, says, I don't know how you do it because you're, you're fucking nonsense, but you always end up doing it in your own way. And it worked out. And he did. Yeah, I don't know how you put it off, you son of a bitch, but you did it. And she says, you're a wooden club of a human being. <laughs> it's got simple, rough and only good for bashing things. But somehow, despite yourself, you've come through with a victory again. That's kind of an insult. That's backdoor shade throughout. He's happy. He's got such a smile on his face. It's a backhanded compliment. And he doesn't care. She's shaking his hand. He's like, thanks, I think. that's. Then you get, I mean, there's some crazy things that happen in here. Also, I like that what Peacemaker says. Hey, I know some of you, you want a vegetarian option. I got that. And Harley gets uh, two pieces of celery on the bun. He's like, this is it. There you go. Have it there, vegetarian. He also looks like he might be making Hot Pockets or possibly pizza. 
bites or whatever. But then you end up having things going on with, you know, just crazy stuff. It is fun. Everybody, it's just wrapping it up. This is the wrap up deal. And that's where you get the porno. That's when you get Dan Stroke. He, and that's why he says, I can't believe you found these in the, in the woods. Yeah. Then now, now that makes more sense. And yep. also drinking Mountain Dew. And uh, he's like, come on, man. We're, we're doing all this stuff. I got the pizza rolls, dude. My dude. Come on. And he's like, no, no, I'm watching this. And it is funny with, with Dan Stroke here. And he's like, you found these in the woods. And you, at some point, because he is a young, you think the peacemaker will make him stop watching it. But he doesn't. And he's so no. proud that he found them. He's like, yeah, I found them in the woods. He's like, that's like a Isn't treasure. it cool? He's like, it's very treasurous. Like, it's awesome. And so he's having a good time. And then we do end with a pretty cool deal. The demolition team, they show up. And this oh, is, they're this, And yeah, this is the wraparound because this is how he kind of started. They show up and like, we're going to get this guy. We're Because at the beginning, there was some funny scenes at the very beginning with them, with the attacks when... <laughs> Yeah, Peacemaker is just wrecking house, killing people and whatnot. But they end up coming. We're going to get him. You end up with one last kind of joke where you're like, hey, listen, we're going to get him and we're going to put violence straight up his butthole, boys. And then you end up having Scoop go, uh, are we going to be targeting the assholes? <laughs> like, is this real? <laughs> oh, come on, man. Let's go. And it's it's a stupid joke, but it makes sense for them. Yeah, because that's all they've been doing. And they're they're kind of jokes anyway. So, yeah. And and the funny play of it is, in my mind, is that the real play was that the demolition, they're nonsense, but they also were the same kind of nonsense as Peacemaker. But through this, he's elevated himself and with friends, and they never would have expected that anybody would have shown up at his birthday party. Kick open the door, and there's just the Suicide Squad and everybody, you know, and just, I was like, well, uh, King Shark alone would make yeah, me King run, Shark's but there. all of them? Yeah, King Shark's eating cake, you get Deadshot, Boomerang, Waller, and you get Dance Strokes right there doing his moves, Harley, all of them, so it's pretty cool. It's a really good book. It was really fun. Yeah, this it was one a lot not of fun. as fun. It wraps it up though and has some moments. So overall, what would you give this? Yeah, so for this issue, I'm going to give it an eight point five. Like you said, it's not as fun as the previous issues, but it's still a really good heartfelt ending. Uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. I like the art. The art's stupendous, as I said. Uh, yeah. But if I had to rate the whole series, I'm going to go ahead and give it a nine point five. It's almost perfect to me, Jim. I'd it's give it almost a nine. Perfect. I'd give, give it, a it a nine overall. I'm going to give this one an eight five, like you. But what I do like about it. Is that it actually has an ending I mean if you get this trade You're going to get a funny One of the funniest stories I've read in a long time And it actually does go And things just the idea Like a sitcom like The Peacemaker show At the end you actually tie it back to the beginning With the demolition but you see the progression You see how he has actually evolved You see in that little deal And and an evolution for Peacemaker is just that People kind of can stand him they kind of like him. He does have friends, though. I mean, Dan, if you keep going and you have Dance Stroke and Peacemaker in a book, I'm for it. I, that'd be hilarious. And I think it would be funny for Peacemaker to try to be his own, like, he's going to be like a dad to dad. And that, that would be fun. There's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And some really over-the-top raunchy jokes earlier. Like, in those first couple issues, I actually was like, holy crap, I couldn't believe some of the things they were doing. So overall, I'm a nine. This is an eight five, but it's one of my favorite kind of hidden gems. Yeah, it's one of the best books DC has put out recently. I have not heard anybody say that they tried reading it and they didn't like it. All I hear is it's like you find out it's like the secret code. I was talking to one guy and I'm like, oh, you know, one of the books that nobody I I really like the Peacemaker tries hard. And they're like, oh, my God, that's the best book. It's like that weird 
thing that you like, but I don't think anybody's embarrassed per se, but it, it feels like it's one of those that people don't really know what's out there, but yeah, once very they do, overlooked. it's like really good. Yeah, yeah, I think that people should give it a shot. Now, I wish we were overlooking the next one because <laughs> I don't really love this book. I, 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 Blue Beetle Graduation Day, I dealt with. It was more of an Eric thing. It was more of a, you know, he loves Jaime. I like to get involved, learn about the characters a little more. And, and seriously, for me, because I haven't been reading comics most of my life, I have read through a bunch of series, of, but that's the problem. You keep getting another series because it fails and it ends up getting canceled. It fails, it gets canceled. And there is no reason, especially because of how the movie kind of went about. There's no reason this book did have to come out. And I don't understand why, if you're going to do this, I know that Josh Trujillo, um, he's doing his deal. Maybe he's trying his best. I'm trying to be nice, but he's not a great writer. He really isn't. He's the one who did one of the worst things I've ever read in my life with the face clown, all this nonsense. Yeah, we still got to review that, Jim. You said we were going to. It's so bad. It you is draw so straws? bad. Yeah, you draw straws, all right. And freaking jump off a roof. But this is Blue Beetle number two. And when we had last issue, we kind of, we were okay. Like, okay, you get the different Beatles. We're going to do some things. We're getting there. but. It always feels like either Josh Trujillo thinks you know more than you might, or he knows something different, but he doesn't want to tell. It's it's a weird play that the issue plays out in such an odd thing that things happen and you don't realize, okay, what is that all about? And then you get to yeah, the next there, scene. You go, what's this? And the, it's Yeah, there were weird, quite right? a few times where I was just like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, you know, I mean, I was talking to you before we started recording about the whole thing with what happened with Ice, where she's like, look, we're the JLI. We're really grateful for what you did for us way back, back when. I'm like, what the, yeah, what the hell are you talking about? It's like, oh, yeah, uh, Jaime brought them back together after Ted's death. Yeah, Ted's death. And he became the uh, – so. but not even – why not just say it the way that will let people understand? And, okay, I like – I like seeing Guy Gardner from space. Does that work in the continuity? I don't know because of what's yeah. going on. But he's like, when I get back to Earth, I'm going to kick whoever did. I'm that's fine. I'm just glad there was no mention of him being a wife beater or whatever. Yeah, it was well, that's later. Human target. Actually, what you did see, you didn't see it. Ice there is cowering in the corner. Oh, no. Holographic. Yeah, that, that's, that's why she's hiding behind fire. It's like, oh, my God, holographic Guy Gardner is going to beat me. Oh, my God, an awful person. But you also have fire and ice, which is weird to have here. But. I, yep. I even say it, actually, in the next book, when in the Poison Ivy, I can let things like that slide because I, I don't give them credit for any of it. Nobody's keeping track of things anyway. So having it, yeah, it's just the idea in my mind, though. In Graduation Day, we had, oh, my God, Starfire's here. They even mentioned Starfire in this issue. Oh, my God, the Justice League. I, I want Blue Beetle. I want if you're going to give me these new Beatles, I want to see them as well, but not in a way that's just it's like forced down your throat because you get this. Yeah, you, you see them in here and it's very exposition dumpy. Like, so let's let me tell you who they are when we get when we'll get to that because it's the next scene. But in this, again, this feels like it, this isn't going to get more people buying the book. The idea that the JLI shows up. So in my mind, this seems like Josh Trujillo is wasting page space to let you know, hey, by the way. I heard that, you know, Ted Cord was part of Blue and Gold and also in the JLI. We know that. We don't need him in this book. Th this book is Blue Beetle, and you've had a lot of problems now in eight issues total, giving me any reason to connect with Jaime in this because you're always dealing with other things. So you end up having the conversation with Ice nice enough, but still. And then the idea that, oh, my God, is Victoria Cord 
Ted's sister, if she's the one who might have done that to Ted. You play that for a second, but it feels weird. She's firing yeah. people for no reason. It really feels odd. And then you have Brenda who shows up for Yeah, we well, called it, Jim. We called yeah. it. So why? Why is this shit happening anyway? We'll see when it does come down. But even then, they're looking at surveillance. I'm going to get who did this. Nobody messes with a cord, right? We're at page eight. We still haven't really gotten any story. We've actually just seen, oh, Ted's okay and people want revenge. So we then yeah. go off and we go to Ziamora and Roma, the other, you know, the other beetle. Yeah, the yellow and green beetle. They're there, just they're out of their scarabs. So I, again, you have to have that. But do something so we can end up connecting them. I, I still haven't really connected them with the deal. And then all of a sudden, you realize just really either an editor said, you know what? You haven't done shit to set anything up. We don't know anything about these Beatles. We really don't know the actual info. They might as well have had a Jonathan Hickman data page. And I would have, if you had a who's who DC page here, hey, here's Ziamora. I would have been better served because when I read this, what kind of people are standing around? Me and you are standing around. Hey, by the way, Zach, uh, I'd like to, it, it plays almost off like a, a dating app kind of like intro deal. Hi, my name's Yamora. I like doing cool things with my scarab, who I like to call this. And I, ohm eps. And I, it's just exposition. You're never yeah. going to have people remember this because there's no way to. If, if this was the idea that you had been, this should have been set up so long. This should have been set up last it's, you know, last series, the graduation Yeah, it should have been last series, especially when they first got uh, Dynasties in that cage in the first series from Graduation yes. Day. It should have been like, oh, well, what's the scarab? Tell us about your scarab. It's like, oh, well, it's OMEP, and it does this, it does that, and this is what I was. But instead, it was like, no, I'm going to break free now. Bye-bye. And here, just think of this. You have Ziamora, right? Sca but that's mm -hmm. Dynasties. But also, yep. the scarab's name... It, it, you're, there's too much going on And you're not really centering on anything You're not giving me a way to say Okay, that's that, this is that You have to really actually just sit there and go Okay, Om X is the Scarab, goes by Dynasties And the deal, but Ziamora And this, it's too much it, It's not a good way of doing it This is not good writing And so when you get to this though, again This could have even been better served In the graduation day where they end up Who is this Ziamora? And you end up having Ted Cord, and it comes up because that's all it is. It's just a, a page giving us info that is given in the most unnatural, forced way. But then you, and plus you just go from that page to boom, you go away from it, and then you go not to Jaime. Still, we then go to the horizon, and we had that princess, the guy, and this big thing of hey, we're building our buildings, kind of like it here on Earth. Pretty cool. And then you have to get that weird thing. It actually plays out a lot. We're doing the Walking Dead uh, reading club. And at the point, you have Rick in The Walking Dead, who's kind of being sus. Like, if these people don't want us to stay here, we're going to take it ourselves. Yeah, that's Alexandria, right? Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, exactly. So that's what this plays out like. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll fit in. But what if we don't? Or if we don't? We'll have to end up doing something different. <laughs> like, don't yeah, do we'll that. take it by force. It's Rick. It's Alexandra. It's it's a hundred percent. And and then from that, boom, we get another scarab red thing out of nowhere. The blood scarab that shows up. The blood up. scarab. Yeah, it's just there and like boom, starts wrecking house, yelling about, I'm here to take down the 
imposters and I'm going to do this the full scare. They have something against other Beatles, like, because they're going after everybody but Jaime. Yeah. And even then, here, I come here to destroy the false scarabs and their creators. And then you end up having Ziamora and Roma step up and like, hey, jackass, we're here. It's not too late to surrender. And then he says more imitate. Like, I thought he was there to get them right away. I thought that's. But he says more imitators as if there's like 800 now. Really? Like, you know what I'm saying here? Like, he showed up almost like. All right, we want those imitators. Let's go. I, I'm going to draw them out. And when they do come out, he goes, "Oh, more of yai, <laughs> so bad." <laughs> so then they fight. They just end up fighting. I could barely follow this fight. I like the oh, art at points, but this fight is convoluted as shit. I, it's so well, it's long. it's barely a fight, Jim, because they don't do shit against him. Yeah, they don't do shit. Yeah, and and then you end up getting the horizon involved, and then that's what it leads to is the horizon king at the one point getting injured, possibly killed. We find out no, but when all this is even at one point, you even have Ziamora looks like, oh my god, she's going to get choked out. She yells no, boots the thing down, and then starts coughing. They end up getting. What is happening in this? It, there's it's so bullshit. And, yeah, then and, then, just, and then Jaime Jaime shows up, and then that person's like, "Oh no, not yet. I'm not ready." And then everybody gets mad at Jaime, being like, "Where the hell were you?" And it's like, "Yeah, uh, I was at the hospital." At Thank the you hospital. very much. That's probably across town. I got here in like five minutes. Yeah, they, this this blood scarabs going to town. Jaime shows up, and and again, I'm asking you desperately, Zach. Okay, he said he came. The blood scarab shows up, right? Whether it's going to be Brenda. The intern with her red hair, or whatever. The, the, the blood scarab shows up, says, I'm here to take down the imposters of the scarab. Ziamora, Roma step up. Hey, jackass, let's fight. Oh, more imposters starts fighting. And then when Jaime, what other things? Because then Jaime shows up and, oh, I'm not ready for this. So why did you jump out of nowhere in the middle of a town square yelling? What, what were you yelling? He, he, what were you doing? He was just there for the imposters, okay? Once Jaime shows up, he's the real deal. He can't handle him. But the imposters, they weren't them either. He said, oh, others. Like, there was never anything that he had in his mind that there were. And and so then I thought, why didn't he just say, I'm here to take down the horizon? Because it did seem yeah. at one point he's going after them. But they're not scared. This is terrible. And so <laughs> you end up where then, like you said, they're going to shame Jaime. Huh. Yeah. Where were you? What? I was at the bedside of my mentor slash friend because, you know, he got slashed up and all that. Like, where were you when that shit happens, asshole? And they're, they're shaming him. They're shaming yeah. him because he and, and then you even have this horizon jackasses. They're like, you're supposed to protect us. My dad's alive. No, thanks to you. I would say, hey, get this. Get the fuck out of here. Get in that <laughs> ship and get the fuck out. Well, last I checked, Jim, last I checked, the bad guy only ran away when he showed up. So technically, he did yeah, do he something. he saved him. He saved him. And again, the whole play of this and they're trying to do, oh, they're like immigrants. Fuck that. Just go with the idea that they ended up on. The, they caused problems. Get it. They're on the planet. He ended up getting all these things set up, trying to do this. And because he was not there at 100% their beck and call. But yet he did have the blood scare that left because he showed up. He's the one to blame. Oh, man, it is so bad. It, 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 the whole deal, the pacing, terrible. The setup, <laughs> non-existent. The exposition, fully. And then at the end, you have to cause this drama that isn't really there. I mean, they yeah. should, Jaime goes over, they should be like, oh, my God, 
Are you okay? We Like, I would have thought maybe this guy killed him in the meantime. Like, maybe that's why he's not. But no, no, nothing. It's all everybody pissed off. Where were you? You know what? Yeah. I was living my life. Jerk. Yeah, and so yeah, you get I there. I was being in only six pages of this book, because I counted Jim. He's only in six pages of this issue. That is it. And two of them is just him sitting there being sad. I said in graduation day that what you need to do in a Blue Beetle book is at the end, you have to get newer readers, especially younger readers, to realize, man, this Jaime's cool as shit. I want to learn more about Blue Beetle. I want to be Blue Beetle. I want to get Blue Beetle merch. I'm going to do this. Why are you doing this? Why in a book that you want to have that you didn't do it in graduation days, you know, hey, you're grounded. You're not allowed to use your powers. But then he did. Then he didn't. You have all these other guest stars. And this one, you end up him. Now they're blaming him because he wasn't there when he was. <laughs> really? Go blue. Be- like the idea that I'm at the end. And I'm like, man, I wish I was Jaime. Like, who the fuck wants to be any one of these? Get out of that fucking area. Nonsense. It's nonsense. It's bad. It's, the art's good until you have that fight, because it's all over the place. I don't know. Yeah. What would you give this? Uh, Let's see. I was going to give it a six to be generous, but I think I'm going down, honestly. I think I'm going to go down to a five. Fuck you! Fuck you five for me. I'm so... Okay, I'm, I'm doing a normal five. I'm not going to go that low Okay, yet, but... I'm uh, doing it could fuck you five, by the way. I just want to let you know. The, the reason why, okay. again... It, I'm here to just see a cool book, have something like I this week, especially there's been a lot of fun books. Yeah, they might not be the, the world mind bending books, but they're fun. You end up having a couple chuckles. You end up having characters do heroic things. Oh, my God. It, it seems so easy. Then you get to this one, which in the whole play, if you this should be the one that's fun. This should be the one like somebody has to go. I know that it kind of is cliche or whatnot, but. Just get an idea in your head that you want to do something that's kind of fun, like a Spider-Man book, but with Blue Beetle. I know that some people, we don't need that or whatever, but get that. T- Remind us that he is a, a kid, you know, a teen, and that he wants to do the superheroing and that it's fun to do it. And yeah, you have some setbacks, but in the end, you end up being a good guy, which he is. Like, you don't get any of that. Most of the time, you don't even get him. You end up, he's sad because Ted's hurt. Then he wanders off to this battle and they shade him. At this point, I'm telling Kanjay Dar to just get out of here. Get out with the getting's good. This shit sucks. Everybody hears assholes. The Horizon showed up and just made the whole earth a bunch of assholes. They brought their attitude. They, they came for Jaime's protection and now they don't want it. And it's just like, well, you can't win. And then for payment, they're going to give him fucking, you know, shade and guilt. That's what you get. They deal in guilt. Where it's were nonsense. you? I'm sorry, I'm not here. Where were back you? Call. That's why you created your own scarabs. Yeah, they they did. Yeah, and they didn't. Yet also, they they showed up with those scarabs. Were trying to kill him. Like exactly. really? It's like, like what are you, you should be mad at your own scarabs. Then you should be mad at Natita and Dynasties because they're the ones who failed. Yeah, I'm waiting for at one point where you end up where they're like, ah, oh, it really figures with that reach skit. And then I would have had enough. I'd be like, you go F yourself. I'm done with all your assholes. I'm out of here. But again, it's just, I don't know. And do you think that CMR, you think they're upset now? Because they shouldn't be either. They couldn't do the job. Uh, we we got to see if Dynasties gets her powers back because apparently she lost them or whatever when the Blood Scarab touched her. I, I don't know if that's permanent or whatever. I didn't even understand that. I was like, what, what, I don't what happened know to either. my powers? I just thought and it was like, like a power down, but it might not be. And if you end up like this book is bad. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about the cliffhanger. Apparently they're magic. Well, that's the big play, too. And that's the, the big play is to play that idea, because at one point they were going they're you know, they're the reach 
And then in Rebirth, Jeff Johns changed it to no, no, no. The scares were always magic, that it seemed like it was one thing. Then we went back to Alien Tech. Eric likes that. And then there's that mix now of magic and that it gets things yeah. wang like, I got to talk to my ex, Tracy 13. And, and that's Tracy just like, 13, another callback that we don't really care. No, also remember, you ended up having the stuff with Brenda and Paco last issue. Never even mentioned the idea of, oh, yeah. man, what's Brenda doing? And what's that sus deal? And Paco's there lifting weights, looking good. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up real quick. I know we keep talking about it. I'm sorry, but going back, when... Uh, Victoria said You're, you and your friends to owe me for what you took from me I had to do a double take I was like did they take anything from them in graduation day do you remember I don't remember I don't because remember they're saying in, in the movie uh, Jaime and his friends kind of a spoiler not really uh, just took something from her well, and I was Jaime like, well, ended up actually Jaime and them they did take but it didn't it didn't work out here with how that was and, yeah because she, she was just like you still owe me for stealing my stuff and I'm like when did that happen I read graduation day I'm one of the few who did and I don't remember that yeah and I, I made the joke earlier if they make Brenda somehow as being controlled and being that red I'll kill somebody <laughs> I like her like <laughs> She's there with her stupid, Brenda, get over here. Oh, no. Here we go. She's, she's the long, long ancestor of the original Pharaoh that we were talking about last issue. Just this little, this redhead chick. This guy doesn't know how to write a comic. He's terrible. He's awful. I hate to say it, but I don't hate to say it because I actually hate to read it. It's it's a slog and it's bad and it should be fun. It should be a little, you know, light. He tries. He plays these weird deals where I'm going to get dark here. I'm going to blood over there, but then I'm going to be light here, but then I'm going to drop exposition. It's a mess. It's a mess, this book. I'm going to show how awesome this guy is until he's not. Yeah, so screw it. So that's that. But we have one more book left. But thank you for joining me. Zach, we're going to actually. It's it's sad for me when I go from talking about Blue Beetle that I really want to like to go off to actually liking Poison Ivy more, which I haven't liked up to this point. So there you go. It's a weird, weird week. But we'll go with that right about now. All right, and here we are to end the podcast with one last book. It's Poison Ivy, and I'm here with my man Aiden. What up, Aiden? Hey, how we doing today, Jim? Uh, lovely. One thing that everybody wants to know is how is your cat? Everybody was concerned. I tried to tell them that your cat wasn't being attacked by a snake. It seemed like when you described it to me, the snake was getting attacked by the cat. Like, we should feel bad for the snake. You should feel bad for the snake. The snake was just minding his business, and he just happened to slither through one of the cracks in my garage, and then... He had to get tortured by the cat for an hour or so. Now, it'd be funny if you told us it was like a a cobra or something (laughs) like that. Like It could have been a dangerous snake. I kind of didn't look at it super hard. There's a ton of them in Florida, and I don't know them all. Once there's so many dangerous snakes in your area, you're just like, all snakes I should be five feet away from. Well, now now you got me all worried and upset because of that video where I saw that old lady getting eaten by a a crocodile or an alligator. (laughs) Scared the crap out of me. I still wake up with that thing. That thing scared the crap out of me, that one. But... Here we are, and speaking of crocodiles, that was, a good segue. That, that was a segue. We're talking about Poison Ivy, and we do get Killer Croc in this, and an issue that Aiden has already told me he loves, which will continue the positivity Fantastic. of this week. I, uh, I I hate this series pretty much. I think it's terrible. I don't think there's any reason for it, but I actually like this issue. I actually like the issue because you focus more on Ivy. You talk about bits of the green, stuff like that. You have a weird setup with this Undine, I thought it 
there's a little bit of uh, fudging to get to where we get to with him, but that's fine. <laughs> there was a there was a lot of information that could have been relevant to make the issue last week better. That's in the front of this issue. So I just need wh- whoever did the initial paperwork, initial studies, and then signed off on this, the EPR, whatever. Somebody's in big trouble because they didn't really look into what was going on here, and suddenly you got mutants and DNA changing stuff, but. It's okay, and I I think that this actually would have played off even with, uh, like, an annual, something like that. Uh, Yeah, you're going to continue the Undine stuff, but this could have just been a random, you know, factory do this and have a story with Killer Croc. It gets some moments who I love, but it is Poison Ivy number 15. It's written by G. Willow Wilson, art by Marceo Takara, colors by Ripiano, Hussein Atsame Elhau on letters. And I am, uh, just to let everybody know, it's not like I come in here and have a vendetta, as some people say, on G. Willow Wilson. I actually like G. Willow Wilson and liked a couple. I'd love, a lot of people were down, you know, initially they love Kamala and the Miss Marvel stuff. I love it. I think that her Kamala Khan Miss Marvel was great. I liked her dreaming stuff that she did. It's just that this series just never connected. It kept shifting paths and things, and, and none of them were really for me. But I like this issue. Uh, and you said you like it. And we start out with. You know, this Undine, I'd like to think that his first name's Robert so he could be Robert Plant, but that's besides the point. But he's there and he's a big flower-headed guy. Actually looks a lot like Mr. Bloom from back in Scott Snyder's Batman. And the new 52 yeah. kind of has a little feel of that. I mean, but... I think he has, a, he has a good design. We get some fun power origins. It's all done super fast. So if I'm pretending that this is Poison Ivy number one, I guess, this is a very fun issue. I like this introduction. But knowing that I spent all of... Well, a month ago, the first comic I reviewed, actually, for Poison Ivy 14, I was just bored. And all of this information could have fit into that issue. But that being said, we get his transformation into the flower. It's cool. And then we learn that his building is essentially just a haunted house. Yeah, it's a haunted house with this weird changing green steel, which seems like it might be a cool play, but she's not going to spend much time with it. And that's kind of the part at the beginning. You are rushing through some things but maybe that's better maybe that's why we're not bored because we get past that now i do give undine a lot of credit too once he ends up changing to a flower face guy he coordinates he actually has blue and white petals and he gets a blue suit with the white deal blue tie i mean at least he's going with that but he's playing the idea and again I'll, i'll tell you one thing when we get done this i actually do like it i do think that it might be something that people read and maybe it's like oh okay that's kind of cool whatever but if it expanded, because the idea of Ivy having problems with the green, all of that, and then this Undine coming in and not necessarily being part of the green, but kind of thinks he is and is saying he's a warrior for the green. That could be real interesting, but that kind of ends up just kind of getting past that to just have what is a, a comic book evil guy. He's doing his, you know, pretty much monologue. I, it, so that's OK. But there are some neat things. What I said earlier, though. He ends up saying to Ivy, listen, we're alike. She doesn't want to hear that. But he says, I ended up doing this program. I had this green steel. We started building stuff. We had things going on. It was great. And then, oh, my God, a couple weeks later, we found out that this whole play ends up mutating DNA. Where was the testing before that? And then, like you said, you get the haunted house. And this is the greatest because they end up building this factory, this building. And while it's going on, you have the shifting of rooms. You have a Hogwarts type deal here, right? And they even say, like, one guy, he's in the building. Next thing they come in and he's embedded in concrete that actually was poured and set weeks ago. So, oh, my God, he somehow he phased in or it phased on to him. 
Then you get some guy who's just there with a paint roller, and they're like, this guy, yeah, that guy got off easy, didn't he? Like, this guy, one guy gets embedded in a wall. Another guy randomly just gets murdered by the building. This other guy, he just finds a stairway that didn't exist before. He's looking at the stairway, and I'm thinking, two out of three are really, really horrific. This guy, he's got the luck of the Irish in him. He's like, just going to walk away, man. Just going to call this one a day. It's funny. I, to me, I really wanted to see him start losing it. Oh, my God. A staircase. Ah! And he goes running like it's the worst thing ever. Yeah, that would. there could have been humor. They inserted humor with the monologue, but uh, I love I loved Eugene's dialogue there. I mean, I know it's like corny standard comic book stuff. It is. It's evil villain stuff, which is fine. This comic book is kind of like generally like a basic script. I mean, we were talking about the murder pages, but right next to that is a full page splash of Udine like grabbing his flower. Man, it's pretty. It's really pretty on yeah, the paper. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty. And he ends up, you know, you have this like green steel that's kind of blue, actually, kind of a little aqua. It's floating around. And again, if you go into a room and that's floating, get the hell out. That, that's just my opinion of it. Uh, but maybe one of like the guy who ended up fused in the wall, he was the foreman. Nobody knows what to do now. That guy, they, they don't know how to properly do things on their own. They find staircases. One guy's straight up murder. They start painting in the middle of construction. Nobody Except, knows what's yeah, going that, on. That's the thing, too. You end up with, I think that guy was heading off to paint over the wall the guy was embedded in. That's what they were doing. Like, well, let's get rid of this thing. But so Undine is, is saying, like, things went bad. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that things were smooth here, but it wasn't what I was trying to do. And in there, I think that, like, he almost gets that idea that you get in a lot of things where, you know, oh, my God, the the aliens, they have made me the greatest thing. When you find out later that you're just bullshit, you're kind of, they're going to eat you when they come down. But you think you're the second coming. He thinks that he's a big deal. He thinks that they're doing this. And now he has a purpose. And, boy, I'm going to do this. And, uh, by the way, Ivy, you're stuck here as well. That That, like, gets thrown in there. I thought that was fun because he throws that in there. And then we almost immediately jump back to croc and this book has been like the issues leading into like 13 when it kind of soft resets it's been really bad with its transitions and stories but this one really was clean well and it's clean because you don't have dirty ass janet from hr that's yep. the best part of this and what i i think goes on here and why i think and, and like you're saying this also when you said about the editorial and maybe tightening it i also was kind of like maybe if we actually kind of go and Put in or out night terrors. Who knows how they're going to play it? But maybe this is like, let we have to end a trade. Let's get things going. We're going to set or we want to get this next big thing. Maybe something's coming with a crossover. Who knows? But it really does feel like somebody had gone to G. Willow Wilson and said, listen, no more fucking dilly dallying. And dilly dallying means Janet from HR a lot of times because she is kind of that. It's nice. She She's kind of that grounded deal, but she's also just sends the book all over the place. And this, I think, is let's focus back on Ivy and then Croc, who's great. And her and Croc are so well together in this that I was pissed. It's one of the things that I hated about this issue. I wanted her to say, Croc, just stay. We got an extra room back there. I wanted Croc to stay in the shack with her. I wanted them to be roommates. I thought it'd be hilarious because he's really good here. I'd love that. I would love that. He does say he's going to check in. You know that Solomon Grundy and shit's going to start coming out and whatnot. But <laughs> that was my first thought with Slaughter Swamp. And then I had a couple other thoughts that could be that could be cool. But then I was like, 
we'll just see where G. Willow Wilson goes back. But if we needed any proof, like definite proof for like the internet community, if G. Willow Wilson can write a normal superhero comic book, it's absolutely. There's action in this. Ivy is finding solutions. There's corny dialogue. The art's good. G. Willow Wilson can give us a Poison Ivy book this good every week. Editorial just needs to make sure that Janet from HR is used as much as possible. And then another thought I had more towards the end of the issue, especially with this action, man. The action hasn't been this crisp the entire series. I'd love to see this artist go to, uh, what's the, they're doing a creep show right now at Image. I would love to see him go do some of that stuff. I, I like Marcel Takara. I actually think that if you ever had some time where you needed like a, uh, an arc in Detective Comics, like do something like that, it kind of oh, has that fun. feel a little too. I, I do like oh, the art. Oh, speaking and I, of I Detective Comics, this book did not, in my opinion, with Killer Croc appearing last week in Detective Comics and this week again in Ivy, I did not feel like they crossed continuity streams to where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I'm telling you, he ended up like King Shark has shown up like 17 times in the last two weeks. And I'm like, eh, it works. It's King Shark. So I, I'm not one that actually gets upset about that now if somebody else was thinking about it i'm also thinking about it if we had it in this and all of a sudden i, I don't know i'm trying to like jason todd shows up here and he's doing breakdance moves and ends up you know selling ice cream cones i'd, I'd, I'd have a problem the right yeah then that would be the problem but but then he'd be jason from hr that's what he does <laughs> i would love to see jason from hr yeah that would be funny like he's I think they hiding only out mentioned janet in one yeah only one box in the beginning yeah, actually says, I hope that she's okay with, with Harley. And that, to me, was great because I really don't need Harley. I love Harley. I'm I'm actually the biggest fan of Harley on our podcast, but I think that she's overdone. She's in the Birds of Prey now, so I don't – I know that people love Ivy and Harley together. But, again, you're going to veer away from – unless the issue is specifically about Ivy and Harley smooching it up and doing something, that's fine. But if you have this and Harley like walked in, it would change the whole tone. And uh, that would be so I like when she says, I hope that Janet is off with Ivy having fun. We know that they were smooching as well, but that kind of gets them out. So you, you do have the focus on Ivy, who is conflicted here about it, it, it comes down to the idea. Undine is saying, hey, listen, we're alike. This freaks Ivy out. But Ivy has been a bit of a villain again in the series. And she's kind of torn between it when she's trying to figure out. You know, is this guy like me? Are we like this? In the meantime, they got to get the hell out of this I also place. like that they they it's ambiguous. They definitely didn't kill him, but like it's ambiguous if they killed him or not. So we get the payoff in the issue. Wow, they beat the bad guy, but we can also see him again. I'd love to see him. You would. I, I'm telling yeah. you, if he came like 10 issues from now, people would be like, oh, there's the flower guy. I don't know. Oh, I, 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 would, actually, I would feel so differently. I'd just be like, LeBron James just showed up again. We got the flower villain back. And I hopefully he gets beat in like four pages in a fight again. Also, I don't need him to be like the Joker, but he would be like a good reoccurring villain because this series needs villains, man. Well, and the problem is, I think, in, in the way that this plays out and the way that not just G. Willow Wilson, this is a whole deal in the whole industry. I guarantee if he shows up again, it's because they go to look for him to save him, because even at the point Ivy wants to try to help him, which was nice. That gives you that. But I have a feeling that if he shows up again, he won't be a villain. He'll end up teaming up with them. He'll end up coming to them because that's what we always do. That's where a lot of books are hurt because you don't establish any new rogues gallery because you're always hugging and a kissing the bad guys. I said a bad guy is just a best friend you haven't met yet anymore. And, you know, even with the idea of the big book at Batman, I mean, we have, we have Catwoman rehabilitating everyone. They're doing this. The metal set. 
It's nonsense. So when you get this, though, and, and Croc, he genuinely is worried. I I, I kind of wish that it was played a little because he's waiting for, like, come on, I, I got to get going. I got some. But he does feel like he's worried. Uh, what's wrong with her? What's going on? This isn't it's like a, her. It's a big brother, little sister dynamic. Yeah, and I love that. That's why I wanted him to stay. And, and if you have read a bunch of things at points, these are the things, and G. Will Wilson grabs onto the things that I do really love about Croc at one point being Jason Todd's AA guy and, and actually showing that he has like that heart of gold. It's just nobody will ever realize that because he's a big crocodile guy. So you have that. That's kind of even when G. Will Wilson plays it to really push. Listen, Croc is not dumb just because I love the idea, too. It's like talking about crocodiles aren't dumb. I'm like. This is kind of more than a crocodile. You know what I mean? It's a crocodile guy. And we're not talking about just a crocodile here, but he does go off and I got to go find her. And he, he is able to find her. And the art with him standing there waiting, I really do like that. When he's standing at the shack and sort of oh, stuff, he's, he's, got like, the, he's the one arm on the side. That stuff was good. I really liked him on the fence. Yeah, that's cool too. When he's jumping at the, even then you have people like, Oh my God, get out of here. And, and that's the biggest frog I've ever seen is actually what they say. And I like, it's funny, kind of. It's kind of, kind but of funny, but it's what enough. I do like about it, not the funny part, I do like that I think that G. Willow Wilson is, you know, try to subtly show you people don't really respect or know Croc. Like, if you're watching, you see this, this should be something that you go and, oh, my God, I, I just crapped my pants, but this is Gotham. So they're like, oh, it looks like a big frog. Like, oh, they're so guy. desensitized to anything with that. It's like, thank God it's not that penguin, dude. But yeah, you end up where he jumps the fence and goes as Ivy is trying to get away. Croc comes in and he remembers his mom talking about, you know, the fun house. Like you, like you said, this is like the fun house, except it's not that fun. And I <laughs> want to get out. And he is able to do things. There's a big play with the narration of Ivy. Like, don't think fast, think slow, work it out. And he does. And it's fine. And then he ends up getting her. But it's almost like, well, you freed me, but we're still trapped. What are we going to do? And that's when Undine comes and Croc gets to kick some ass, which that's cool too, right? It's good. It's we need it. Um, I think G. Willow Wilson should uh, be able to get moved to Catwoman, hopefully. Get moved up a tier in the writing sphere. Maybe. I don't. People might. Too. This book sells way better. So, yeah. And, and Teeny Howard's just terrible. But, yeah, you end up having Poison Ivy here. And Undine's still pushing the whole play. But Croc's there to save him. What? Ivy figures out because they got to get rid of this green, I'm telling you, this green steel, crazy, haunted nonsense. And so Ivy figures I'm going to ingest it and use the Lamy spores to kind of break it down. I think that when she's done, she'll probably shit green shit like when you eat the oops all berries because you know that shit's coming out wrong and it's going to be some problems. That's why it's good she's in a swamp later. But you end up where well, she does ingest this, it. The, the green steel is blue. Well, I'm telling you. I eat the oops all berries. I see red, I see purple, and I shit out green. So I'm not, all bets are off. I'm telling you, you ever have those? It's it's St. Patrick's Day every day when you're eating those things. It's, it's weird. Wow. But you end up where they're going to go, and they have to get out of there because as Ivy's doing this, the whole place is coming down. It's all, you know, it's deteriorating. He, She's actually grabbing everything from it and trying to get in there. It's Again, it might be a little fast. It kind of just lets you know, hey, this is what's happening. We're going to do it. But at the end, you do have a good thing where even Croc then grabs her and, and carries her out. And they're, they're safe. That's when you see. That's when Ivy's throwing up. And them. then we have a mention of the green. So then I want to bring up just like another minor point. Like, I hope we do talk about the green more in this series. I always feel like Ivy's relation to the green has been more nebulous. And now that I feel like this book is like in a groove, like a little bit of a groove. 
I have three issues that if you were reading other DC books, I would tell you to grab this series. So well, we and, and we end and, and basically we'll end it then. You could give those points because we end with pretty much Ivy saying, "Hey, thanks a lot, Croc. That was great." Croc really shows again he has the heart of gold and also shows that he is smarter than what you might think, which is cool. Yeah, he, he has one of those philosophical moments and then kind of realizes it and like, "Yeah, I'm out of here." Like almost like, "What am I talking about?" And goes, but ends up saying to Ivy, "You can have the shack. The shack's yours." Thanks a lot. I wanted her to say, no, 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 you stay. There's two rooms, whatnot. But he says, watch out. I'll keep an eye on you. There's some weird things in Slaughter Swamp, which we know there is. So that's kind of a cool way. But in that, you get an ending that really just, that's why I think it felt to me like an annual, because you do get that ending that could just be the ending. If this was like the end of the series, you could even work it that way. It'd be a weird ending. But you do get the two walking down, talking, and off they go. So I, I did like this more than usual. But what are your points about the books? My point with this book right here is that it has momentum now, which is something I would say at least half of the DC line doesn't have. We're on issue three of a good one. It has avenues to explore. It's set up a good, it's set up a maybe a villain that can show up again, Udine. Um, and I think the side characters are really working right now. Like, I think Harley and Janet, we'll, we'll get back to them. We don't need to obsess the book over it then. And then I would say the structure of the comic book was near flawless as, like, there's, like, a little bit of story issues. But, like, as far as I'm concerned, this is what the average comic book should be and the Poison Ivy book should be that. Also, one other thing is the covers were weak this week, but Randall said he still almost sold every issue. So maybe this comic book is not only selling for covers. And I think that's all of my thoughts on this. Now that we're back in Gotham, I think it has a little more traction. I think the Gotham bit is going to allow it to do some better things. So and I we'll think see. Uh, we'll tonally see. it stands out, at least from the other Ben Abernathy group books, is this one is this one has a sense of humor that isn't like annoying or out of place. And then also I didn't hate things that ever happened in any pages of the comic books. So what would you give it? What score? Six and a half. But you said it was flawless. I was waiting for you to give it like a nine point eight. I know. Isn't that so fun with me? I talk so positive and then I'm like, it's technically a D. You're trying to dupe me. I'm, <laughs> si- I'm sitting there thinking like, here's the thing. I'm giving it a six. I'm sitting there thinking that me and you are going to start strangling each other because you gave it a 10 and I gave it a six and we're both calling each other nonsense. So I, again, I think that if you have, haven't been reading the book and maybe you, you dropped it or maybe you didn't read and you just want to see, hey, what's up with Ivy? Kind of like Croc. I don't think you'll be upset about this. And Thanks for joining me. Again, Aiden, make sure that everybody checks the uh, show notes of the podcast to go off and and go to Randall's store. What is the store called again? South Tampa Comics. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, they are closed. Open every other day of the week, noon to five. Alrighty, And my book of the week is Shazam number four, I believe. But I also really enjoyed Fire and Ice out of nowhere. I also really enjoyed Peacemaker Tries Hard. I think that that is a hidden gem. I think most people should check that out, as well as Superman vs. Meshi, which continues being one of my favorites. But even stuff like Birds of Prey, I like better than the first issue. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. Of course, also, old Eric joining me to talk about Batman. And yeah, he's going to be joining me now back on the show. So things will get back to what they were, back to normal, all of that. But I just want to give one last shout out to all the guest hosts who not only helped in this episode, but helped in all the others. And they're not going away. There are still books. I, I even when me and Eric got done recording that long ass Batman review, 
uh, we were talking about some of the books coming up and some of the books that I had to ditch because he wasn't around and things like that. So we are going to be re-adding books that I might have stopped with that, like The Penguin, maybe even Brave and the Bold, stuff like that. But there's also books that Eric does not want to have any parts with that will continue. And each time one of those books comes up, and there's others even coming out this next week, we have Batman City of Madness. Eric wants no parts of it. So somebody will be joining me. I'm going to end up doing that where the guest hosts, they're not going to go away completely. We will have them in and out with all these other books going on. And, of course, still Luke Hollywood talking the manga because Eric thinks that's real nonsense. But here are the books for next week. Two of these will be on the Patreon spotlight, patreon.com slash weird science, which me and Eric will be doing. And there's not that many books. So if you do want to get involved, if you do want to hear what that's all about and you want to test the waters, you can go over to the Patreon and sign up for a seven-day free trial. You can check out our Spotlight show and all the other shows there and then decide if you want to stick around afterwards, which would be pretty cool. But again, it's Weird Science. Well, Weird Science. It's Patreon.com slash Weird Science, right? That's how you do it, folks. Here are the books. Batman and Robin number two. I already mentioned Batman City of Madness, number one. That will be on the show next week. It won't be in the poll because Eric won't be talking about that. But we also have Green Lantern, number four. Superboy Man of Tomorrow, number six. Wesley Dodds, the Sandman, number one. And World's Finest, Teen Titans, number four. If I'm going to pick what I think will be on the spotlight, I am almost guaranteeing you that it'll be Sandman and Batman and Robin. So if you want to hear that, uh, yeah. Sign up, check out our Patreon. Like I said, sign up for a seven-day free trial. I don't know if you know that, but it's free. That, that's why they call it a free trial. I don't know why you would think any other way, but there, there you go. And that will give you a chance. And, and really what I always say, and I say, oh, we got a plethora of shows. We got a ton of shows, as I said earlier. But we really do. There are a ton of shows. And if you had enjoyed a lot of the things, like say you enjoy me talking with Simon. Well, me and Simon do a Hellboy podcast on our Patreon. If you enjoy me and Matt Razor talking, me and Matt Razor not only do a bunch of the Marvel stuff on the old Marvel feed, but we also have a crisis event podcast on the Patreon. And and it just goes on and on. Me and Zach, we're starting up one because, you know, now that we're talking, but now that they're expect, we're going to start up a year one podcast where we're going to go through all different year ones, starting with Batman this Monday. So our Tuesday, I think he'll have to remind me. I can't remember, but that all those things going on and probably I'm going to probably add some more shows as well, because with Eric back suddenly, while I didn't think I had a lot of time before, I realized that I had more time than I thought because it took a lot of scheduling, a lot of recording to get the podcast done. And now it's going to feel like I just have, I'm going to be sitting around twiddling my thumbs and I don't like, like idle time. You know, as they say with idle hands come, you know, Really weird stuff. So I don't need that in my life. I already got nonsense going on. So overall, what I'm saying, and I actually forget what I'm saying. What I'm saying is check out our Patreon. One last time, patreon.com slash weird science. But that's it. That's the show. I hope that everybody enjoyed having Eric back. It was completely just out of the blue. I asked him on Saturday as I'm recording this outro. I had already even recorded the intro. So that's why I didn't even mention it then. I ended up doing that, and now I'm doing the outro. That's the deal. I hope you liked it, though. It was a big surprise for me. I was very excited about it. I hope you liked that, and we'll get back. You can rest assured you don't have to listen to my nonsense by myself anymore. 
But that's it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, I really appreciate it. And we will talk to you all later. You are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.